Uh, ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls and friends beyond the binary. It's time for the podcaster patrons. I'll be honest with you. One half of, I'm wearing shorts and one half of my short, one half of one half of my shorts. So a quarter of my shorts are wet uh, or damp uh, only because I got splashed. Or no, I was carrying something that I washed. Uh, it wasn't splashed and it was wet. I was carrying it next to me. Kind of like being splashed, uh, but I'm going to splash you with lulls, uh, patrons, and you splash me with kindness and support so I can be here on a regular basis. Thank you so much for that. What do you say we get on with the show? Uh, hey, are you up all night tossing, turning, mind racing, trouble getting to sleep, trouble staying asleep? Uh, it's time for Sleep With Me, the podcast that puts you to sleep. We do it with a bedtime story. All you need to do is get in bed, turn out the lights, and press play. I'm going to do the rest. What I'm going to attempt to do is create a safe place where you could set aside whatever's keeping you awake. So it could be thoughts you're thinking about, you know, thoughts, things on your mind, uh, feelings like any emotions coming up for you, physical sensations. It could be anything, you know, a lot of different stuff. it's going, you know, that's your stuff. Holy cow, it's always there. Yeah, and sometimes it's, you're, you know, stuffed up in there. So uh, whatever it is that's keeping you awake, I'd like to take your mind off of that. And the way I'm going to do it is I got this nice, safe place all picked out. It's all set aside for you. You can pick out your part of the safe place. Uh, and you don't even have to pick it out, actually. You could just lie there and be like, yeah, I'm somewhere over there. Can you imagine that? That could be a new kind of sleepy movers. Now, just hear me out. Like, uh, it's probably the wrong time to talk about this. So I'll try to come back to it. Sleepy movers, because I better explain what the podcast is to the newest listeners. Welcome. What I'm also going to do, in addition to taking this safe place and letting you uh, arrange, have me arrange it for you, is I'm going to send my voice across the deep, dark night. I'm going to use lulling, uh, creaky, uh, lulling, soothing, creaky, dulcet tones, pointless meanders, uh, superfluous tangents. I'm going to go off topic. Oh, boy. I'll be off topic, and then I'll be back on topic, and then I'll be off topic again. Uh, Superfluous, what did I say? Pointless meanders, superfluous dialogue. Extra words, sleepy moves. I got the only moves I got are sleep. You see all those moves, scoots. So you've been working on your moves, huh? Oh boy, have I! Oh yeah, you, you scoots has got moves. The moves that put you to sleep. Uh, and I said, well, those moves weren't intended to put anybody to sleep. Those were supposed to be my, you know, if I had my fancy moves, my hot moves, my smooth moves. None of those put you to sleep, too. Oh, boy. Uh, so, okay, what's uh, pointless meanders? Oh, all to take your mind off of stuff and be here, actually, to keep you company while you fall asleep. Now, if you're new, a couple of things to know. One, I'm glad you're here. Uh, two is uh, this podcast normally takes two or three tries to get used to. A recent reviewer said one or, f- you know, somewhere between one and four times. Give it one or four tries. 
And the reason for that, one, is like if you're listening to a sleep podcast, you're probably naturally skeptical and doubtful about it. You say, hmm, what is this you're getting me into here? Or what are you really up to? So there's that, uh, which is totally normal. Like if you're doubtful or skeptical, I'm a skeptic uh, most of the time, except when I'm that other thing, gullible. Most Well, I guess most of the time I'm gullible. But the rest of the time, I'm skeptical because I'm so gullible. Talk about a paradox. I've been working my whole life to try to get out of that. Uh, maybe today's the day. I say, you know what? I'm going to be open-minded, uh, but but with, you know, limits. I guess that's what I'm striving for. So hey, there's a problem solved. I mean, maybe, but... Uh, oh, so, but you're here. I'm here to help you fall asleep. So... If if you're doubtful or you're not sure, this podcast is very different than everything out there. So give it a few tries and just see how it goes. I will tell you this. Uh, what was I going to tell you? I forgot. Um, oh, so if you're new, a couple of things to know other than that this podcast is strange. One, this is a podcast you don't really listen to. You kind of barely listen and you kind of do that by just kind of saying, hmm, okay, I'm going to pay attention here for a few minutes and see how it goes. Well, uh, he's kind of not talking about anything. Maybe I don't have to pay. So you kind of let it bounce off your ears or let me kind of go out of focus. Just kind of barely listen. Kind of like this moving sleep company I'm coming up with next. Uh, so there's that. So don't. this is a podcast, the one podcast you don't listen to. The other thing is, this is a sleep podcast, but believe it or not, it's more here to be here while you fall asleep and to take your mind off of stuff. And my job is to walk at your side and, and kind of distract you while you fall asleep or while you drift off. I guess another part of my job is to ease you into bedtime, which kind of segues nicely into the other thing that new listeners can find a little bit uh off-putting, I guess would be one way to say it, is the structure of the show. Show starts off with a greeting, ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls and friends beyond the binary, because I'm so happy that all of you are here and I want you to feel acknowledged and seen and know that your sleep is important to me. Uh, then we go into business, and the business is what enables us to bring you the podcast uh, for free, so that's cool. And then after the business, around six or eight minutes into the show, we go into the intro. And that's where I ease you into bedtime. And this could throw some people off because the intro is around, it goes from around minute six or eight to around minute 20 or 22-ish. And I say, when I say ish, I mean, a pretty, you know, I mean, I always shoot for like uh, to, to shut the recorder off at like 18 minutes. But you never know what will happen, you know, where my meanders will take us. Uh, nowhere, I mean, mostly, but on a journey to nowhere. Uh, so, so sorry, I went off to, like, so the intro, the whole idea of the intro is it's, like, too, really long. So initially you say, what do you mean the intro is, like, 18 minutes long? It doesn't really make any sense. And I'd say, exactto-mundo, as Safan says. Uh, but what, what really what the intro, the purpose of the, int the, purpose the intro serves is, uh, I'm laughing just because my words were out of order there. And if you say, if my words were a machine, it'd always say out of order. You'd say, is that out of order? 
sign because your words don't work, your word machine doesn't work. No, no, it's just a heads up that any words coming out of my word machine will be out of order. Uh, but so, oh, so the intro is so long and meandering. One uh, show has an intro to greet you and to get, kind of let new listeners know what's coming up and what to expect. It also kind of gives you an overview of what the show will be like overall. Uh, but also for regular listeners, the regular listeners, believe it or not, 98% of regular listeners listen to the intro. Uh, or fall asleep as the intro goes on because it's part of their bedtime routine. It's part of their wind down. Because if you're listening to this show, you've probably faced some kind of sleep issue before. And for most of us, it hasn't been an easy thing to fix. And we've tried the easy stuff or the magic stuff or, you know, the, the, the stuff that you pay money for. And not, none of that really has worked well, or at least hasn't worked instantly. Anything that's been part of a slow and steady thing usually works better. And so the intro is kind of that in a microcosm. It's a slow and steady journey into bedtime. It's a slow wind down. So some listeners, if you become a regular listener, some listeners start it before they get into bed as they're getting ready for bed either on their sleep phones or their headphones or there's just their phone in their pocket or their smart speaker. And they, you don't even have to be in the same room as me to, you know, not listen to me. That's how convenient this podcast is. You could say, well, I can almost hear scoots down the hall and, you know, just barely hear them over brushing my teeth and, and uh, you know, washing my face, doing my skincare routine And then I'm going to bomb my elbows, kiss my shoulders, maybe, you know, give my biceps a little pecky-poo. And I can almost hear him before that smooching, you know, between the smooches on my biceps. So, and so, and then some listeners start the podcast as they get into bed and start their wind-down routine or their bedtime routine. And so the intro just kind of eases you into bedtime. Then after the intro will be business. Uh, that's just the kind of podcast structure. Then there's a story. Tonight it'll be our first episode of our new episodically modular serial story, uh, Otter Things. That's O-T-T-E-R-T-H-I-N-G-S. Uh, so that'll be fun. And it's going to be a nice story about otters and other, uh, you know, creatures that live together in a swamp. Uh, I mean, to talk about bedtime material. And then there'll be some thank yous in, at the end of the show to say good night. So that's the structure of the show. Those are the kind of things to know. But, yeah, to come back to that image of, like, uh, the, the idea of the show is, like, what if there was a moving service? This would be the moving service I would offer. So hear me out. Now, it would take, it would take we would have to have a magic user on staff, you know, or some powerful, uh, powerful stuff because you say, okay, so tell me about this uh, sleepy movers. They say, okay, well, one, we're licensed and bonded, uh, you know, totally double licensed, double bonded, triple insured. So don't worry about that. You know, we got all the accreditations. Uh, we even got an accreditation from Roy G. Biv Institute because Scoot invented that anyway. That just that's one for holiday lights to make sure they follow the Roy G. Biv protocol. Anyways, so yeah, it's a moving service where you go to sleep uh, and we move your stuff while you're sleeping. 
And you might say, including me, and we say, that is an offer in our package that, yeah, we'll move you and your bed. Totally, don't worry, we have all the technology to make it 100% uh, totally, you know, just totally dreamy and, and comfortable. And, yeah, we do have a hyperbolic thing, so it's like if you're going across the country, you know, totally. We could, you know, we could, you could sleep for a few days if you like. Uh, some, people call, some people do it, that's just a bonus. They say, wow, I slept for a week, too. And I moved, and I woke up, and everything was moved. And it's more, you know, a lot of people think it's a gimmick, but, we, you know, the one thing we're known for is arranging stuff while you sleep. And now, we, you know, we work out a plan ahead of time. But we've also figured out a way to basically communicate with you while you're sleeping to move your furniture and lamps and stuff around. And it kind of goes like that. You just say, uh-huh, uh, no, 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 over there. Uh, no, up, no, that's crooked, please. Okay, perfect, okay. No, 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 let me see how that looks over there. Okay, turn it to the left. Okay, back to the right a little, oh boy, that's good. Okay, now just fix the lampshade. Now fix a little bit more. Okay, great, okay, wait, uh, no, turn it back a little bit. Okay, good, good. Okay, now... No, wait, okay, push it back one in, oh, no, no, four, okay, good, good, good. All right, now over there, I want that vase uh, moved over, uh-huh, oh, boy, uh-huh, uh-huh. So that's kind of how it goes, and believe it or not, it actually works. Now, again, we have a magic user on staff, and, you know, we do, we have lasers, a lot of it's laser-based, and, uh, you know, like technologies from alternative universes that we've acquired and multiverses. Well, transverse plane, we do a lot of the moving on the transverse plane. But you're going to be sleeping through all that anyway. And, yeah, just go, uh-huh, uh-huh. And believe it or not, then it's stress-free because you don't even have to think. When you wake up, you say, okay, that's pretty much how I wanted it. And if you say, well, I'm not, I'd like to move that back a little, you say, okay, we'll do it for you. Or you could go back to sleep and we'll do it. And it's taken some adoption, you know, to get it on board. You know, we had, we can't tell anybody that we have a magic user anymore or, you know, only on this podcast, uh, but other, you know, our, in our main marketing. Also, it's an imaginary service at this time. So that's why it's, that's when it's really working good is when you imagine it. You see, oh boy. Yep. Yeah, oh boy. Yep. No, no. Oh, okay. No, uh, I want to put you put them. You're gonna put all my socks in the drawer. Great. Uh, yeah, no, no. I like the ones. The the tube socks go with my tube tops. Yep. Mm-hmm. And my uh, Hanson uh, DVDs because I like to say tube top, top top tube top. Uh, yeah, that was. I, I know that's not what that song is, but I always used to sing it that way when I had a tube top on and tube socks. Okay, good job. Thanks. And and you can even tip us while you're asleep, and then you can recheck it when you're awake. You say, okay, well, 22% is, uh, I'm going to lower it to 20, but you did a good job. So that's one of the services we're offering now. We're really, uh, we're really happy and proud uh, to, to be doing it in, your, in my imagination and possibly yours. But I think one day it'll take off. I mean, once we get the magic user down... And, you know, the, the transporting of you in your bed and all that part, uh, 
and the subconscious communication or effective subliminal communication. I don't know if that's what it is. Because it's kind of like uh, like you're you're actively participating. So we're working on it. Uh, I mean, not really. I, I always just imagine. I say, well, hopefully my imagination will do the hard work, iron out all those things. And then years later, I'll say to my imagination, so how's the plan for that moving? Uh, oh, I haven't worked on it. Okay, well, well I'll imagine you did. And you say, agreed, good work, uh, so that's uh, another thing to expect during the show, a pointless meander like that. The last thing I'll tell you is the reason I make the show. One is because I've been there and I know how it feels in the deep, dark night, tossing and turning uh, and having trouble getting to sleep. So that's one thing. And then the second thing is I believe, I know you deserve a good night's sleep in a place of respite, a safe place where you can lie down and relax without the rigmarole of having to go to bed and, you know, the, the, the non-fun part. Now, I can't promise to make bedtime fun. I can only promise to make it, eh, not bad. You say, well, it's like not bad, not as bad as, like, uh, when Scoots is there, you know, going to bed's like, eh, it's, you know, it's like that thing, you know, not bad. So... Uh, yeah, that's why I make this show. You do deserve some rest. Uh, in the world, your world and our world will be a better place when you're rested. So if you're new, please give the show a few tries. It, it's free, so just see how it goes. Uh, and if it works for you, great. If it doesn't work for you, check out sleepwithmepodcast.com slash no thank you. But I'm glad you're here. I really work hard. I really yearn and strive, uh, and I really want to help you fall asleep. So thanks again for coming by. And here's a couple of ways we're able to bring this podcast for free. All right. Hey, everybody. Welcome to our uh, the first episode. Not important, though, if you're hearing this after the second or the third or the fourth episode somewhere in the future. Uh, but this just happens to be our first episode of our new uh, episodically modular, but also with with some more seriality. But still, you'll be able to listen to it in every order, in any order, in every order, because they take so much time at the beginning to catch you up. Uh, it's part of me tucking you in is making sure you know where you are. You're here with sleeping me in a safe place. Uh, which is where the story is. But in this situation, you don't need to be caught up because uh, the main character is just going to introduce everything in, uh, you know, start the, the, the story begins, uh, I think. Uh, and this story only feel never ending, uh, hardy har har, but uh, ideally even this intro or my, usually my recaps uh, of most series at the beginning kind of can feel that way. Importantly, because I'm here to keep you company and take your mind off of stuff. So this new series is called Otter, O-T-T-E-R. Who doesn't love an otter? Uh, probably, I mean, maybe some, like an otter's neighbor or something. Or uh, bivalves may not love otters, uh, but we do. And this show is called Otter Things. It's a series about a world of otters and other uh, uh, creatures that live somewhere in a forest, wetlands, a swamp, forest-type deal. Uh, strongly influenced by many things strong, that have had strong influence on me recently and far into the past. 
so I hope you enjoy it. And here is our Hollywood presenter, Mr. Antonio Banderas. Uh, Scooter, coming to you live uh, across. Uh, I'm so glad you set up a camera for me. Uh, the ladies, the gentlemen, the boys, the girls, the friends beyond the binary. It's time for the first episode of Otter Things Splash. Yeah. Uh, thanks, Antonio. So yeah, Antonio's uh, like uh, like uh, coming in through a streaming uh, thingamajig I set up. Now I did I do do always ask you like you're the only person that's on mute, and it doesn't sound like you're on mute. Like if you if you ever have a, like if you're ever video conferencing with Antonio, uh, he says we've checked it, we've gone through. I said, are you sure? It shows you're on mute. You say you're on mute. Uh, you're the loudest muter I've ever heard. Uh, like, uh, when you're on mute, I can still hear you. Probably because your handsome smile and you're in my heart. Uh, and he's on mute. That's why you can only hear, like, his... I don't know. Maybe it's just a, the, the sound carries from all the way from uh, wherever Antonio is to here. Because I miss him so much. Uh, but he's here right here with me. Oh, boy. Do I feel handsome when I'm close to him? Like being in the warm sun. That's uh, Mr. Antonio Banderas, and this is our series, uh, Otter Things. Hey, how you doing? My name's Emma Otter, and uh, this is, I'm going to tell you a story about me and my friends and the place we live and uh, the events we've, uh, we've uh, been through. I'm in eighth grade. And this is my radio show uh, about a, a story of uh, some unbelievable events uh, that uh, me and my friends faced. I'm, I'm in my whole town, the place where we live. I'm recording it all for posterity. Hopefully it'll be on the radio. I don't know, though. But I'm in eighth grade. It's uh, fall of 1991 when I'm recording this. I don't know when you're hearing this. Maybe I'm listening to it uh, is a much wiser Emma Otter. But my friends and my family, my neighbors and uh, teachers, everyone in my community, we live in a, a place, uh, some might call it just a swamp, some might call it a forest, some would call it a refuge. Uh, some even would call it the, the Duffer Refuge, but it, uh, you know, but we call it home. It's I guess it's a swamp in a forest uh, or a wetlands area. Uh, and on all three sides, I guess I could describe to you what it is. It's got water. It's got trees. Uh, it's got dry land. It's got wet, wet, you know, wetland, which is land under the water. And on all three sides, it kind of stretches out for what seems like forever. You know, but our town has its general borders, and there, there's places beyond, and places we've heard of that we've never been, like River Bottom, and in Henson Town, all these wonderful, wonderful places you could go. But mostly we just stay in our town. You know, people move away to those places. Uh, people move away to those places, but that's where we are. And on three sides, it just kind of goes on and on from swamp and wetlands and forest. I don't know. I haven't been too far. And then there's one other border on our town, which I'll talk about on the other side, 
what's well, a road? Uh, and on the other side of the road is a place we never go. And I, I guess I'm telling you all this because I want you to know that I'm here telling you this story right now. So everything with Emma Otter and all my friends and even my town, while things are odd in my town, and, uh, you know, you say, well, I look at things differently now than I did when this started, and not that long ago in fall of 1991, uh, everything's okay, and me and my friends are fine, and we, we're back to living our lives. So we're a little bit more mature, and we take life uh, and savor it a little bit more here where we live in uh, the Duffer Refuge. But I just want to tell you that because clearly I'm recording this and clearly you're listening to it. So you'd probably want to know, well, what kind of story are you going to tell us, Emma? Well, it's a story about friendship. It's a story about adventure. It's a story uh, about parents and authority figures just not understanding. It's a story with magic and with discovery. But it's also a story of like a lot of those things you think about as a kid. And I guess I should start at the beginning of the story. You know, there's the place I'm Emma Otter. And I live with my my parents and my baby brother and my older brother, Tefe. And I'm an otter, right? Like I said. And my next question might be, Emma, tell us, I heard you had some friends. Tell us about your friends or tell us about your family. i tell you about my friends first. And I don't like to say who my best friend is, you know, because some people won't want to hear that. So if you do, but I have to be honest with you that I do have a best friend and I have other very, 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 very close friends. So, uh, you know, I want you to know that if you're listening, you could be a very, 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 very close friend of mine. Maybe you want to skip over this part or plug your ears. Uh, you know, why don't you plug your ears if you're one of my, you, you say, well, am I, am I Emma's best friend? Just plug your ears if you're friends with me. And, and you, cause you are, of course you are. If you're listening to this and we're friends, you're my best friend. Now let's keep that, and you just, for the next 40 seconds, put your fingers in your ears and say, best friend, best friend, best friend, best friend. It feels really good. Okay, so I'll tell you, my best friend is, her, her, her name's Willow, and Willow's a beaver, and Willow lives with her uh, sister, Dari, and her mom, Frances, uh, and, you know, Willow's really cool. And then I have two very, very close friends uh, named LJ and V, uh, Elijah and Vaughn. And Elijah's a porcupine and Vaughn's a muskrat. And what we like to do, my, my hi, my, welcome back, best friend. My best friend and my other friends, uh, my friends and I, uh, so Willow, Vaughn, and LJ, we like to play a game called uh, uh, Big Bunnies and Bards. And it, it, you say, Big Bunnies and Bards, in my world, I don't have that game. Maybe you're listening, or maybe you're a big fan. You say, oh boy, I play Big Bunny and Bards every weekend for hours and hours at a time. But as I learn about this radio and, and making something, I know I should explain it to you. So b- b- bunnies and bards, big bunnies and bards, uh, 
we call it BB&B, is a role-playing game where you take on the role of different bards. Uh, now, it says a lot about where we live in our community, and the greater thing is that bards are a big deal where we live, or in the olden days they were called bards. Now they're called musicians. You know, I come from a family of musicians, and my, my granduncle was a famous musician. My parents are musicians. And a lot of my friends and family, they work in music, you know, music-related businesses and jobs. And so music plays an important part of our lives from when we grow up. And I don't know if it's intentional that the game uh, Big Bunnies and Bards is so popular, because actually, as far as I know, just me and my friends play it with all the other kids at school kind of say, isn't that a baby game? I say, oh, no, no, it's a role-playing game, a musical role-playing game, actually. Or if they sign music classes, they say, rehearsal's so dull. I said, well, you should try playing Big Bunnies and Bards because you get to practice and play music. What if music could be a thing to cast a magical spell or... Your instrument, it could be a device uh, where you could use it to defend your town against a big bunny. So that's the roles you play as bards. Different bards, you know, uh, like other role-playing games maybe you've heard of. There's magic, and there's warriors, and there's uh, princesses, and, and princes, and and all different creatures. Even creatures not from the swamp, from other woodland areas, particularly big bunnies. You might say, what's a big bunny? Now, I'm old enough to know that what a metaphor is. But a big bunny, and a big bunny is, is a big part of the game. And it is a giant, there's giant bunnies. And they have powers, they're very powerful in music and magic. And they're big. And some big bunnies are fuzzy and friendly. And, you know, like, it could be nice. And some bunnies are very voracious. And that's where it kind of comes into the metaphor place. Because in the lore of the game, all the big bunnies, even the ones that say, hey, we're good, we love uh, otters, we love muskrats, we love porcupines, beavers... Uh, the big bunnies in those that game, they still have a tendency to hoard and eat a lot of food. And in our community, uh, in the wetlands, in the swamp, and even in the forest areas, uh, you know, winter's coming, particularly right now. And one thing our community relies on one another for, you know, we all make music and we exchange. You know, we have money that we exchange. You know, it's like in... Even in um, Big Bunnies and Bards, they st- they have gold pieces, right? But that's a symbol from the days of bartering. But a community, a lot of communities, people rely on one another, and they rely on their own responsibility to themselves in the community in preparing for winter, in storing food, or planning their winter foodstuffs. And I don't want to get into the mayor and all that stuff about planning that stuff around. Not my job. But so that's a really important stuff for us is to have everybody has to have stuff to winter because there's not stuff growing and things get a little bit quieter here in the refuge. Now, uh, 
uh, the big bunny comes in because what if a big bunny actually did come to your community? And kids, we, we say, well, big bunnies aren't real, Emma. They'd say, really? Well, what if one came and ate all our food and ate all the town's food and all that? It's a, and we know adults think about it a lot, you know, but they say, well, big bunnies aren't real. You know, not having the proper humidity for storage, Emma, the big bunny's just a metaphor. And I say, well, really, is it or is it not? Uh, because in this story, you'll learn that maybe uh, metaphors can be, be more than metaphors. They could be real. But a big bunny's not exactly something to be so worried about, but to be concerned about. And in the game of big bunnies and bards. Uh, and actually, let me just tell you, this was a Sunday and me and my friends, uh, Willow V and LJ and I, we were playing a game of big bunnies and bards. And I was the, was, was the maestro as they call it, leading the game and telling the story. And it was again, once again, we had gone and we had discovered a, a stronghold full of uh, these nuts that had been dried in the sun. But at the same time, and we we're going to bring them back, you know, to a kingdom that had hired us to, to, to save the day. And I guess I always include myself. I always imagine I'm in the party, even when I'm playing as a maestro. Yeah, they call it, I guess they call it like uh, empathy. They call it a little bit. To be a good maestro, you have to empathize with your, your players. But so uh, there they were, uh, L.J. Vaughn and Willow. And, of course, right as they were about to, to, to seal up uh, this stronghold full of nuts, uh, a big bunny approached over the horizon first they could feel it uh, they could hear its chittering chittering sound or whatever you want to call it it's a salvation and moving its mouth they could hear its whiskers brushing across the treetops uh, and see its cute one ear one of the two ears flopping even as it bounced uh towards the stronghold with, you know, just one thing in mind is securing the stronghold for itself and maybe hoarding our food. And my friends Vaughn and LJ and Will started to argue, Hey, you make sure we, we gotta, we'll, we'll use, you know, we'll first we'll use ranged music and then we'll use the spell of unwinding. Well, what if we take, what if we throw the, some of the, like they were arguing back and forth and, like, finally, uh, Vaughn kind of said, well, what if we use a Willow as bait uh, and, and we'll, you know, we'll, 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 we'll put Willow there. And then it was, well, said, I'm not bait. You know, I'm, I'm a, I, you know, I'm a magic user. I can, I can use my songs to weave a web uh, to protect it. And they said, well, it's too, this bunny's too big. This is the largest bunny we've ever faced. Uh, this is the big bunny. And it went back and forth and back and forth and uh, like running through everything they had as the big bunny still approached. And then LJ said to Willow, like, I think you're just too scared to be bait even. Like, what do you don't don't like, uh, don't you want to do like this is a plan that's going to work. 
And uh, then Willow, at first Willow was had a frowny face and said, geez, well, that's, n- n- I don't want to be bait or I don't want to be, like, I want to enjoy this fun game with my friends. But strong feelings are an important part about coming to a consensus in this game. And so Willow took a second to think about what would have been said. And then Willow said, uh, I'll show you some bait. Uh, I have a, an idea. And they said, what is it, Willow? And, and she said, double bait. And I said, what do you mean double bait? And Willow said, I'm going to cast a spell of imaging where I sing a song and I'm playing a song of protection. It's just an illusion in front of the stronghold as the big bunny approaches. Uh, the big bunny, big bunnies are also very, very intelligent, uh, if the big bunny is anything like most big bunnies, we know it's the big bunny. It'll know that just like you were saying that we're leaving, we're, like we're trying to draw the big bunny in. And Willow said at the same time, I'll open up a satchel of nuts and I'll use it, also use my uh, song of carrying to be able to carry a thousand times my body weight. Uh, and I'll carry a thousand times my body weight and, and, and nuts away uh, from the stronghold, because there's thousands, you know, tens and tens of thousands of nuts here. Now lead the big bunny away, uh, and you go to the tent, ride to the town, uh, and get the people from the town to come and, and take the nuts from the stronghold back to the town, uh, for the town was in a region that the big bunny could not reach, uh, so due to other powerful magics, you see, but just part of the story, you know. And I said, okay, well, we have to roll the dice to see if any of these spells actually work, uh, Big B- 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 Willow uh, and the Big Bunny. And it was just as Willow got to, got ready to roll, first we had to roll for initiative uh, to see. The Big Bunny was still out of range. You know, we had to roll a few dice to, to resolve some things. My mom called downstairs, Emma. Emma, are you still playing that game down there? Do you know what time it is? It's bedtime and dinner time. You miss dinner. And uh, your friends need to go home. I said, Mom, we're just about... She said, you know, N-O-W spells now, Willow. And so I tried to talk her out of it, but the game was over. And actually, uh, uh, Willow... uh, Willow had thrown the 20 sided dice on the floor. And my friends, you know, they got ready to leave. And of course, on the way out, Vaughn, of course, had to stop and say hi to my brother, who Vaughn thinks is the coolest. Tefe, my brother, uh, always looking like the smoothest otter in town. Uh, not a lot going on behind between my brother's ears, but my brother is a very, very attractive otter and witty. Anyway, Vaughn said, geez, well, hey, what's up, Tefe? Uh, like, you know, and he said, hit the road, Vaughn. I'm looking at my hair in the mirror. Uh, and my friends got ready to go. And they had their water bikes, and everybody got on their water bikes, and we said goodnight. And they headed off. They said, oh, we're going to race all the way home. And then before they left, Willow said, uh, uh, he said, "She said, I don't think I don't think that role would have worked." Uh, and I said, "Well, that was a good move. That would have been a good move to uh, double bait. Who would have thought that idea?" 
Now, I don't care what they say. That's a brave move to lead the big bunny away. And Willis said, thanks, thanks, uh, thanks, Emma. He and they hopped on their bikes and they headed off, uh, headed home. Now, like I said, my friends headed out. And, and, you know, maybe you say, well, you kids, you sound like you spent a lot of time imagining and role-playing. Uh, isn't where you live, the wetlands and the refuge, a bit boring? And I'd say it is most of the time. Uh, like I said, the most interesting thing about the refuge, as far as adventure goes, is a place we're never allowed to go, uh, which is a road, uh, they call it. And it has strange noises that come through it and strange beings. Uh, we're not even supposed to go and look at it, even though we can hear it sometimes. The road rises up and runs across uh, the border. But right in the middle of the road, there's also what they call a tunnel uh, that leads under the road or somewhere else we don't even know. We're never allowed to go there. And there's other things. There's structures on the other side of the road that we could see. And, of course, we go, we, we never go, we'd never go to the tunnel. Uh, but we sit there and we'll sit on a log and look at it and see these strange uh, beings that just go back and forth uh, make up stories about them, we'll play music, and we'll dare each other, of course, to go in the tunnel. Every kid does that, uh, that that lives here at Duffer Refuge. There's even, like, these gates that go up and down uh, sometimes, and water flows in and water flows out. Uh, it's very mysterious, and we're just told never to think about it and never look at it, and we're asked, did you look at it? Where have you been? Have you been out near the road, anywhere near the road? Remember, never go, like, everything we're taught is never to go there. Now, Willow, uh, Willow's the, the, the least expensive place to live because Willow's just uh, Willow's mom's sister and her uh, is not that far from the road where you can even hear the road sometimes when the whatever it is makes the noise on the road. Just barely from Willow's room. That's one of the windows we'd, we'd sneak out. But anyway, that night they were riding their water bikes home, my friends. Uh, and uh, they split up finally, and Vaughn and LJ headed back uh, to their houses. And uh, Willow uh, started to head back uh, to her house. And maybe it was that we played the game for so long, or maybe it wasn't, but Willow thought she heard the sound of a big bunny um, and even ran her uh, water bike right off uh, into kind of a piece of patch of dry land, not that far from her house. Uh, and she left her bike, and then she was convinced she could hear the sounds uh, of a, the click, 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 uh, Hey, I'm fuzzy, fuzzy, fuzzy of a big bunny. And Will got in her mind and ran, Oh boy, we're a big bunny. I got to get home, got to get home, got to get home. And as Willow ran home, uh, Willow was positive. Uh, she saw carrot droppings and said, Oh no, I got to get home. And then she ran through her house and her mom and her sister hadn't gotten home from work yet, so she ran out to their storage shed where they store their winter foodstuffs and tried to double lock it and just see if the big bunny or big little bunnies even had to... She said, what if it's even little bunnies in there uh, looking around? Um, 
And uh, Will ran in there and still was convinced Willow could hear this big bunny bounce, bounce, bouncing, just like Easter morning for some of you. Uh, you say, oh, the cute little bunny's coming. But Willow's saying to eat my food, family's food. Uh, now, like I said, everything's okay as I'm telling you this story. So I don't want you to worry. And one of the reasons things are okay in our town, in one of the ways, you know what, not everybody voluntarily uh, shares resources or shares things or, you know, abides by everything. So we have a community resource officer whose name is Leon, but he goes by Bull. He's a big bullfrog. And he's a big grouchy. You know, we but we didn't really know Bull that well. Uh, you'd see him around town lumbering and had this big bullfrog voice, uh, but it was known that Bull was one of the few bullfrogs that didn't like to sing, never played any music, and, and never came to any of the concerts uh, or events uh, we always had in the town. And he lived out on one another edge of the swamp, uh, far not not near the road, but far out, out on on his own. And he was yeah, the bullfrog that didn't like music. But Bull was a good and fair uh, of community resources and cared really deeply about our community and the job. Though he wasn't perfect and in his gruff exterior, his coworkers loved him. And when he would show up, this one particular Monday in our story, he showed up to work and they said, well, you're uh, right on time. Not quite ready to start the day. You know, it's Monday. It's all still Monday, all the rest of the day. And he said, I need, you know, I need some time to, to breathe through my skin. Uh, so, I'll, you know, I'm going to go in my office and call it. And they said, well, well, uh, Francis the Beaver said that uh, uh, Willow's not around and uh, she can't find Willow. Uh, and he said, OK, well, I'll deal with it a bit. And then uh, Bull walked into Bull's office and there was Francis the Beaver, Willow's mom. And uh, she had woken up and started to get ready for work and... So did Dari, uh, Willow's sister, who's like the best student, one of the mo- not the most popular kid at our, our, our high school. We go to middle school still, but uh, she's a real good student, a, re- a bit stern, though. Uh, but I guess they had woken up and they said, well, where's Willow? Isn't it time for school? And uh, But Willow wasn't there. Uh, and they said, well, I wonder where Willow is. And they called my house and says, Willow there? No. Uh, but at this point, Francis said, Jesus, isn't it weird that uh, Willow's not around? And, and, and Bull said, well, see, you know, come on, uh, Francis. Uh, Willow's in eighth grade. And, you know, some beavers, they decide, uh, they get to, especially, you know, Willow's uh, father was a traveling musician. Uh, maybe she's got a bit of the musician wanderlust and she had it out on her own. And Francis said, but Willow's just in eighth grade. And that's when, it, you know, that's when some beavers get the wanderlust, especially musical beavers. And Francis said, she's not like other beavers. She's not like we were when, you know, hanging out at the tunnel or whatever. And uh, Francis's mom, Willow's mom, Francis, I mean, had kind of developed an idea you know, sometimes it's a friend's fault. And she said, I think the, they were playing that game, uh, B, B, and B. 
And those other kids, uh, you know, Francis is, you know, a little bit less confident and assertive than the other kids. I bet you they double dared Francis to go near the road. I'm positive of it. They said, well, I don't know. I'll look, I'll deal with it. But I'm pretty sure it's just, uh, you know, like, uh, I mean, you're going to have to accept the fact that uh, Francis, you know, that Willis growing up, uh, and they went back and forth, and, and Francis left uh, thinking, geez, you know, maybe it just doesn't understand. Now, meanwhile, we had gotten to school, and uh, we noticed that Willow's water bike wasn't there. Uh, but we figured that Willow walked or got a ride to school from her sister. Um, and we headed into school, and we had to deal with these pesky kids that thought, that, again, I think that B&B and B is a kid's game, and they're always giving us a hard time. B-U-L-L-I-E-S's. couple of weasels uh, that uh, just on our case, you know, they have their river bottom band jackets and everything like that. Uh, act like they're all cool. But we had, it was okay because we happened to have our favorite class that day, Science of Sound. Uh, with our favorite teacher, Russell the Moose. And the science of sound was just a, about just science uh, using sound, which we all, because we loved music, but we also loved the sounds of or the whole area. And after class, our teacher told us, great news, I've got in this new, like we've been working on this giant sound collector on the roof of our school, above the trees, where you could catch all sorts of sounds and collect them. It'd just be a giant funnel almost, and funnel the sound so you could listen to them more clearly. And you could also, like, talk into it, and, and maybe we would always imagine that someone out there could hear us. Uh, oh, another thing, as you know, is that, of course, like, my brother is uh, too much. So, so as soon as he got to high school, he's actually trying—he's, like, a, he's always, like, I'm the hottest otter in town and that I have the best otter hair— and he, so he was always trying to convince uh, Willow's older sister, Dari, to go out with him. And he was spending the whole day, and she was saying, well, I have to study. Also, I'm trying to figure out my brother, my sister. Also, I'm trying to figure out where my my sister, maybe she's grown up, or uh, maybe your your brother put her up to a double dare. That's what my mom says. Uh, and uh, my brother, of course, Tefe, was like, well, let's hang out and talk about it later. But secretly, I think Dari thought that my brother was dreamy, just like everybody else does. They don't have to live with him. And I said, what is in your hair? Is that some sort of algae? Like, it's like, uh, so, oh, yeah, that's what gives it the glow. So, anyway, so we went with our teacher, uh, teacher Russell, to go and start to look at, like, this next phase of the sound collector we were working on. And of how we could start to even more clearly funnel it so we could listen in and hear stuff. Uh, All these strange and amazing sounds, birds and water, the road and other things. And like say, wow, we could even hear people playing music in River Bottom. Not that the music there is very good. But right as we started setting up, uh, Leon showed up and said, I need to talk to you boys. Uh, 
we had to go back to this place where he worked, the, 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 the station. And he said, I want you to fess up and tell me the truth. Uh, where's Willow? What, what did you put her up to? And we said, what are you talking? And, of course, Vaughn and LJ tried to blame each other. Say, well, you, he called, you know, said a coward, and he said she's bait, and it was talking, talking, and then finally they said, please be quiet, in a deep, bullfroggy, creaky, dulcet tone, and uh, everybody got quiet, and then uh, Vaughn and LJ started arguing again. There's no like you, and he said, did you double dare uh, Willow to go uh, near the road? or the tunnel under the road, or tell me now, beyond the road. He said, no, 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 we would never do that. Uh, we know the rules, and we wouldn't put, Willow would never do that anyway. Uh, we would never put Willow up to that. He said, are you sure? Like this, I'm not, I've, I was a kid that wasn't honest. When I when the teacher would say, okay, it's time to be honest, no consequences. I would keep my mouth shut. Because of that, I know that I know you should know that I'll get to the bottom of this one way or the other. So if you did double dare, triple dare, you know, don't use a technicality and say, well, it's a quadruple dare. If you tried to get Willow to, to, to take something like that, just to prove bravery or whatever, let me know. We said, no, 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 really, we didn't do any of that. Uh, and it looked us all over and said, okay, okay. And then we said, well, where would Willow be then? He said, well, you know, maybe, you know, wanted, Willow, would Willow have wanted to go out on the road and start her career early? Maybe busk somewhere in a bigger town or something? And we said, no, 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 that's not Willow's style. Willow isn't ready to head out on her own. Goose chase. Uh, uh, then he said, okay, okay, don't worry about it. He said, well, what do you mean? We said, what do you mean goose chase? Like, if it's a goose chase, we want to help. No, 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 no. You boys go home. Uh, that's it. Period of end of story. No kids helping out. And just, just to kind of tell you what a goose chase is. So another thing, you know, other than is, uh, at some point, uh, and I don't know what it is with rivalries and stuff, uh, but there's a, a group of geese. Uh, they, they came from another magical place called Canada. And for some reason, they, they have this idea of, like, stirring up trouble. And it's one of the things the adults really are concerned about. And what the geese like to do is... Uh, Lead, lead like uh, so. What they thought is that the geese led Willow on a goose chase, which is like you know put, to, to to just make fun of the kid, but also maybe make them head out on their own earlier than they're ready to. So sometimes they do that by saying, "Hey, you, I think you could have a career," like uh, you know, and then they say, "Well, we're like uh, you know, we'll help you get started. Let's head to River Bottom." Or they say, hey, I wonder what would happen if you moved to, you know, why don't you move to the next town? Uh, uh, and it was something that adults, because these geese were, really didn't have, like, they were up to something. Or they would just, like, uh, do it for fun and then watch it and say, wow, look at that, look at that beaver swimming around. Uh, like, hey, we set up this adventure course for you. 
And at the end is, you know, a year's supply of uh, nuts or whatever, or, you know, whatever your family consumes. But there never was. And then usually the kids were gone for like a week or two searching, and then they would come home, they'd be tired. And drove Leon nuts. Uh, So he wanted to just put a stop to it. And uh, so that's what he thought was happening, is that the geese came in again. They hadn't done this in a long time. And he, he had, you know, personally dealt with it with his own, in his own life's journey. And so he kind of was always, had a, like, a resentment against these geese. And he was sure they were up to it again. And somewhere out there, they were leading Willow on a goose chase. And he was determined to put a stop to it. Uh, and they headed over to Willow's house and, of course, like went out and started looking around and noticed uh, uh, out by their storage room. said, well, it looks like uh, Willow was out here, uh, Francis, uh, in the bank. And Francis, of course, was very concerned. I don't think those kids, uh, you know, sent your daughter on a goose chase. I think it's probably a double dare. I think it might be a goose chase. And then, of course, Francis was like, well, I don't want my kid on a goose chase. Uh, you know, what if she stubs her, you know, tail? Or what if the beavers or the goose geese get it in my mind to have her start her own career before she's ready or whatever? Jesus, it's weird. I found a combination of goose feathers and bunny fur out in a shed covered in some sort of goop, uh, and uh, have you ever caught any geese or bunnies in your storage shed? And I said, no, it might be old, you know. You know, my ex, uh, he, he used to keep, like, I don't know what he was doing in that storage shed when we weren't storing stuff for the winter. And she said, okay, I'm going to get together a group and we're going to we're gonna go on a geese, geese looking thing. We're going to put a stop to this geese chase, and I'm sure that's what's happening. It's going to be totally fine, uh, so don't worry at all. Now, while all this was happening, uh, out beyond the road, there were buildings, and there were things going on there, Odd, odder things, uh, odder than an otter, I'd say. And, you know, we never knew what it was, but we would know there'd be strange noises or puffing, smoke, you know, or whirring, in addition to the sounds on the road. And uh, this particular night, uh, as it started to come, uh, there was a lot going on out there, a lot of noise. If we were out there, if we had not, if we had listened in the uh, sound collector, we would have heard more and more activity than it had been, we would have also heard the creak of the gate on the tunnel. And then we would have heard a gentle swimming as uh, something swam through that. Uh, a little tiny, uh, well, about the same size as an editor, uh, swimming through, gently paddling and looking around. Uh, something that was a little bit lost, I'd say. And eventually that lossing paddled towards town, uh, hungry for a snack. Now, it wasn't a big bunny, I could tell you that. Uh, 
And I happened to, to go to Sullivan's Pancake House, and uh, old Sullivan was there. The nicest person in town, runs the Pancake House, also a diner. And uh, this little thing uh, snuck in the back door of uh, Sullivan's Pancake House, and Sullivan was uh, slinging those pancakes and telling jokes and greeting everyone and being kind. And uh, this little thing plotted on all fours and then got up on two legs and started eating pancakes uh, right off the, the assembly line before their toppings had been properly added. And Sullivan found out and said, hey, what in the hay are you doing? Uh, and eventually, like, because of the big size of Sullivan's heart, said, well, I've never seen anything that looks like you before. You look like you're pretty hungry. Why don't you sit down? And we'll have, uh, we'll, we'll have, we'll eat together. Uh, and at first it was tentative and Sullivan says, okay, like, I'll close the pancake house down. It's, you know, past pancake time. It's not pancake o'clock uh, after eight. And uh, Sullivan sat down with uh, with, with this, uh, this thing. Now this thing, I guess he said, "Well, just what, what? What's your name?" And, and you spent a lot of time on all fours. You're now like us, walking on two legs. Uh, and uh, the, the the thing didn't say anything back. It just said, "Keep it." Well, you're a hungry one for sure. You got a name? I'm 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 Sully. You could call me. Sullivan, or you could cause it, and uh, ha ha ha, and it looked like the, the the thing looked back and smiled and said, "Well, you got a, you look like a beaver, but you got a bill, and uh, it was all right if I call you Billy, B I L L I E, you know, because I don't know, you know, I just know, I'm not. How does that feel for you?" And uh, Billy said. Billy, and nodded its bill and its beaver-like head. And Sullivan said, well, she said, go ahead and keep eating, Billy. Uh, never seen anything with webbed feet either. I'll be right back. And Sullivan went, went out back and uh, went inside and tried to call. Uh, uh, they, they, they just keeps an eye out. said, geez, I got this... Uh, I guess somebody lost here, and uh, I think they lost their way home, and they don't really talk much. Uh, never seen anything like it. It's got a duck's bill and a beaver body and webbed feet. Uh, and they said, okay, we'll send somebody by. Now, the one thing you might not know is that the person on the other end of the phone wasn't in our town. They were on the other side of the road. Somewhere deep in a building on the other side of the road was also a fox, a fox named Dr. Max Modine, wearing a lab coat and a leader of whatever was going on back there. Very mysterious, very odd. Uh, they said, Dr. Max, we got them. We know where they are. And Dr. Max said, let's go. And they headed out. And these whispered quiet boats uh, towards uh, Sullivan's Pancake House. And at first, it was just a regular innocuous person. Well, another another forest friend went up to the door and knocked, and, and Sullivan said, Oh, hey, uh, we're closed. Uh, no, you know, it's past Pancake O'Clock. And they said, Oh, no, no, uh, 
winkity winkity wink. And Silva said, oh, "Okay, they're in back." Uh, uh, like, uh, oh, and I forgot to tell you though. Well, I'll just explain it now. But meanwhile, uh, Billy was uh, sensed something was different, uh, and then looked and recognized the person at the door. Billy made a move uh, towards the back door of Sullivan's Pancake House. Uh, and then in the back came more of uh, Dr. Max Modine's uh, crew from the silent boats. And uh, Billy had some sort of powers. I don't know. It's odd. And I don't know how to explain it to you right now. Uh, that was able to have everybody go into slow motion with a kind of opening of uh, their bill. Billy's bill and Billy rushed past them into the night and it was just started raining. Dr. Mac, they said, Dr. Max, uh, Billy got away and Dr. Max said, okay, we'll track her down. And, uh, Billy headed out into the night. Now, meanwhile, I was laying in my room and I had, I had just had it out with my parents. Cause I said, well, what about, uh, Willow, we didn't, they grounded me for daring Willow. I said, we didn't dare Willow. And Willow's not on a goose chase, or even if Willow is, uh, what about if it's a big bunny? And they said, there's no big bunnies, Emma. It's just a metaphor. And we know you probably, one of you double dared, or if it wasn't you, it's one of your friends. Uh, and I said, we just want to help look for Willow. What if we didn't dare? Because we didn't. And they said, go to your room. Now it's lying in my room, and I was thinking about uh, the game. And, the, and then they said, well, Willow. And I, I called up. I used to, we, we was these tin can phones all the way across through the trees to my friends' places. And they called LJ, and they called Vaughn. And I said, hey, what, what Willow, double, double bait, uh. What if Willow really did? What if there really is a big bunny? And Willow's out there doing double bait on the bunny. And they said, okay, let's go look. And it was raining and we got on our, snuck out of our houses and we got on our bikes. Of course, when I was sneaking out, I noticed my brother uh, uh, trying to get, uh, said, oh, Dari, don't worry about it. Let's just do some flashcards and brush my fur. You know, we'll, we'll worry about your uh, sister later. Uh, but we headed out on our bikes, and then uh, we headed into this kind of like the clumpy part of the swamp, not that far from the edge of the swamp, from the road. And we we're once again, you know, we were all arguing and saying this was a terrible idea. Of course, it was raining. And it was a little bit chilly, and we we're going back and forth. And then V said, "I hear a bunny. I, I think I hear a bunny." And I said, "I think." I, and then we were kind of like uh, we're thinking we were in presence of a big bunny. And then there was a flash in the sky, and we saw a log uh, cross some water. What looked like a beaver. And we said, uh, "Well, oh well, is that you?" But it was raining really hard, so we said, well, "Let's get closer." And they said, "Well, what if it's a big? What if it's a double bait big bunny?" And we said, don't worry about it. Well, just let's go. We got to get, Willow might be just, uh, you know, we got to help our friend. And we headed towards it and then we got close uh, to the to the log and then the thunder, the lightning flashed again and we saw that it was a, wasn't a beaver, it was uh, 
It was a kid just like us, but it had a duck's bill and, and a beaver body and webbed feet. And we kind of stood there. Uh, and it was soaking wet, and it kind of looked a little bit frowny. So we immediately felt felt for it, and it said, uh, I talk words, I talk words, uh, Billy, Billy talk words. And uh, we were amazed. Uh, and I think that's probably, I got to go, because my mom's about to start calling me and saying it's bedtime, Willow. So I got to run, but it's because it's bedtime. Uh, so I'm going to get in my bed and curl up and uh, get comfortable and cozy and go to sleep. Uh, good night. All right. Hey, everybody. It's uh, Scoots, and welcome to our ongoing episodically modular and a bit serial, but you could listen to it in any order story. Otter Things, that's O-T-T-E-R, uh, capital O-T-T-E-R, space, things, T-H-I-N-G-S. It's a, it's a t- t- touch of satire and parody, uh, like, uh, of, uh, you know, a couple of your favorite things, a couple of my favorite things. I, I know that for sure. Uh, based on a historical archive that I recovered, um, out on the transverse plane where, you know, I used to hang out a lot. And so that's really all the setup I, I need to do. Someone else is going to catch you up uh, because this is an audio thing, uh, and so they'll be catching you up on all the details because uh, the so like uh, but just so you know yeah you could listen to this kind of in any order because uh, you're gonna find out more as I turn this over to uh, Emma Otter. Hey, it's Emma again. I'm recording. Is this recording? Okay, it's recording. Hey, it's me. And I don't know where you are, or where you're listening, but I just want you to know that I'm sitting here in a chair with a microphone and I'm in the present moment for me present moment I'm S-A-F-E so I just wanted to know that before I tell my story that all is well and you could think about that as I kind of tell you the journey my friends and I have been on and, and my community has been on you can know that all is well and all will be well as you get comfortable too and I want to fill you in. I also have, like, uh, like I'm trying to upgrade a little bit of the production of the show. So I have a, a famous or most famous resident here. And they're going to come in. They, oh, they were, they're going to do it now because they can only do it. Then I'll catch you up on everything. Probably, you know, my brother Tefe thinks he's the, the, the hunkiest otter in the world. But everyone knows, everyone around here knows the hunkiest otter is the otter that's coming in just to say a few lines because he's so generous. Uh, Mr. Antonio Banderas, the otter. Uh, thank you, Emma. Uh, the ladies, the gentlemen, the boys, the girls, the friends beyond the binary. Otters, muskrats, uh, and all the creatures of the swamp. Uh, it's time. For a tale, a tale that all will be well, even when you experience odder things. Swishy, swishy, swish. Ah. 
Thank you, Antonio. Uh, like, oh, you already jumped. Antonio's got a meeting I get, think to get to. So where we where, where were we? Well, we last left off with my friends and I. That was one part of the stories. My friends and I. My friends. My best friends. Uh, in case they're listening, they know. You know, if they think there's a packing order of best friends, they know where they stand. Uh, and it's not particular, not necessarily, or not not necessarily the order I say the names. But my friends Vaughn and LJ and I. We're in my basement uh, where we play our game, uh, Big Bunnies and Bards, Bards and Big Bunnies. And we'd just been looking for our friend Willow, who, according to the adults, we had double dared to go beyond the swamp where we live uh, to the unknown, you know, regions. But we were more thinking, or other adult thoughts were that Emma had gone, uh, to strike out on her own as a, oh, sorry, I'm saying Emma, I'm projecting my friend Willow. I just, you know, it's trying to get into a little method. I, I got too far method. But my friend Willow, that she struck out on her own, started her own career, you know, and, you know, we'll hear more about that tonight. Uh, that was another thought, but my friends and I, we got the sense that uh, maybe Willow, you know, went off and, uh, I don't know, we started to believe a little bit about the Big Bunny and Bards and, or the goose chases, the gooses that lead kids and wild goose chases until they're tired and muddy. And so we wanted to find our friend Willow, and we were looking for her out on the edge of the swamp when we saw... Uh, this being, uh, this uh, person, uh, who was very tough to describe. They were it felt like they were a kid right around our age. Uh, but what, who were they? What were they? Because they had a bill, but they looked a bit like a beaver. That's why we thought it was Emma. I mean, Willow. Oh, boy. You know, this is only my second episode of, a, of like, a, what I think one day will be called a podcast radio show. Uh, but so, uh, we, we, with a, so a beaver with a duck's bill and webbed feet, and never seen anything like it before in my time. But currently, we, 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 so we, we took her home, we wrapped her up because uh, they, at the time, seemed to be cold. And they were sitting in my basement with Vaughn and LJ, and we were having a pretty strong discussion about uh, uh, this. We suggested, shouldn't we go back and start looking for Willow again, the goose chases, the big bunnies, the place beyond the swamp? You know, what ifs? And I said, well, what about this poor being here? Uh, they're cold, like... Uh, and the last thing the being had said to us was, I speak words uh, as we were talking. Uh, but they hadn't said, said anything since. They were just watching us. Kind of a little bit uh, not easy, especially with Vaughn and LJ. LJ was very concerned. Said, of course, so Willow's waiting for us to come get her. And trying to build consensus, especially with Vaughn, that we need adults. We should just go upstairs and tell your mom or your dad about what's going on. And I said, hold on, let's get some more de And I said, we said, where are you from? No answer. Are you from the tunnel? Are you from the place beyond the swamp? Uh, what is you? Why? Then uh, 
Vaughn was, of course, interested more in the web. What's it like having webbed feet? Uh, can you pick up this pencil? What's your bill? Like, uh, can you wa- do you walk like a duck? You know, you know, thoughts that are less direct. Anyway, I got to get back. So there's a lot of questions uh, for our poor friend there. And then Vaughn even brought up, what if you're from, what if, what if you're from the bottom of the river? Another mythos of childhood, the things that live in the bottom of the swamp and the river. Or even from river bottom, LJ said. And went back and I said, okay, quiet, quiet, quiet. Like, uh, I'll come up with a plan. You know, I don't want to tell my mom now because we'd already gone out without permission to look for Willow. And then Vaughn again said about this comic book, about, uh, animals and other beings and science and experimentation grand you know for for the good of all Vaughn said of course that's for the good of all secret projects then it went in a tangent about outer space are you from outer space or the moon is that why you have a bill and fur and webbed feet is there is the inside of the moon a liquid cheese and I said, you're, you're too loud. You're making this poor, poor build creature nervous. Uh, we, we're supposed to help. Uh, and I said, it's okay. It's okay. Everybody calm down. We're scaring the beaver duck. Uh, so it's okay. I, uh, so I have a plan. I was coming up with a plan while we were talking. And here's the plan. We'll all go home and go to bed. I'm going to wrap uh, this beaver duck up warm and uh, help it dry off. And then uh, tomorrow morning, I'll have uh, have the beaver duck and go in my backyard and make a bunch of noise, like knock over the trash cans. And my mom's so nice. She'll go out and say, oh, you're not going to, please don't eat our trash, uh, you know, like those, those, some of those, the creatures on all four legs. Maybe this is a four, not a two. Are you just learning to walk on two feet? And then the duck billed creature said, I walk, I talk. And we said, we looked at one another. Okay, whoa. And it was a little bit odd. It wasn't our, wasn't our first odder thing, but this was an odd, odd thing. And I said, go home. I said, I'll help uh, uh, dry, dry uh, uh, like, uh, and then uh, LJ said, do you got a name? Who are you? Uh, and then there was a behind, I couldn't tell if it was an ear or a gill or something. I said, what the heck? Uh, there was a little tag uh, that said B-E. And we said, is your B and B? Uh, and then Vaughn said, what about Bill, Billy, Billy, is your name Billy? And uh, the, 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 the duck beaver looked at us and nodded. And, and it was very distinctive nodding of the Bill. And said, yes, hi, Billy, I'm Billy. We said, okay, Billy, okay, everything's going to be okay. And I said, don't worry, my mom will know what to do. So they went home, and I helped Billy, and we made a blanket for it, and Billy got comfortable and nested in a thing of blankets. I said, it's going to be okay, Billy. Uh, like, uh, 
And I and then I went upstairs and I said, "I'll see you in the morning. Good night." And Billy said, "Good night." Uh, and I, oh, I had shared my name, of course. I was like, uh, "I'm Emma. Good night, Emma. Good night, Billy." And they said, "I'll leave a night. Like, please leave a nightlight on." That was another thing. It's like, okay, don't worry. I'll leave a nightlight on. You're, in a, you know, it's a new place, of course. Uh, and then uh, even the radio. So I said, okay, we'll put the radio on. And uh, B- Billy seemed to like uh, the, the, you know, t- t- the, the hit station. So we put it on. I think it was a Z89. And then I went to bed. Now, the next day, I catch you up on a couple other things because Willow lives with her mom, Frances, and her sister, Dari. And, of course, like, they were really wondering where Willow was because the most sensible thing, like, was that Willow moved away and wanted to start her career early. Or Willow got taken on a goose chase by the gooses. Or they just didn't know, and that's not easy. You know, when it's unknown, it's not easy. And Dari knew that Francis, it was breakfast, and, and Dari said, Mom, you got to eat breakfast. I know there's some unknowns, uh, but today we'll get some clarity. You know, we'll, we'll find out, uh, well, you know, Ball's looking into it. Uh, we'll look into it. Uh, and, you know, there's a, this phone call that come in and said, don't worry, we're going to figure this out. Everything, all will be well, Mom. And Mom looked at uh, Dari in a way that said, uh, even though moms are authority figures, uh, they're not always authority figures, or sometimes we just imagine them to be. And they held hands, and, and they held each other and comforted each other, and they ate delicious breakfast cereal. And Dari said, Mom, just breathe and eat your breakfast and hold my hand. Uh, we'll find Willow and we'll all uh, get to the bottom of this together. But right as uh, Dari said that, there's a knock at the door and it was Bull. Now, Bull is our resource officer in charge of resources and, you know, keeping everything going in our town. Not like a mayor, more of a... A community, you say, hey, you're not following the rules, let's do this, or these are the rules, or this is, so that kind of thing. And Bull kind of was playing, hey, how's it going, uh, you two? Are you eating some puffs? Hey, uh, I heard you said that Willow called or something. Uh, and uh, Francis said, yeah, Willow, Willow called. And then uh, Bull looked at the phone. It wasn't working. I said, well, that's interesting. Your phone's not working. Uh, uh, it sure wasn't the storm or something. And Francis said, I know what my daughter sounds like, even in static from a storm. And Bull said, well, the thing is that... Uh, when the geese go on the geese chases, they, they bring these kids in the geese chases for fun. You know, this is just a, a river bottom style action. Uh, they, they, uh, they, you know, they sometimes they like to call the house and even give the parents a hard time, create a sense of uncertainty. You know, they're tricksters. They're, they're not trickster gods. They're just birds from Canada, Canada geese, uh, Bull said, though a couple of other geese run with them. 
And, uh, Francis said it wasn't a Canada geese or any other kind of geese on the phone bull. It was my daughter, Willow. And Bull said, okay, okay, well, just trust me. I'm trying to work. And, and then Willow said, you, you're, de-. and then Francis said, you need to trust me too, Bull. And Bull said, okay. So Willow called and there was a lot of static. That's what we know, right? For sure. And Francis said, yes. And then Bull said, well, what about uh, Lenny? That was uh, Willow and Dari's father. He would roll like Rolling Stone, so no moss gathered on him. Another musician, though not very accomplished musician, who had moved to Riverbottom years ago. Not in any big bands, though, like you hear about from Riverbottom. More of just a busker. And... uh, uh, Francis said, I haven't heard from Lenny in a while. Uh, and then Dari said, Lenny said, you know, J to the A to the R to the K. And Bull said, well, maybe I should just check in with Lenny in case Willow went to, is there any chance Willow went to visit Lenny? And of course, Francis said, no. And Bull said, okay, well, trust, like, hear me out. What if Willow was just contemplating starting her career early? Not a good choice, but whatever. You know, we know that happens. It's happened with other kids in the community. They want, you know, to get this idea of quick, you know, that they're going to have a big career. And they move to River Bottom or Hensontown or somewhere else uh, to start their career. And uh, maybe... You know, I mean, the only successful person was Antonio Banderas, and that wasn't even music. Uh, But, yeah, so maybe to make it a little bit easier, or maybe Willow got there and found it, well, I don't like this. Let me just check in with Lenny. Let's just check in with Lenny and just see if that's a possibility. And then Bull said, things are going to be okay, Francis. We're going to figure this out together. Okay, we'll figure this out. And then Bull headed out, but I know that Dari headed out right after Bull. And uh, said, Bull, wait up. Uh, Bull said, what's up, Dari? You should be inside helping your mother. She's, you know, this isn't easy on her. Dari said, don't worry. I've got things under control, too. I'm soothing my mom and comforting her. And uh, Dari said, didn't you used to work in Riverbottom on their resource team in the big city? Uh, you know, didn't you used to, were you starting your own uh, family and all that? And Bull said, that was a long time ago, Dari. What's your point? And Dari said, didn't it not go so great, uh, like your reputation in Riverbottom? Wouldn't it be easier for me to just go see Lenny? I don't think you and Lenny get along either. And Bull said, no, 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 you stay here with your mom. I'll go talk to Lenny. And Dari said, well, Lenny would be more open to talking to me than you. So just, you know, just a thought, you know, that, uh, like, you don't have to do everything, Bull. Bull, Bull, are you okay? You look really, uh, are you okay? I know you don't sing and, and all that. And you're staring off at the distance silently, only half listening to me, probably thinking about your past in Riverbottom, huh, Bull? Bull said, Bull was staring off with that stare you've seen right off camera, the jaw 
even of a frog going loose. Uh, said, yeah, I got bad luck. Bad luck in River Bottom. Bad luck followed me here, probably. Uh, I don't know what it is uh, about me. And I probably was born under bad. Anyway, Dari, you're too, you don't understand. You wouldn't understand. You're just a kid. But forget about talking to Lenny. I'll handle it later today or tomorrow. I'm on top of it. I just got to get a couple other geese in a row. I'm I'm pretty sure it's not. I'm pretty sure it's the geese. uh, But uh, we'll figure it out. And Bull took off. Now, meanwhile, while they were having breakfast and discussing things, my family was having breakfast. Uh, My mom, my dad, my young, the youngest in my family. And then my brother, Tefe, the otter who learned to love himself so much uh, that uh, the shiniest otter in town. And I was trying to eat fast, I mean, really, so I could bring part of my breakfast down to uh, Billy. Uh, but Mom kind of was like, you know, geez, I don't know, with Willow, like, uh, right a- come home right after school. My dad was, you know, read, reading the latest news about, you know, stuff unrelated to our day-to-day lives. And Tefe was mostly eating, you know, like whatever, this super bre- breakfast, uh, super foods and preening himself. Uh, and it was getting on my nerves because he could see something in his eye. And then he cleared his throat and said, hey, mom, uh, I got an idea. You know, it's, it can't be easy on Dari." In Francis and everything, I was thinking about helping out, uh, like with the flyers. They, you know, they got to figure out this goose chase thing. And my mom said, Tefe, I think you should just stay out of it. And I said, Handing out flyers doesn't really sound like your style, Tefe. What does it, what does that even mean, handing out flyers? Uh, and Tefe said, well, you know, flyers cost money. And uh, I was thinking we could do, I could do a fundraiser after school. And we could raise money to pay for them to get a bunch of flyers. Uh, you know, but yeah, you're right, Mom. It's probably not the best idea. They'll probably, I mean, I know, you know, Willow's family is not easy, as easy for them as it is for us. Uh, I'm grateful for everything you and Dad provide for us, um, Mom and Dad. So maybe I'll just forget the whole idea and forget the flyers and make it. Yeah, you're right. And Tefe knew what to say to my mom because she said, well, Tefe, just come home right after the fundraiser. You're so caring and so loving. And I said, what kind of it sounds loving, Tefe, like because you love to party, right? Is this some sort is it going to be a fundraiser party? And uh, Tefe said, well, uh, actually, Emma, that's a great question. I wouldn't call it a party, but you can't have a fundraiser without fun. Just good, clean fun, though, of course. Uh, Good, clean, comforting fun in this case. So less fun and more comfort. Uh, And I said, another brilliant Tefe idea, huh, Mom? I wonder how this, and Mom said, "Uh, Emma, just finish your breakfast and get ready to go to school. And then come home after school, please. And I said, I don't even know how Tefe defines a clean and responsible either. And mom said, Emma? 
And then I went downstairs uh, to pretend to get ready for school in the basement. And uh, I went down and checked in with Billy, who was, you know, obviously in a new place and not totally comfortable. But also very hungry, so really enjoying the breakfast I provided, uh, which are known as Dino, you know, Dino Puffs, uh, the, the Puff. That's just, you know, but anyway, so uh, really enjoying that breakfast. And I said, listen, Billy, I'm going to pretend to go to school. And what you got to do is after you eat, just go out in the backyard and knock over the garbage cans, Okay. And then my mom will hear it. You got to do it now before she leaves for work. But she'll hear you knock over the garbage cans, and she'll come out and she'll help you, and she'll find out where you're, you know, where you're supposed to be, where your mom and dad are, or whoever you live with. Uh, she'll help you find your way home. So that's the plan, and my mom's the best. So she'll totally help you. Uh, and Billy just kind of stared at me. It was just on the side of Billy's bill, a, a dino puff marshmallow, and a little bit of dripping. Like, uh, and Billy said, first, with, with a, a, a beak full of, of no. And I said, I'm sorry, did you say mullo no? And then Billy waved their bill back and forth, and no. And I said, no, and Billy said, no, mom. And I said, you don't have a mom? And and Billy said, no, pointed to me, no, your mom, no plan, no garbage, no mom. And I said, why? And she said, she made a kind of a universal symbol for looking around and scouting the horizon. She said, uh, Dr. Max is going to be looking for me, and Dr. Max can't be trusted. And I said, how, how do you, and I said, what do you mean? And Billy said, Dr. Max will take me back. And I said, back where? And Billy said, to the other side of the swamp. Uh, and I said, and I said, okay, okay, that's like, okay, so, all right, well, I'll figure out another plan then. You could stay here, okay? Just don't do anything. And I'll skip school. I'll come back. I'll pretend I'm going to go to school and come back. You just stay hiding out here, okay? And Billy said, okay. So I pretended to head out of school. Now, meanwhile, at school, Vaughn and LJ had gone to school. School had started. And at first they were wondering where I was, but then they said, oh, of course, you Emma probably stayed home to enact the plan, uh, and I'll just said, good, like, then that, like, a duck bill thing will be back where they belong, and we could start to find Willow again, our friend Willow, because Emma seems to have forgotten about Willow. And Vaughn had a couple laughs at the duck bill and the webbed feet and did, a, like, a, a, like, a walk around, uh, and I said, well, yeah, it's good. Only adults can help with this kind of stuff. And LJ said, yeah, only adults can help with this kind of stuff. Um, and, uh, the, yeah, they, they kind of went back and forth. Uh, now, meanwhile, also at school, uh, my brother Tefe got to school. 
And Dari was there. And believe it or not, Dari was actually, Dari has a friend named Babs. And Babs uh, uh, comes to, like, Babs was the kind of person that had a lot of resources. And Babs, uh, Dari was already talking to Babs about getting flyers made because uh, Babs' family has all that kind of stuff. I don't even know how you make a flyer. And, uh, uh, Babs said, no problem. And then Dari said, do you think we could use your car too? Uh, and Babs said, no, I got, I got, you remember when I snuck out that like two weeks ago, I'm not a lot, I don't have access to my car anymore. I'm grounded, car free, no driving. And, uh, Dari said, well, I just need your car for today. I just need to borrow it. Uh, can we sneak it out? And, and Babs said, no, they took the keys and everything. Uh, can't, I, I'd give it to you for sure. I'm not worried about that. I know you want to figure out stuff uh, with your sister. And Tefe rolled up and said, hey, uh, hey, 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 Babs, hey, Dari, uh, I heard you talking about cars and uh, flyers. I was thinking about having a little fundraiser after school today. A fundraiser, maybe take your mind off of stuff uh, in a field, a little field party fundraiser. We could charge all the, you know, all the other kids, uh, you know, to come to it um, and bring in some money to pay for those flyers or whatever else you might need, Dari. And it'd be a good time. We could really have a good time, uh, at least for a little while. And uh, Dari looked at uh, uh, Tefe and narrowed her eyes. And Bab said, field parties are lame, Tefe, just so you know. That's like kids stuff. And uh, Dari said, yeah, I'm, I'm thinking about my sister. I don't want to be standing around in a bunch of mud with you and your friends, Tefe, uh, drinking bog water. And Babs made a bog water face, like bog water's not good, though older kids say it is. And... Uh, and Tefe said, come on, Babs, we, you know, like... Uh, you tell her we we could still figure out some way to have fun. Uh, we could do something. And Bab said, "No thanks, Tefe." And uh, but then Dari was looking the whole time and listening, and and the wheels were turning in Dari's head. And said, "Dari said, you know what, Tefe, Babs, you know it might be fun cutting school. You know I've had it. You know I'm uh, like uh, maybe taking a road trip." Uh, I don't know. That's what Babs and I were talking about before we got here, Tefe. Now, that would be fun. The only issue is we don't have a car because uh, Babs lost her uh, keys. Her parents took them away. And Tefe said, interesting, interesting, huh? Like a road trip, the three of us, uh, for fun. And, uh, Dari said, yeah, I got to make one, like, I got I got a totally cool place we could check out with a great view and everything. Tefe said, really? Uh, Babs is like, I don't know. I don't know. Like, uh, no, Babs wasn't playing. She said, I don't know. I'd rather not the three of us hang out. Me, you and Tefe. No, thank you. And Dari said, come on, Babs, we'll have fun, uh, you know, you could be, you know, you, like, uh, you, you, we'll both keep Tefe in line uh, and, and keep his nonsense to a minimum. 
And Tefe said, okay, okay, I got an idea. Meet me in front of school uh, or down, you know, not in front of school, someplace on the other side of the, the sports field at lunch. Uh, I'll have a car. We'll do a little road trip and cut school. And they said, okay. And then back in town, in our beautiful uh, downtown area, Francis was heading into where she works at the Fines and Dines. It's our everything store. You know, it's got a diner, it's got groceries, and it's got most of the stuff you would need. And she had worked there a long time. Uh, and, and, you know, like uh, not for a lot of uh, glory. And her boss was there, and he said, uh, Francis, what are you doing here? Uh, what, are you, what are you? It's not your day to work. And Francis said, I need a phone. And her boss said, okay, that'll be, you know, what, 2222. And Bab said, uh, you know, what? I'm trying to figure, I'm waiting for Willow to call me. And uh, he said, oh, okay, just, just, I'll put it on your account. Uh, and Bab said, uh, and then Francis said, you know what, I need, uh, I also need two weeks pay. Two weeks pay? And Francis said, you got to be kidding me. I worked here like a long, long time, even on the holidays, and I got two kids at home. Like, uh, I expect to be paid a two weeks advance right now. And her boss said, okay, okay. And then she said, and some sugared cereal, dino, double, double dino puffs, uh, they said, okay, okay, Francis, take care, take care. And Francis headed home. And I and I had headed home, too. And I was showing uh, uh, Billy my room and a lot of the toys I play with, my physics lab, my kind of punch card computing device I'd been working on for a long time. And then, of course, my, well, this is what you don't know. So I don't, this isn't the first thing I recorded, really. My friends and I, we used to like to do radio theater in method. So we would, we had a lot of, not just a recording set up uh, in the basement and in my room, but we also had outfits. So we would play kind of a dress up recording uh, thing. You know, some things were in the bar, the world of bards and big bunnies. And then some things were in like a more noir world. And we had other outfits, uh, and so I started dress, we started dressing up and pretending we were different characters and we were kind of having fun. And then, uh, I don't, I don't know, even Billy said, what is it? And I said, this is what friends, we're friends, uh, friends play dress up and, uh, this is called play. And I realized this was new to her. She'd never tried it or never done it before. And I was pretending to be different things. And even for a second, Billy kind of pretended to be like Dr. Max, just for a second. And then we heard my front door. And then we heard the stairs. And I said, but, but it's, it's my mom. You got to pretend you're like, like, just don't move. Sit sit down in my miniature rocking chair and don't move. Pretend you're a full-size doll. And then my door swung open because Tefe had heard me. And Tef said, what are you doing home? And I said, what are you doing home? And uh, Teffy said, what is that doll? Uh, is that a bi b bill on a beaver? Ugh. Dressed up. What is that dressed up as? 
And I said, uh, that's, yeah, anyway, what are you doing home from school, Chefe? And Chefe said, what are you doing home from school? And I said, I don't feel good, you know, uh, with Willow and stuff. And Chefe said, oh, yeah, well, uh, uh, I mean, that makes sense. I'm trying to help Dari with some stuff. And I'm like, are sure you are? And he, he said, no, really, uh, where are the keys to, to Uncle Emmett's uh, truck? And I said, I have no idea. And he said, you, I know you know. You know everything. Come on, Emma. I know you know where Uncle Emmett's keys are. And I said, I, I don't know. And uh, and Tefe said, I'll tell you what, like, uh if you tell me where Uncle Emmett's keys are, I'll forget that you and whoever that is pretending to be a duck-billed doll, uh, I don't know if that's Vaughn or LJ dressed up, uh, that you're not, neither one of you is at school or sick. Uh, I'll forget to tell Mom all about this. And I said, they're in the bowl with all the marbles at the bottom. And uh, he said, okay, I'll see you later then. And he headed out, and I breathed a sigh of relief, and so did uh, uh, Billy. But Billy kind of looked after. Her. He said, "Don't, don't, don't." My brother said, "Don't worry. That's just a uh, like that's not his natural otter oils. Those are store bought otter oils that make him shine like that." Now Francis had gotten home, and Francis had set up uh, the new phone, and was like, "I'm going to wait here." Uh, for my daughter. Now, one thing I did forget to mention that's kind of an important part is, you know, we're all musical. We all play instruments. But Frances, and, and she never quite found the way to do this. And I think probably Lenny had something to do with this. Uh, Frances was a big maker of wind chimes, but tuned wind chimes. Uh, you could almost, the wind could play as an instrument or even someone could play as an instrument. And so Francis was also passing the time tuning a wind chime or tuning the parts of it. I don't know much about wind chime creation. Uh, a wind chime that was like a steel drum and kind of playing those sounds uh, and waiting for the phone to ring. And meanwhile, Tess Tefe had gotten my Uncle Emmett's truck and gone back to school at lunchtime. And Dari and Babs were waiting and they hopped in the car, and Tuffy said, where to? And Dari said, River Bottom. And Tuffy said, what are you, uh, 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 like, uh, Dari said, trust me, I got a big surprise. Wait, like I said, beautiful view. Uh, just trust me, I'll tell you how to get there. And uh, Tuffy said, okay, sounds cool. And they hit the road. And while they were on the road, uh, school had let out, and Vaughn and LJ went right to my house uh, and headed over and knocked on the door, and I let them in, and they said, so what happened to your mom? And then they saw in the background, they saw Billy. And they said, what is, what is, what is that still doing here? And I said, uh, like, and then I said, let's go to my room to talk in case my parents come home. And LJ said, we're here. Why didn't you tell your mom that was the plan? And Vaughn said, yeah, what if, what if, no offense, Billy, but what if Billy's an alien or something? 
and uh, making all these like sounds, sound effects from all these like uh, sci-fi shows that Vaughn watches too much of. And LJ said, what about Willow? We're supposed to be looking for Willow, not dealing with uh, this duck-billed beaver with web, web, you know. Might, this might even be, what did you hatch out of an egg or something? And I said, LJ, please calm down and be more appropriate and kind. And LJ said, appropriate and kind again. Our mission is Willow. Uh, Willow could be with a big, we're supposed to be big bunnies and bards. And Willow is our friend. And I'm going to go tell your parents. I'm going to go call my parents. I'm going to tell an adult uh, uh, to deal with this. And as LJ went to leave the room, the sound started to come from deep inside of Billy's bill. And it was, it sort of sounded like a, like a, I don't know, like an engine starting. But quickly it, it, we realized that because we listen to a lot of music, we play a lot of music, uh, that it was a song it being almost like, uh, hummed through or vibrating through the bill. And Vaughn was the first person to realize they said, that's the song right here, right now that we always just sing on the radio by, uh, Jesus and Jones. And I said, wait, and then right as I said that I couldn't speak anymore. And LJ's hand had frozen as he was reaching for the doorknob and we were all kind of stuck, uh, right here, right now as, uh, as Billy kind of uh, hummed the song. And then we kind of started to hum along with it. Uh, but we quickly realized that it was a power, and Billy said, no adults. Uh, uh, and then looked at me and I said, can't, we can't, there's some sort of Dr. Max beyond the swamp. Uh, that lab stuff might be right, Vaughn. And then Vaughn and LJ were staring at me, and the, the echoes of the song were still in our head. He said, she's got some sort of musical powers. Uh, and Vaughn said, just like in the comic books, uh, superpowers. And uh, how'd you know that was one of our favorite songs? We used to sing that right here, right now. There's no other place we'd rather be. Now, while we were doing that, like uh, Dari, Babs, and Tefe had gotten to River Bottom. And they pulled up to Lenny's house, uh, and uh, Teffy said, where's the view, Babs? Uh, or, and Teffy said, where's the view, Dari? And Dari said, look at this. This is, an, like, uh, this is a city, an uh, industrial section of a city. It's not like anything we see. And Teffy said, this seems dull. And Dari said, you two keep each other company. I'm going to hop out. i got to knock on this door. And uh, Teffy said, why? And she, she said, well, this is where my dad lives. i got to ask him something. You two stay put. And Dari knocked on the door and eventually dealt with Lenny's uh, like uh, friend and Lenny. Lenny was a bit like, oh, well, you got why don't you let adults take care of this? What about Bull? He's still in town. No, I haven't heard from Willow. Wish, you know, wish Francis was, you know, better. And, and then that was, it was all Dari needed to hear and said, forget it. Uh, forget it. I got to go. 
And Lenny said, don't you want to hang? You know, this is a big city. We could go out. We could busk together. And Dari said, I got to figure out Willow. And Dari headed out down the steps. Uh, and as she was at the last step away from Lenny's house, she realized that uh, the windows of uh, Emmett, Uncle Emmett's truck had kind of fogged up a little bit. And she suspected something was strange. And then she reached for the passenger door. And she opened it and uh, she heard a gasp and she saw that there wasn't anybody in the driver's seat and that Lenny and Babs were in the back, uh, K-I-S-S-I-N-G-ing. And, it, you know, it's no secret that Dari thought that Tefe, like, that Dari was into Tefe a little bit and she thought Tefe was into her. And Babs was always making a deal about how Teffy wasn't cool and a jerk and not her cup of tea. So Dari was not happy. And they said, what, what, what? And then Dari said, just, just let me drive back. Uh, you two stay in the bank and keep each other company. Uh, but Dari started to get more and more irritated, uh, and eventually it kind of drove, it took the long way home where she also had this view, this side road that had a view of the place beyond the swamp, of the the road where none of our cars go. Like I said, where the strange vehicles go. And she parked there uh, and they had kind of fallen asleep snuggling, which she was not happy about either. Now, back in my house, we had stopped singing and we're still trying to process uh, what this all meant. Uh, and uh, I said, don't worry, we'll work this all out. Uh, and, uh, and Billy started looking around and saw a picture and was staring at a picture of Willow and us uh, and held it and then said, what's this? And we said, those are friends. We're friends. You know what a friend is? And uh, Billy said no. And I said, remember when we played? Friends play together. Friends uh, help each other. Willow's our friend. We can't find her. Uh, and, then, and then it was LJ that said, you know, someone, my friends, I'd do anything for them. Everything I do, I do for my friends. And then Billy got a dreamy look in Billy's eye and said, uh, Everything I do, I do it for you, and started humming that song, which was a big hit on the radio at the time, too. But kind of more humming it absentmindedly as she walked down to the basement and we followed her. And then she got out our board for our big bunny and bards game, and she turned it upside down. And then she put the, the figure that... Uh, that Willow always, play, always played on the downside of the board and said, friend. And we said, yeah, you know, that's Willow. You know where Willow is? Uh, and then she took a big bunny and put it on the board next to her. And then we we were all like, uh, it was mostly silent except for her humming of uh, everything I do, I do for you, which kind of suffused us with some sort of magical energy, it felt like. Now, meanwhile, Frances was at home waiting for the phone to ring, and it finally did ring, and she dropped uh, 
the the wind chime she was working on and they got caught around her ankle and it was ringing and she was trying to get to the phone and then there was kind of nothing there but static and she said willow is that you willow willow where are you willow and she heard the squawks of Canada geese or something. That's what she thought because that was the idea planted in her head. And she wondered if it was Willow. And then again, the phone shorted out. And then all the music devices in the house uh, started to play, starting with the, the wind chime, the steel drum wind chime wrapped around her ankles uh, somehow. But all the music and... Uh, Dari and Willow's, Willow's room started to play louder and louder, and she went in there. And she said, like, uh, Willow, Willow, uh, what's going on? Uh, all with some sort of, again, suffused with magical power. And playing songs, you know, moms didn't want her kids listening to, like, uh, uh, I want to uh, give you a kiss by uh, this band, uh, Bad Colors and and uh, other songs like that. Uh, and she said, Willow, you're not supposed to listen to this song. Is that you? And then uh, she started to sense, uh, and she looked out the window, and she saw big bunny ears, giant bunny ears outside the window. And at first she rushed outside looking for a bunny, and then she kind of felt the earth kind of tremble like a big bunny was bouncing. Then she ran to her car and said, what if a big bunny is bouncing? That's no good. She got in her car and was ready to drive away, but then she thought about Willow and the music, and then the wind chimes all started to play, all the wind chimes she had made for her family and that she was making on commission or spec for other people started playing. And she sat there and listened and said, Willow, Willow, is that you? Uh, And it was all playing in different things, uh, I want to, oh, I want to kiss you up. Uh, and uh, she thought, uh, well, this is an odder thing right now. And then Dari was uh, getting more and more, uh, a little bit frustrated and was like, you know what I'm going to do is uh, park this car and throw the keys in the swamp uh, and then go home. Uh, to, to, you know, kind of give Tefe some payback for and Babs for making out. Uh, and so she pulled off, knocked out, and she said, I'm going to throw them right into the tunnel. Uh, no way even Tefe will go in there for the keys, and then Tefe will get in trouble. And so she pulled off and parked the car and took the keys out, and Tefe woke up. Uh, Babs didn't quite wake up yet. And uh, Dari slammed the door and stormed off, and Tefe followed after her. said, wait, wait, wait a second, uh, Dari, uh, where are you going? And Dari got ready to throw the keys into the swamp tunnel. And uh, Tefe said, wait, 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 I'm, I'm really sorry. Like, uh, it was just like we, me and Babs were just sitting there, and we had not, like, uh, I, don't, I don't know, like, uh, and I know I should make an excuse like we're not dating or we haven't kissed. Uh, maybe we could kiss right now. And then Dari got ready to throw the keys. And uh, uh, 
Teffy said, no, 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 no. Like, really, I'm, I apologize. It was very, I should have been more sensitive uh, to everything that's going on. And I should have said, Babs, it's not a good time for you to try to kiss me right now. And then he says, Babs, or then Dari almost threw the keys. And he said, no, no. Or say, Babs, what do you think about kissing while we pass the time? So I'm sorry, Dari. It was wrong. I'm sorry it affected you. I can make it, if I can, uh, like, make, make it right somehow, I will. But I was definitely wrong. And Dari lowered a hand and, and tossed the keys back to Tefe. He said, just drop, you know what, just drop me off. Uh, uh, I don't care, whatever. I'm probably just stressed about my sister. And, and, and Tuffy said, I understand. Uh, you know, and I'm wrong for not knowing that. Uh, and I'll try to help. We'll get those flyers printed and we'll, we'll, I'll help, really. And Dari said, thanks, Tuffy. And Tuffy said, it can't be easy. Uh, and uh, Dari said, no. And then they got back to the car and Babs' door was open and Babs wasn't there anymore. And he said, Babs, you around? No, and Babs didn't respond. And Tuffy said, well, that's weird. And then Darcy said, well, Babs doesn't live that far from here. Maybe she walked home. And Tuffy said, maybe. And he said, weird. it's weird. There's some goose feathers uh, here. He goes, with well, slimy goose feathers. Uh, and she said, maybe a goose flew over and left a, a goose present uh and Tuffy said, probably, let me bring you home. And, uh, yeah, and she said, well, at least now I don't got to worry about if you drop me off or Babs off first. Uh, so, yeah, just bring me home, and then uh, I'm going to get in bed and go to sleep, and then we'll figure out everything tomorrow. Tuffy said, that sounds like an idea. And then they, Babs, or, and then Dari went home, and uh, I kind of got a, uh, Billy back in Billy's tent, and we all went home, and we all got in bed. And we said, well, we'll just deal with everything tomorrow. Let's just get a good night's sleep, a good night. Uh, hey, everybody, this is Scooch. Welcome to our episodically modular and somewhat serialized series, Otter Things, O-T-T-E-R-T-H-I-N-G-S. Uh, actually going to turn um, things over to, uh, the host of the Otter Things, uh, and, uh, but I just want to let you know, it's a serialized episodic series, which means that at the beginning of each episode, you'll get caught up on everything that's happening. So you can listen to it in any order. And I found that actually the, the recaps uh, actually put a lot of people to sleep. So some people listen to starting at the recap, uh, on other nights, cause they say, well, just the recap itself uh, is enough, uh. I sleep just fine during the recap, and that way I can sleep through the whole story. So if you need to, or you're, you're thinking, "Well, this is episode uh, three, it's okay. It'll, it'll, you, you'll, you'll be fine. You, you, you won't get mixed up, or you will get mixed up, uh, but you won't miss anything. And if you miss anything, you could re-listen. Uh, and then if those of you that listen during the night, because uh, you can't sleep, or you want some company, you'll get caught up on the story, and then you'll hear the next part of the story altogether. Uh, and I'll be here to keep you company to the end. Uh, so without further ado, I'm turning things over to uh, Emma Otter. Yeah, hey, this is Emma, 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 Emma Otter here. Uh, record, I just wanted to make sure I was recording. I was a little bit nervous. Uh, 
And I'm here to tell you the story of odder things, the story of my town and my friends, my family, and the residents of our town here. And we live in a swamp. I'm trying to think of everything I need to tell you. Uh, once upon a time, there's a town in a swamp uh, filled with uh, swampland creatures. Uh, and it was a sleepy little town, a nice town to live in, not like the hustle and bustle of places like uh, River Bottom or Henson Town. It was just a nice place to live. And that's where I grew up and I was born, Emma Otter. And I lived there with my parents and my brother, Tefe, and uh, my youngest sibling. And my best friends are Willow, uh, Vaughn, and Elijah. Not in any particular order. You probably know which of those three is my best, best friend, if you're listening to this. Um, and particularly if you are my best friend, you say, well, I know which one of those three is my best, Emma's best friend. I am. You're correct in that assumption. So those are my friends, and uh, who else do you need to know? Uh, uh, let's see, Emma and Tefe, that's me and my brother, my parents. Now, my parents aren't that important, you know. I mean, to me they are. To you, yeah, you know, they're like, uh, it could be considered the chorus. Uh, Willow has uh, a sister, Dari, and her mom is Frances, and, and they all live together. Uh, and, you know, they do play a part in this tale. Uh, the bull, the bullfrog, uh, Leon's his name, but we all call Bull Bull. And there's probably other people I'm forgetting that are really important, but uh, I just wanted to set the stage. Once upon a time, we all lived in our town. We went about our lives. Middle school, uh, b- b- bards and big bunnies, that's a role-playing game we play. And, you know, we all we all like to play music, but uh, we also deep down knew that everything would be well. So keep that in mind when you hear this story, because sometimes stories take a while. to get, It takes a whole journey of life. I think my, my Uncle Emmett once sang a song about that. Uh, how many journeys of life it takes to realize, oh, all will be all is and all will be well. But I want to tell you that right up front in case you say, well, it doesn't seem that way, Emma. And I say, yeah, I'm looking back and telling you this uh, with more knowledge than you have. And much more knowledge than I had at the time. When one day after a game of uh, Big Bunnies and Bards at my house, uh, LJ, Vaughn, and uh, Willow went home. And uh, they all headed home except for Willow. And and, uh, over the next uh, period of time, uh, we wondered, where did Willow go if Willow didn't go home? Did Willow go on a goose chase following geese? Uh, It did, as uh, Vaughn would say, Willow get caught up in some sort of comic book adventures with creatures from another world. Or friends, you know, friends from another world. Yeah, you're right, Uh, uh, was it something like Big Bunny and Bards? Uh, did Emma, because like, we had played a game where Emma had, uh, I'm sorry, Willow. Uh, I'm not used to being the character in my own story, but where Willow did Willow say, well, there's a Big Bunny coming to take all the town's food. Maybe I'll protect the town. Like in a game of Big Bunnies and Bards. 
Or, you know, was it something else? Like Emma just went for a walk or did we found out last episode, Emma did not go to visit her dad in Riverbottom. Because uh, Dari, Babs, and Tefe had driven there. And, uh, and actually, that's probably a good place to start. Uh, and I, I'll catch you up as we go on, too. But uh, this is a most famous resident of our town. Uh, actor, uh, philanthropist, philanthropist uh, Mr. Antonio Banderas. Uh, thank you, Emma. The ladies, the gentlemen, the boys, the girls, the friends behind the binary. Residents of uh, Swampland and every land. Uh, this is an episode of Otter Things. Yeah. Could you remember the take notes I gave you, Antonio? Oh, yes. Uh, this is an episode of Otter Things. Splish, splish. This is an, oh yeah, uh, this is an episode of Otter Things, a Splish Splash. That was great, you didn't, you, there was no sibilance on that. Uh, so uh, this is an episode of Otter Things, I'm Emma Otter. I guess you could say I'm reporting, but not, I'm reporting to you, dear listener. And uh, and the fact that uh, we're, when we start out, um, my uh, brother Tefe and Willow's sister and um, uh, Willow's best friend, Babs, had headed out to Riverbottom uh, to talk to uh, Willow and uh, Dari's, uh, Dari's um, uh, dad, uh, Lenny, about, uh, you know, where was, if, if uh, Willow had come there, maybe to either visit or to start her career as a busker in Riverbottom, but Lenny said no. But then when Dari got back to the car, she found that Tefe and Babs were uh, K-I-S-S-I-N-G-ing. And Dari probably doesn't want anybody to know this, but Dari kind of had some feelings uh, for Tefe, which is a mistake, you know, I would if we would have sat down. But, you know, Tefe just has, uh, you know, I'm just rolling my eyes right now. I don't know what to say, but to tell you that, that's a fact, unfortunately, uh, so uh, Dari was a little bit upset that she'd found uh, Tefe and Babs kissing. So she drove home and then she pulled over because she was uh, like so displeased she was going to, because Tefe had borrowed uh, our Uncle Emmett's truck and uh, uh, Dari was going to throw the keys in the swamp near the tunnel. Uh, that goes to the place beyond the swamp that we're not allowed to go to. And uh, then Tefe apologized to Dari and said, "Hey, just let's like uh, let's not throw the keys in the swamp. I, it was my bad." Uh, uh, and uh, I know you're going through a hard time with Willow. You know we're not sure, and we thought Willow might be your dad's, but uh, we'll we'll figure this out together. And they went back to the car to find that Babs wasn't there. They kind of noticed some goose feathers, the slimy goose feathers, but they thought that Babs probably had that on her shoe and headed off and walked home. And that was only partly true because what had happened was Babs uh, waited for Dari and Tefe. And then, you know, naturally Babs said, well, what if they're kissing now? I'm not sure how I feel about that. And Babs headed out to find them uh, on a path because they had kind of parked in a, another, actually another place that's popular for uh, teens that are doing that. Uh, 
And then Babs kind of got like took a pass. Then she heard a noise and she said that she thought it sounded like a bunny. Then she thought she saw bunny ears. And Babs started to follow the bunny. And it was like a forced perspective situation. So Babs thought it was a small bunny uh, far away, but really it was a larger bunny that was closer. But she started following the bunny. And I can tell you that, you know, just like I said, all will be well with Babs. Uh, but at the time, Babs said, hey, bunny, bunny, are you lost? Uh, don't go that way. Because, you know, as far as Babs knew, that bunnies really weren't um, meant to be swimming around in the swamp, but maybe hopping around the edges of the swamp. And Babs was a very caring person. Then she got close to the bunny and she realized that the uh, it was a different bunny than she had seen. It wasn't a pure bunny. It had, like, a goose feathers in addition to fur. And there was some slime on it. And, and she may have seen, like, even, like, geese. Uh, like, she, she was like, okay, maybe I'm seeing something. You're not a bunny. You're a big bunny goose type thing. Now, it, it's interesting that... Uh, uh, Dari and Willow's dad's named Lenny because what happened was very reminiscent of a different Lenny, but not totally like that Lenny from a, a famous book. Uh, because the bunny actually swept Babs up and said, like, it reversed what Babs was doing and said, Oh, are you like, now the bunny didn't speak, it kind of just communicated without words. Uh, but Babs could, it was immediately relaxed as the bunny swept her up in its arms or paws. Uh, or wings and said, Oh, are you? Oh, look at this little creature here. Oh, let me care for you and take good care of you and take you care of you and bring you home. Uh, but this bunny actually, bunny goose was actually pretty gentle. So it did sweep Babs away, but then it started hopping and Babs said, Where are you hopping to, bunny? Uh, and the bunny didn't really answer. Uh, and it went to the place beyond the swamp where we're not supposed to go. But Babs was also falling asleep. And so Babs fell into a deep sleep. And the bunny kind of hopped off a little bit like Babs was a pet, which is not exactly the reality because Babs is a, like a sentient being with free will. But maybe the bunny didn't know that. And they hopped off. And like I said, all will be well eventually. Like, uh, But I just can't tell you everything, right? And actually, I can't even remember it because the way my memory works is uh, I have to remember things in order as they happened, kind of. Not everything. I can kind of go backwards, but it just a quirk in my memory when I'm telling stories that uh, I can't jump ahead. I mean, I can jump around in the story. You know what I mean? I get mixed up. Now, meanwhile, back at the car, uh, Tefe and Dari had said, well, maybe Babs, Babs must have gone home. She must have been frustrated with both of us. Uh, and uh, so they started driving home. And as they drove home, uh, and neither one of them was really sure how to feel. Like they had, they had their own feelings. So they were unaware that Babs had been swept up in the arms of a ghost bunny. And they were more concerned with the awkwardness, or did they want to kiss, or what, isn't that confusing? You know, isn't that a little bit? They're teens, you know. Being a teen is not easy. It's confusing. And so Dari didn't really want to talk about it. Tefe did. And actually, I think Tefe was more on the strong side of like, hey, like, uh, I think, I, you know, I think I was kissing Babs, but thinking of you or something. And Dari said, let's not talk about it. Uh, 
Remember, I'm dealing with stuff with Willow. And maybe we'll talk to Tuffy. said, are you going to come to school tomorrow? And uh, Dari said, well, maybe. I don't know. And Tuffy said, well, I hope I see you at school tomorrow. I'm sorry again. And and, and, and Dari went inside. And Dari thought she was going to try to sneak inside. It was like early in the morning. Uh, and she was like, maybe I'll catch a couple hours of sleep before school. And meanwhile, as she snuck inside, uh, she, like, snuck down the hall to her room, which is across from Willow's room. Uh, and her mom's room was in another, uh, like, the other side of the house. So she was like, oh, I think I'm covered. And uh, uh, as soon as she put her foot down to open her door, she realized that uh, Willow's door was open and her mom was there uh, talking and of all things, she was talking to a wind chime. And it was a, actually a famous wind chime uh, uh, from, uh, my, my, I mean, I don't want to brag, but it was a jug band wind chime with all these members of a jug band. And she, she was saying, Willow, okay, Willow, uh, okay, tell me more. Willow, are you there, Willow? Uh, play one of the the jug band wind chime instruments. And she hadn't perfected this one. Each wind chime was supposed to kind of sound like an instrument from a jug band, like a washboard or, a, you know, a jug, which is tough. She was still crafting it. Uh, she's a, oh, uh, uh, Francis is a bespoke wind chime maker or wanted to be or did she made she just didn't sell she one day maybe she would be the most famous wind chime maker in the world and hopefully she'll sponsor my productions but so she was saying that she looked over and she saw Dari trying to sneak in and she said did you just get home and Dari said well, my my what you, my uh, and she said come in here and sit down next to me and Dari was like oh boy I'm busted but she said, listen, listen, your sister's here. And she said, where? And she said, in this, within, like, she's talking to me through the wind chime. And just like anyone, uh, you know, it's not something you hear every day. So you say, wait a second. So Willow's talking to you through the wind chime, Mom? And she was holding the wind chime. And she said, yeah, yeah, Willow, your your sister's here. She just snuck in. Don't know where she was. Where were you? Uh, I went to Dad's. So Willow's not visiting Dad. Okay, we'll talk about that later. Uh, Willow, I know you're not at Lenny's because uh, your sister looked for you there. So where? talk to your sister now, too, and tell her we'll also discuss consequences later. And nothing happened. And Dari said, Mom, I think, have you been talking to the wind chime all night? She said, I'm not talking to the wind chime, I'm talking to your sister. And uh, Dari said, Mom, please go to bed for a little while. Like, uh, let's lie down here together. Let's put the, and they got in Willow's bed and they snuggled up. Uh, and, you know, while it might not be fair, Dari tried to com- hold and comfort her mom, but she felt held as she held and comforted her mom. And uh, they did both eventually fall asleep together for a little while. And meanwhile, morning had come, and it was at my house. I'd had a sleepover with Vaughn and LJ, and my parents didn't know that Billy— Oh, so this is part of the story you probably have to be caught up on, too, is that— uh, So at some point, we were looking for Willow, and instead of Willow, we had looked in the swamp, and we had said, uh, 
Well, if Willow went on a wild goose chase after Canadian geese or Canada geese, uh, we'll find her. And we found this other being uh, who we call Billy, which was a bit like, a, a be, like and may, maybe at a time where we thought Vaughn might be right. Is this a being from outer space? It was a duck. Uh, a duck is bill, but not a normal duck bill color on a beaver with webbed feet. Uh, it was a being we'd never seen before named Billy. And Billy was seemed to be lost. And we took Billy home to my house and, uh, dried them off. And then, uh, we realized that Billy had come from the place beyond the swamp, uh, and Billy also said, I know where, I think I know where your friend Willow is. And we also realized that Billy has magical powers via song or superpowers. Uh, and it'll come up more. Uh, just for an example, Billy had sang the song uh, right here, right now, or made the lyrics, not, not the lyrics, uh, some sort of throat singing or bill singing. And it made us all freeze right there, right now, or right then, I guess, in that case. So, but we were, so that is where we were. We said, okay, well, if you know where Willow is, we need to find Willow after school again today and tonight. And we were calling it Operation Dark and Wood after the famous, uh, some of the more famous campaigns and novels based on the uh, Bard and, and, and Bunny's campaigns. Uh, by Margaret Weiss and Tracy Hickman. They had written all these amazing novels based on campaigns they had run in uh, uh, Bardenlance was uh, like the world they had created. And we so we always like liked that lore. And there was a place called Dark and Wood. That was a bit like we were calling it the, the, the place beyond the swamp, uh, the tunnel we had to go through. And we were making preparations, you know, getting spitballers, you know, like uh, that's what LJ had. And said, yeah, I'm going to make these giant slimy spitballs and then, you know, and then flashlights. And and then, of course, Vaughn had a lot of snacks. And we said, okay. Then we realized that uh, Billy couldn't go to school. So I said, Billy, okay, we'll meet you after school like in the dry spot, uh, a little bit behind my house. And, of course, Billy looked unsure, and I said, okay. And then I said, oh, well, I'll, I'll give you my Marty Moose watch. Uh, and I said, Marty Moose watch? And I said, yeah, it's, it tells the time. What's, you know, it was a new concept a little bit to uh, Billy. And I said, when Little Paw is pointing at three and Longer Paw is pointing at, uh, like, uh, 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 also three. When those two are both pointing at three, I think that would be, like, the time we'd meet. And then we'd discuss, wait a second, are you sure? And then Billy said, what about the tail? And I said, well, that's the second hand. And then we talked about the concept of seconds. But that got complicated, and we eventually said, well, just ignore that, just, uh, and I said, okay, when the two paws, then we actually showed, and then I said, also don't wind the watch, because this is the second mechanism I had to have uh, put in my watch, because I used to overwind it. Uh, so Billy said, don't wind the watch, uh, both at three. And I said, that's right, right, it was 3.15. And then we agreed, and then we said, okay, we'll meet you after school. 
now, another thing that was going on at the same exact time as we headed off to school was uh, Bull Leon, the head of our community resource uh, team, and a few members of Bull's team had headed off actually to the place beyond the swamp, uh, which we as kids really didn't know about. Uh, first, they uh, were going to just look around, but beyond the swamp was this thing called the Visitor Center. And, uh, we, you know, we had snuck some looks at it, uh, but it was like just a rundown buildings that were bigger than anything in our town. They didn't, their size was massive. Uh, we called it ruins, like just like in Bards and Big Bunnies. Uh, but the community lore was so thick that even none of us we would dare people to go, but no one actually went. People that said they went, even it turned out they were making it up, uh, like that there was no kids that went, actually would go there. One of the reasons was because it was uh, separated by a tunnel and a road. And the road would have these vehicles coming that were much bigger than any of our vehicles. They're mysterious vehicles, rarely seen, but they would be seen or heard throughout a community. And the rumor was that there was no animals driving them. And now most people said, well, that's because the perspective, you couldn't see in the window of the vehicle because it's so big. But because everyone knew, you never know when one of those is going to come by. Truck, very much like our trucks, but much, much bigger. That you couldn't, and they were going so fast. Uh, again, the, that had had consequences before. So you would never go on the road because it was like, and then on top of that, to go to a place with ruins and giant, mysterious, rundown buildings uh, was not, you know, a good idea. But, you know, Leon and the community resource team knew that there was activity beyond the swamp, which us kids didn't know. I guess only authority figures knew but first they checked around the road and, uh, uh, like, uh, they found an old street sign uh, that one of the bull's assistants pointed out and said, Hey, bull, look at this. So they remember these signs used to be up, uh, do not stop at any time, uh, for any reason, you know, listed, like never stop, uh, and he said, what is this like? And there was other words on there that he didn't understand, and they said, all right, let's go to this visitor center uh, and check in. And they said, do you really think those vehicles that go, the trucks go by, the giant trucks, uh, do you believe the stuff people say about them? And uh, Bull said, I don't know. Like, uh, they said, do you really think no one's driving them? Like, remember that? What, he said, old Misty Jones, she was up in a tree, and she said she looked right in the window, and there was no one behind the steering wheel. And then uh, I heard the robots or computers or something, some sort of uh, like they're run by electronics. And Bull said, it sounds like baloney to me. And they went down to the other side of the swamp, which was rare, but uh, Bull knew that behind the other side of the swamp was something called a bog walk. Uh, that was run down, but it led to this visitor center. But outside the visitor center, there was a couple of weasels on duty, guard weasels dressed in uh, uh, uniforms, and they are part of a larger, larger organization of the swamp and the woodlands. 
a secret authority, like, you know, run by secret authorities beyond just the greater community resources, we'll say. So, uh, uh, Leon said, Hey, how you doing? And the weasels said, what do you want? Uh, and, uh, said, well, I'm in town and I need to speak to somebody who's in charge. Uh, and they said, don't worry about it. And he said, well, I'm worried about it. Uh, can I come in? Can I look around? And they said, no looking around. The visitor sent no visitors in the visitor center. Hardy, har, har, uh, and everybody looked at each other, and they said, yeah. And they said, well, what do you got going on in there? Uh, and is it true that uh, this is where, you know, one of the Bulls assistants said, is this where they, like, do stuff to keep it? Are humans real, or is that just a rumor? And the weasels looked at each other and they said, don't worry about it. Uh, and Bull said, listen, like, can you just check in with somebody that's in charge here and uh, find out? Like, we just have this kid, Willow, and we think she went off, uh, she either went off on a goose chase, uh, so we just need any signs that the Canadian geese have been over here, uh, so we can, I can go back and figure out if she just headed off to be a busker or start her music career, which is what we think happened. We just gotta, you know, dot the T's and cross the I's and make sure that the gooses didn't lead her on some goose chase. Or, I don't know if you have any kids, Bull said to these uh, weasel guards. Uh, but, you know, what if he sees, somebody said these kids, the, her, her friends might have double dared her to go through the tunnel. So we just want to make sure, uh, you know, that's it. And they, they looked at it and they said, okay, okay, let us, let us look into it more. And then they actually got led into the visitor center. Uh, and they saw that the inside was not like the outside. Uh, you, you know, the first floor looked run down, uh, and in case anybody went in there. But they brought uh, them through another door down to the next level, which again kind of looked run down but was functional. And that was levels below that level. But even on the functional level, they the, the head of uh, the we another weasel, uh, but ahead of the weasels. Said, well, you, I can't, I can't, what I can tell you is that uh, the geese, uh, they've gone, most of the Canadian geese aren't even around anymore, the Canada geese. They went back to Canada. So I don't think any geese led your kid here. And the gates were closed, so I don't think the, the kid went through the gates of the tunnel either. And Bull said, well, how do you know that for a fact? Uh, or what about did the kid cross the road? And the head of the weasel said, well, he didn't know. actually, I know, because we could hear you coming. And they, Bull said, what? And they said, yeah, we use sound. Uh, uh, we, we, we monitor all the sound in the area. So at the tunnel, we know if the gates went up or somebody touched the gates, we can hear the road and the gravel on the sides of the road. We can hear the trucks coming. Uh, but we can't talk about that anymore. I shouldn't even have brought that up. Uh, so we, like, and what they didn't say, between the lines is we can hear everything in your whole town. But uh, Bull said, okay, well, can I just listen to the sounds? Maybe I could hear something that you didn't hear the night uh, Willow. Maybe I could hear them double-daring Willow or swimming near it. And they said, yeah, sure, sure, come on down to our listening lab, which was another level down, more modern. Uh, and as they walked, of course, the other two resource officers were like, well, is, so we were wondering, do you think, 
is it true humans evolved uh, or we evolved from humans? And they said, well, I don't know. We're just weasels, man. Do you think, like, uh, the, the humans returned? Uh, like, uh, and they, they said, again, we're just weasels. Uh, you never heard a human on there? Are those trucks driven by? And they, they did say, okay, I shouldn't have brought up the trucks, uh, the weasel said, but uh, they're not doing anything. They're just like some sort of, they go, yeah, there's automated trucks uh, permanently running some routes, uh, solar-powered so there's nothing to worry about other than, you know, the trucks coming at unpredictable times. Uh, and Bull said, well, why don't we work together to form an early warning system or something? And, and the, the weasel said, why don't you just stay off the road? Like, uh, And Bull said, okay, fair enough. Uh, he said, the trucks are just running. And they said, yeah, just running from, pre, you know, from the human days. Uh, but, yeah, there's no humans, nothing to worry about. And Bull said, well, that sounds odd to me. Uh, but then they went and listened, and uh, they listened, and they didn't hear anything. They didn't hear anything on the road. They didn't hear anything near the tunnel to go to the place beyond the swamp or the bog walk or anything. Not really very many sounds. Uh, so they left the lab. Uh, but as they left the lab uh, and got ready to drive off, they said, uh, to uh, the other resource officers, uh, like uh, they said, well, I guess that's it, except for that, well, you know, that's odd and all that stuff. Uh, and he said, uh, what phase was the moon uh, a few nights ago? And they said, uh, what do you mean? They said, did you hear any uh, croaking on those tapes? Uh, I think if you look up the phase of the moon, you'd realize that uh, that was a high croaking night and uh, uh, there was no croaking going on. As a frog, even I was thinking about croaking my heart out that night. And they said phases, and they, they, they were a bit confused because they didn't have as depth of knowledge that uh, uh, Leon did. Now, meanwhile, Dari had gone to school, uh, mostly just to check in, because as soon as she got there, the school uh, authorities were like, Dari, Dari, shouldn't you just be home? Uh, you don't need to come in. We were like... Uh, We'll send your work home. You don't even need to do any work right now. Just think about, you know, just rest with you and your mom and and, and take care of your mom. And Dari said, okay, well, uh, and uh, like, uh, I just got to get some stuff out of my locker. And they said, and then uh, uh, maybe I'll just have Babs collect my assignments. And the school said, okay, okay. But meanwhile, Tefe said, hey, uh, what, what if I collect your assignments? Uh, I could get your assignments for you. Babs, who? Uh, Tefe's on the job, Dari. And Dari said, shouldn't you be in class? And then actually one of the three said, Tefe, shouldn't you be in class? And Babs said, yeah, what class is Babs? And then Dari said, Tefe was huffed and went back to class. We really just went to the restroom. Uh, and then Dari said, well, what class is Babs in? And they, they said, uh, chlorophyll 104. And uh, she headed over there. She said, is Babs here? And the teacher said, Babs is out today. Uh, shouldn't you be home? Shouldn't you? I thought Babs was going to get your assignments. Uh, shouldn't you know where Babs is? Uh, and Dari said, weird. Uh, that's odd, but uh, thanks. Uh, and Dari left. 
And Dari got a feeling like, huh, that's weird. Uh, so she went to the phone and called. Now, this is back when you had to pay to use the phone, public phones, uh, ancient times to, to, to probably you listening. And she called Bab's house and said, hey, is Bab's there? And they said, Dari, is that you? Are you how's it, why are you calling on the phone? Shouldn't you be resting or... Uh, should you even be using your phone? Because not many people had call waiting in this day, and definitely not Dari uh, and Francis and Willow. And Dari said, no, no, uh, uh, why just, like, can I talk to Babs? They said, well, I thought Babs was at your house uh, helping out. Uh, she's not with you? And Dari, uh, and this was something Dari would greatly regret. She used to, she said, oh, sorry, I'm just so stressed about Willow. I forgot Babs was at my house with my mom and then went to, was going to go to the library. I went to school. I, I just went and they said, oh, yeah, that's what makes sense. Well, tell Babs to give us a call when you see her. And uh, uh, that's like, I uh, understand that your feelings and, uh, Dari said, oh, yeah, thanks. And the other thing I want you to know is that, meanwhile, like over there at the visitor center, they were listening to all of this. Uh, so uh, they were listening into all these conversations. And, and, you know, it's foreshadowing, okay, that they could hear everything we were saying. And they had, must have had the resources to listen to everything we were saying. They probably weren't listening as closely to at the middle school where uh, myself, uh, LJ, and Vaughn were trying to go to school. And we were on recess, and we were kind of t- planning on our uh, journey in dark and wood and just saying, Raceland or uh, Caramon, you know, uh, Tika, like uh, Golden Moon. We were talking about all our favorite characters uh, and kind of saying, okay, I can't wait to, to, to do that. Uh, and, but really, we were, like, hoping to find our friend Willow, right? And, and you know, maybe cover up our, our other feelings or distract ourselves with the feelings of adventure. But the two two of these riverbottom wannabes uh, from our school that weren't nice came up, and they said, uh, oh, look who it is. Uh, uh, one short of uh, a quadrant of something. I don't even know what they said. And we said, be quiet, uh and they said, L-O-Z-E-R or something. We said, what do you mean? And they said, don't you know, you like, uh, your friend Willow ditched you all. And they, we said, no, she didn't. And they said, yeah, yeah, we heard. My dad said that uh, Willow, like, went went out to Riverbottom to try to start her career. Because, you know, without you three dragging her down, like, she was the most talented. But she'll be back. Or maybe she won't. She'll just be like a busker, like uh, uh, tap dancing for nickels. Uh, they thought that was the funniest. And we were like, what are you talking about? And they said, listen, your friend Willow was uh, thought she had potential without you three. With you three, no potential. And we said, what? And they said, yeah, she always used to tell us uh, you were holding her back uh, in her career. We said, no, that's not true. Uh, she was our friend. And they, she said, well, you, she just needed you for rehearsal only. We said, but we played Bards and Bunnies. Uh, and then they said, that sounds like kids stuff. You, you know, change your diapers or something. And we said, oh. 
and they headed off. Now, back at my house, Billy was there, and she was kind of looking around our house. She was bored, and she actually snuck into Tefe's room and looked at Tefe's otter oils uh, and actually saw a picture of Tefe, Dari, and Babs, and she kind of paused and looked at Babs and had a sense of something. Uh, she even touched Babs' picture, and it kind of gave her the chills. Um, and then she went down, and she actually turned on the TV and was trying to watch TV. She wasn't super familiar with TV. And at some point, an ad came on with this music, a really popular song at the time. And it was for, uh, and they said, it's time to pump up the jam uh, with Dino Puff's uh, uh, Jam Edition. Uh, uh, pump pump it up. Uh, but Billy started looking, and then Billy started to drift into her own memories. And she remembered a mo- moment from not that long ago where she was in the visitor center in one of the lower levels uh, with Dr. Max and other other part, you know, other scientists watching her, and they were asking her to pump up a. Uh, puff up the cereal, like, and sing, pump up the jam. And she was. She was singing it through her bill and her throat uh, and puffing up the cereal to, like, 30 or 40 times its size until some of the marshmallow jam-filled puffs popped and covered everybody with jam. But they were very uh, impressed. Uh, But she didn't, she said, why am I doing this? I'm just a kid. And as she drifted, you know, back from that memory, she kind of felt forlorn and wondered when it was going to be like 315 or the two hands were going to be on the three. Uh, Back at Francis's house, uh, she was putting up wind chimes. Then she went to her work and bought more wind chimes. Then she bought uh, like uh, teacups and spoons and forks and uh, fishing line, anything you'd use to, to make, you know, bamboo, everything you could use to make homemade wind chimes too. And a new phone. And she told her boss, just let me, bu- just put it on my, you know, tab. Give me a break. And she started putting up wind chimes all through the house, just randomly, and, and then trying to make wind chimes. And my mom showed up to kind of make small talk and bring her uh, some lunch. Uh, in dinner, because my mom's like that, you know, she's uh, caring. But my mom also wanted to stick around and, you know, uh, check in. And she said, that's a lot of wind chimes. And uh, Francis said, yeah, yeah, Willow love wind chimes. And, you know, when I would make them. So I've been thinking about taking it back up to, you know, like. Uh, now, meanwhile, my youngest sibling followed the wind chimes in- into uh, Willow's room where the wind chimes started making this ominous noise, and then she thought she saw bunny ears outside the window, and the bunny ears were trying to open up the window with the ears, uh, which was weird, so she ran off. But meanwhile, Francis had run in there and run into her, and Francis was a little bit, you know, bent. She said, did you see bunny ears? And she said, well, and then my mom said, we got it. And she said, I think it's time for you to head out with your casserole. Thank you. I need to do stuff. Uh, and uh, she left it at that. Now back with the, uh, 
they had headed to the library where actually someone that Leon used to date was there and not too pleased with, but they said, we got to do some research. And they said, knock yourself out. And they started looking into stuff like the trucks uh, in the road in the visitor center. And they found out the visitor center was run by Dr. Max and that it was funded uh, to, to find out if humans were, not only if humans were real, but what if humans came to our swamp, like, uh, and that they weren't just using sound waves uh, to uh, listen into things, but what if sound waves could be used to keep humans? Uh, there's studies about uh, skeeters and stuff and sound waves. And then, like, making, what if the song of uh, young, uh, that some people had these young, powerful uh, sonic sound abilities, uh, like magic powers, what if those were real? And they said, Chief said, whoa, whoa, this is interesting stuff. Yeah, then it was, the two hands were on the three, so uh, Billy had headed out behind my house uh, to wait for us, and uh, we were headed there, but Billy had a little while and saw these ferns just growing and started again to drift back uh, to when she was back below the visitor center alone with a fern, and uh, Dr. Max had told her to start singing the song by BBD, uh, Bovine Beavers and Ducks, uh, like a band that we were, again, a very popular one. Uh, like, that was like a P-O-I-S, something, stuff not for good for plants, uh, like something in full effect. Uh, you ready? You know, and it had different, you know, cow sounds and duck sounds and beaver sounds. You ready? You ready to slap your tail? You know, that kind of thing. Slap, did a slap, did a slap, uh, like with your tail. And then, uh, uh, like she remembered that she was supposed to use that song to make the, the, some of the leaves fall off the fern. And she said, no. And Dr. Max said, dude, darn, go to your room, uh, uh, and be escorted by these two, uh, uh, weasels to your room, uh, no dinner. And, you know, just like any kid sent to the room without dinner, uh, especially like uh, for doing what they felt was within their value system, Billy was not happy. So she started to sing it to the two weasels that were supposed to escort her. Uh, well, from the Young Fun, the the famous movie about uh, the West and uh, these, young, these young beings that had fun with one another. Uh, she sang the song, uh, Lie Down in a, in a Haze of Glory. And she sang that song, and this bright light came that increased, immediately increased the weasel's melatonin production so much that when the light went away, they fell, fell, fell sound asleep. And Dr. Max watched all this and then swept uh, Billy up in his arms and carried her off uh, to, to dinner in bed. And he was very happy and pleased with her. And we, she didn't know if, like, uh, he was pleased with her by accident or pleased with her on purpose. Uh, and, it, you know, it created a, you know, low-level mistrust. Then we showed up, uh, like, and she came back and we said, are you okay? She said, yeah, just, you know, thinking about stuff. Uh, they said, well, let's go find Willow. And then we started going and, and we were telling her about how 
the, the kids at school said that Willow, like, and LJ and Vaughn were like, are you sure Willow, you know where Willow is? Uh, and I said, yeah, yeah, just uh, this way. Willow's here. And they said, well, our friends, everybody's saying that Willow just moved away to start her career. And we mean, well, what if that's the case? We're just wasting our time. And I said, I said, yeah. And she said, they're just, you know, they're just trying to upset your feelings. Uh, and I said, yeah, they're J-U-R-K-S. And, yeah, we talked about it. She said, no, 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 Willow's, Willow's your friend. She wouldn't leave without telling you to start a career. Or if you're, you were not, she would have helped you be better musicians if she thought that. And I don't think LJ and Vaughn bought it, but I did. I said, you're right. She's our friend. Uh, and she said, yeah, let's go find your friend. Uh, now, I don't, I'm not a music theorist. So this next part, uh, but so back at Francis's house, Willow and Dari's house, Francis was there. And she was working, uh, uh, tuning all sorts of wind chimes and waiting. And then finally the wind chimes started to ring. And she said, Willow, are you here? You know, ring yeah, uh, and Willow, you know, play do ra do ra mi fa sol la tido. If you're here, or you're 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 if you're really there, and she did across all the wind chimes, and then Francis said, "Talk to me," and then she, she just kept playing do ra mi fa sol la tido. Then she played other things, and then. Uh, uh, Francis went to a lot of work, which I can't get into, but arranging all the wind chimes uh, and trying to do it by notes, uh, like a giant wind chime piano uh, is the best way I could describe it. Uh, and then she said, you know, I gave you piano lessons, Willow, to play piano for me. Now, unfortunately, Willow did start playing songs, which were clearly songs uh, by Windchime Piano uh, for her mother or some other, you know, being did. And she played four different songs, but Willow, uh, uh, Francis didn't know what songs Willow was playing. And so she was like, I don't know what these songs are. What are you trying to tell me? And then the radio started fuzzing, but it was like it could only fuzz. And she said, oh, well, I'll turn the radio on. Oh, okay. And she turned the radio on. And uh, then she start, She then she then had to listen to the radio for a long time until the songs happened to come on, which I think probably Willow maybe had control over, but not a full control over. So it was like a two-hour period of just listening to the radio. But eventually she said, oh, okay, the first song... Is here I am, baby. Oh, okay, so you are here. And then the next song, she said, Oh, you're thinking about me, and I'm thinking about you. You're thinking about you. And then the next song was, Oh, I just want to hold you tight. Oh, so do I, Willow. I just want to hold you tight. What should I do? And then the last song was called Rush, Rush. And she said, rush, rush, where? Rush, rush. And then it felt like a bunny was jumping outside the house, a big, big bunny, rumbling, rumbling. And then it just kept playing the chorus, rush, 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 over and over again on the wind chimes and the radio in fuzz and wind chime piano. And then uh, Francis realized, okay, I better rush out of here. She rushed out of the house. Now, meanwhile, Dari had gone to, to, to again, kind of uh, retrace her steps with Babs, and uh, 
she did find where they had parked and maybe where Babs had gone off. Uh, and she followed Babs' steps and then she found some bunny goose feather goo. And then Babs' steps ended. And then after that were bunny, gigantic bunny feet, uh, hopping off into the swamp and towards where the, uh, the tunnel was. And she said, oh, no. And so she ran home uh, to her mom. And we, so meanwhile, we were like right on the edge of their property. And we realized that we said, this is Willow's house. Uh, uh, and that's where uh, Billy had led us. And then Vaughn and uh, LJ got really upset. They said, this is El- Willow's house. And she said, yes, yeah, she's here, Billy said. And they said, she's not here. Uh, we know that is a fact. Uh, why did you bring us here? You're just trying to make us happy so we'll be friends with you. And we said, like, why did you bring us here? She's not here. And we even checked. Uh, and this was before, like, after uh, Francis had run out of the house. So there was no one there. And there was no bunny there either. But uh, and then we were all arguing very loudly when we heard the sounds of the community resource it said, hey, community resource meeting. And so we followed it and we all arrived at the edge of town. And at a place that says no dumping like that, no one's supposed to dump any of their garbage there. And dumped at the bottom of this no dumping sign. It was a former dumping ground, but, you know, she, okay, we're re- restoring this dumping area. There was this gigantic pile of material. And this was like when cassette tapes and CDs and the records, they were all in production. It was records and cassette tapes and CDs and ripped open boxes and water lights, and everybody's gathered around chattering, and it got there just at the same time as we did. It had ambitions in the past of being a lounge singer uh, in a failed career, but I don't want to get into that. So like, picked one up and saw that it was Willow on the cover of this big record uh, singing, and then flipped it over, and they frowned and threw it on the ground, uh, because she had already been through something and gone and moved to the big city and moved home. And not in a positive way. But we saw it throw down. We said, what record is it? What is going on? And then we each just started to pick one up and everybody went quiet. And we looked at it and it was a willow on the cover of the album and she was singing. And then we flipped over and looked at the listing of the tracks and every single song uh, was like it had, it was like her first album or something, but it had been dumped. Uh, but it, they were all songs about our town and us in a non, like it was not a comedy album, but it was like, it was like a breakup album. It said that our town stinks. Uh, I'm better than you. you I'm best. You're the rest. Uh, Dari and Tefe sitting in a tree. Uh, uh, goodbye, Mom. Hello, City. Uh, Bull Baloney. Uh, there's songs. I can't even tell you what it said about Vaughn and LJ and I. Uh, never be the best. Uh, and then parentheses friend. 
And then consider this the end. I won't be back. That was the last song. And so I dropped, dropped from my hands. And then, of course, we were very, all very frustrated with Billy for leading us there. Because we said, why'd you lead us here? For our fr- like, uh, like, why'd you tell us our friend, the, 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 the weasels, the, the, they were right. Uh, how could Willow do this to us? And how could you tell us that Willow wasn't going to do this to us and move away to the big city? And I was so upset I ran all the way home uh, crying, I'll be honest with you. And my mom was there, and I told her, Emma really did move away and start an album. And it was like a, like a, totally like the album was about her angst around all of it, and, and my mom just held me. And meanwhile, Frances had run out of her house while Dari was running home to tell her mom that uh, she thinks that Babs was in a pickle. And her mom ran into her and was like, well, I just, like, so they just held each other beyond words, more than words, is what was going on between the two of them. And uh, then everyone held one another and said, let's go to bed and let's just hold on to those we care about because uh, it's such a precious reminder that all will be well. Uh, the loving embrace or the memory of a loving embrace of our family members. And so we went to bed. Good night. All right, hey, everybody, this is our new, well, not new anymore, but it, like if you're new to this series, it's new to you, right? Uh, so, And you could kind of start this wherever it is because our host, she's going to catch us up. Uh, this is our episodically modular. It has seriality, but the great thing about uh, seriality with Sleep With Me is you can listen to it in any order because Emma will catch us up. Uh, so this is our, I'm turning it over, turning things over to Emma Otter for our series uh, uh, Otter Things. O t t e r t h i n g s. Uh, hey everyone, this is Emma Emma Otter here. Sorry. Uh, and I'm just recording things, uh, and I uh, wanted to uh, say, okay, if I'm going to do this, and in, in, uh, I've been recording in sessions, trying to think of it from a radio mindset of saying, okay, this might be your first time listening. So I'm Emma Otter, and uh, I'm, I'm, ho- I'm hosting this uh, re- recorded radio program, or uh, whatever it'll be called in the future. And I'm telling you a story of my town and some odder things that happened there. And I want you to know that all will be well. I'm here telling you this story, and I'm in a nice, comfortable chair as I tell it to you. Uh, but once upon a time, uh, to, to, to say, where, where, where's, how, how do we get to where you're about to tell us tonight, Em? I say, okay, once upon a time, I had... Uh, a best friend and two other friends. Now, my best friend, of course, they know who they are. Uh, but I'm going to list all my friends together. And a new friend we had met. Uh, so I had uh, friends uh, Willow, uh, Vaughn, and Elijah, or V and LJ. Sometimes those two went by. And we lived in a town. I lived with my parents. Uh, Willow lived with her sister, Dari, and her mom, Frances. I have a brother, Tefe. Uh, and uh, we live in a town 
Another important person of our part in our town is Leon the Bullfrog. Uh, he's of our resource, like t- community resource team. And we all live in a swamp together. On three sides of the swamp, it kind of goes off uh, and goes into other swamps and other towns and, and things like that into the great beyond. But on one side of our town is the place beyond the swamp where we don't go. It's, uh, uh, I guess, you, I don't know if bisected is the right word, by a road uh, where r- r- random moments of vehicles will go by. And there's a tunnel to the other side of the swamp and there's old buildings. But it's a place we don't go. And I think that's it. We're in middle school. Tefe's in high school, my brother, with uh, Dari, Willow's sister. And I'm probably forgetting something, but one uh, night after playing Bards and Big Bunnies, which is a role-playing game my friends and I played, my friends uh, Willow, LJ, and Vaughn headed home. And Willow took a, a pass less taken, and, and uh, uh, no one knew. Didn't We didn't see hear from her for a while. Now, like I said, all will be well. We didn't know if uh, Willow moved away, which can happen from time to time. We kids dream of being musicians. We play a game, Bards and Big Bunnies. So we didn't know if Willow moved away to the big city, went on a goose chase. There's geese that were known to lead people on goose chases. Some people said we double dared her to go to the place beyond the swamp, which isn't true. And at the time, we started to wonder if there was a big bunny. We wondered that, uh, me and my friends, like uh, like from Bards and Big Bunnies. And so we went to look for my friend Willow. We didn't find Willow. We found a strange, uh, otter uh, person named Billy, a being. Otter body, or not an otter body, more of a, uh, like a beaver body with a duck duck's bill. Or a bill like a duck, a bit bit wider though. And we tried to help uh, Billy and brought Billy back to my house. Uh, and then we slowly realized that Billy had these powers. Billy could sing songs and make people freeze or uh, make things float or close things, stuff like that through the power of like this uh, throat bill singing music. Now, meanwhile, uh, uh, Francis was looking for Willow as well and believed, yeah, Willow probably didn't move away. But no one really believed Francis. And Fr- but Francis had made contact with Willow uh, through wind chimes and was hearing Willow. And, and Or people said, you think you're hearing Willow. Uh, and Dari was trying to help her mother... And at the same time, she went to her dad's house out in River Bottom to see was Willow there. Willow wasn't there. She went with my brother Tefe and her friend Babs. Uh, then she came out of my her 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 her, her, her dad's house and found um, Tefe and Babs K I S S I N G ing. It was a little bit of not happy about that, and then ba- then like they drove home, they stopped, and then Tefe and Dari were talking about it. Then they came back to the, the car, and Babs wasn't there. They wondered if Babs just walked home, but since then, Dari's been like, I think this Babs is like uh, Willow Babs. Something's odd. Um. 
And then Leon Bull, the community resource, uh, was saying, well, okay, where's the willow? Uh, I need to do my due diligence. And so I uh, looked around I said, well, we didn't double dare willow. I started to think there's something like going on in the place beyond the swamp, which was run by some larger community resource organization. Uh, bigger than our town, and a doctor named Max and Bull went there, and they said, "Well, uh, that's interesting. We don't have anything to do with it, but but, but uh, Leon suspected that uh, that was not the case. That they were not being honest there, and uh, that something else was afoot. Because clearly, there was like lower levels and all this stuff." Uh, and so, so a lot going on, mysterious stuff, and all the mysteries of the road and vehicles without drivers. And occasionally, this was the adult stuff. We kids more fantasized about it, but this idea of humans and, and uh, you know, oh, because I'm an otter, bull's a bullfrog. I don't know. You'll get you'll you'll get the the, the gist of it. Uh, we're, we're 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 people that live in a swamp. And so that's kind of where we left off as we're all looking in still like uh, kind of, oh, no, like, uh, sorry. It's so, it's so silly. The most important thing was uh, so we said, Billy, after we met Billy and started to become friends, Billy said uh, that uh, maybe Billy knew where Willow was. And we got a lot of hope uh, that Billy knew where Willow was. And then Billy uh, let us... Uh, uh, but eventually we found that Leon found that at the, like a, the dumping area, the former dump, which says no dumping now, someone had dumped a bunch of albums and music uh, made by Willow, like professional albums, records, CDs, and cassettes, ready for sale, but dumped there. A whole album, meaning Willow had moved away and recorded the, the album. We, I was very upset with Billy. So were all of us for leading us on a goose chase in some sense and giving us hope where really our friend had moved away. Also, the album was mostly making fun. Most of the songs were like uh, making fun of our town and us and our friends. Uh, now, meanwhile, and this is, I guess, where we left off, had headed back to Francis and Dari's house to tell Francis and Dari. Now, meanwhile, Francis had already said, well, I've heard from Willow, and that she had seen bunny ears and felt a bunny hopping and shaking the whole house. Uh, so she had run out of her house and just happened to run into her daughter, Dari, and they were holding one another, and that's kind of where we left, leave off with our famous, like most famous resident of our town, uh, uh, Mr. Antonio Banderas. Uh, thank you, Willow. Uh, the ladies, the gentlemen, the boys, the girls, the friends beyond the binary. It's time for other things. Splish, splash. Thank you, Antonio. Thanks so much. So we were at, at uh, Francis and Dari's house and Willow's house, and 
uh, Leon had come with some of the resource team, and they were looking around. They had they had listened to, to Francis say there was a big bunny. Uh, Willow's been talking to me through the wind chimes. So uh, uh, not an easy situation to deal with. And uh, Bull was trying to be as conscientious as he could and saying, okay, well, where'd you see the big bunny? Let's look around for it outside the window, eh? Its ears, like, tried to open the window. Okay, well, how clearly did you see it? How big was this bunny? But it was dark, and they had already found Willow's albums, which was the real reason uh, that Bull had come to the house. So then Bull said, listen, Francis, sit down. Like, uh, want to have this, uh, this, I have to write you a ticket for, uh, like, uh, but, but we'll t- we could deal with that tomorrow because you're going to have to come down to the transfer station and pay the ticket there because it's technically through the transfer station. We're non-biodegradable. We deal with non-biodegradable things because it seems like somehow your daughter... Uh, she's the only one whose name's on this album, other than, like, like, uh, so they've attributed it. It wasn't my idea, but it was, uh, joint protocols of community resources is most likely person with ownership. Uh, you know, you know how it is. So I need you to come by the transfer station where I'm pay this fine. It's not that bad and I'm sorry, but it, it, you have to do it. And you just have to confirm that the, the that this was Willow, even though we Willow's pictures on the album and her name, and the songs are all about us in the town and even me, and none of them are very nice, but that's fine. And Francis said, "No, no, 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 no. Those uh, those albums aren't by Willow. She's not in a, like a town, and she's not in a studio." And the, Leon said, kind of, okay, Francis, I know this is difficult. Like, I moved, when I moved to River Bottom to start my career there, I moved with a family. And then I made some choices and I put, invested too much in my career and I got like too many grand ideas and my ego got too big. And I came back by myself. Uh, And that's not, like, I've had a lot of ups and downs, and sometimes I haven't seen things clearly. And Francis said, Leon, this is a different situation. I understand what you're saying, but Willow is a kid. You moved to River Bottom as an adult. And while maybe an immature adult, when you moved there, you made your own decisions and followed your own path. Uh, and uh, that is not what Willow did. Willow did not go to River Bottom to start a career or anywhere else, uh, some other studio in one of the other you know towns known for music. Uh, she's somewhere else, and this isn't this, that's not her on the album. Another mine said, "Well, it is. Uh, so how do I help?" Uh, and he looked at Dari and he said, okay, well, just come by tomorrow and we'll figure it out tomorrow. Just get some rest. Uh, now, you also might be asking, what is it? What was it been Riverbottom? What's that, Willow? And I said, well, let me tell you just a touch about it because it might be confusing. 
but before, the chief was a resource officer, but always dreamed of being a lounge singer, which you might not know what a lounge or a lounge singer is. It was mostly based on a TV show that, that about this lounge at the top of a hotel with a piano lounge singer, and it was a sitcom. It wasn't a reality show. And that's kind of what a Francis meant is like, it was an immature decision, maybe. But the short version for right now is that a lounge singer, a lounge is like a place, it's a bit like a bar where grown-ups go. And it's different than a club where bands play because it's like somewhere in between just a place you go to talk and a pl- just a place you go to be entertained. It's somewhere in the middle. So a lounge singer can have a band but usually it's more of a performative thing, and they sing songs. I don't know how to explain it to people that, uh, but they sing these songs that are kind of fun to listen to. But it's 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 not quite background music. It's more than that. And the people that are really good at it, they transcend the, the that, and then it becomes a, a spectacle to see. Yeah, but I think you know that, uh, like, but there's other people that it's like hard to tell if they're serious or they're performing, but there's always a performative aspect. I don't know. I'm not good at like, uh, but they don't sing ballads, but they sing stuff that would be ballad-esque. Uh, and so we'll get back to it, but that was what I dreamed of. And uh, then uh, back to the Willow, Dory, Francis Leon situation. Francis started to not be, to be have strong feelings. She said, "You know what, Bolt? Just get, don't tell me to go to sleep. Uh, I know Willow's nearby. I know Willow needs us to to help, uh, but I'm not sure anymore about that. So I'm going to stay here." Uh, and then she said, so you're saying Willow's not on the albums? And she said, I'm not going to discuss it any further. Just come to the, looked at Dory and said, just come to the transfer station tomorrow and you could get a better idea of what I'm talking. And then uh, Francis said, good day or good evening. Like, I'm going to be here waiting uh, for Willow and I'm going to have her favorite uh, food. Uh, which is choco, vanilla, cocoa puffs, poofs, I'm sorry, dino poofs, which is uh, choco, vanilla, dino poofs, and I'm going to have a radio playing music, and I'm going to be here. And I know you might not think, you might think this is just all how I'm processing this, uh, the idea of my daughter moving away to start a music career. Uh, but it's just not the case. But I accept that that's how you're viewing it, and I need my space now. Goodbye. And so uh, Francis sat down uh, with the radio and the Cocoa Puffs, and Dari was kind of in a, a tough situation because Dari was just in a teenager and uh, said, okay, Mom, let me get you a blanket, and why don't you lie down and wait for Willow? In case you fall asleep, I'll also be here in my room. I'll keep my door open. Uh, but this is not, you know, this is not easy. Uh, like, uh, And so Dory had to do a lot of sitting and breathing. But also Dory's brain was saying, huh, there is something odd about this. I'm not sure if it's how my mom's grappling with this, but uh, or but Dari was also wondering about Babs, but none of it had come together in Dari's mind either. 
there was still doubt there about the authorities saying, you know, the authority figures saying this. But even as the authority, Leon, walked out to get in and drive away, something felt empty. Maybe it was the connection to his choice to be a lounge singer and that uh, it didn't work out for his family. And they said, well, we'd prefer you be a lounge singer by yourself or whatever. We're going to go uh, live a more structured life uh, or if it was something else. Uh, so Leon was frowning a little bit and, and, and drove off. Now, meanwhile, back at my house, I, I had still allowed Billy to, to, to come along with me because at this point it hadn't involved my mom or my dad or uh, any other adults, and I knew Billy would still need a place to stay. But I was steaming out my ears, and I was both MAD at Willow and Billy. But I was kind of directing everything at Billy as I was kind of tearing up some pictures of Willow and I and going through the gifts that Willow had given me, like friendship bracelets and those things, and dismantling them. Because I was convinced uh, my friend Willow had moved away to start a career without even telling any of her friends. And her first album was to make fun of us in the same way the the kids at school would make fun of us and, and uh so that we were never really friends, that Willow maybe was just uh I didn't I didn't get it. I thought I was friends with Willow. So and I was craw you know, making like uh like putting putting things on her face, you know, like uh you know, like like making swirls in her eyes and those kind of things and frowns. On her pictures. Meanwhile, Billy was like working on a tape recorder. So then that was, I said, can you stop with that? And Billy was kind of ignoring me. And I kept like trying to start FIGHTs, but Billy just kept, you know, and I was trying to, I was being not nice. And Billy kept working on a tape player and then started to play the tape player. Then it started to play backwards. Uh, first it was like a regular one of our tapes, uh, uh, it was, uh, George Michael playing forwards, like once, like, a, like a solo album. And then all of a sudden, it, like, Billy kept working on it. And then Billy looked at me and then the tape started to slow down and, uh, George Michael's voice got more slow and then it started to play, and I could even tell it's playing George Michael backwards. And I said, "Well, that's weird. It's very odd." And it was odd even to listen to that. But then suddenly, I started to hear Willow's voice coming through the speaker in the tape player, singing the same song, "Freedom." Uh, Willow was singing "Freedom." Get it? You know, the time, the place, whatever, like a brand new thing. Uh, rock and roll TV or something. But then Willow was making up her own lyrics about missing her friends uh, and uh, her mom and her sister and how much she loved all of us. Uh, like, not quite scatting, but singing about it. And almost, I think she even said, Emma, can you hear me? And maybe she went into another song and then went back. I don't know, because I was mesmerized, and I was looking at it. It was happening. I was watching the tape move. It was not my imagination. And I said, is that Willow? And she nodded her bill. 
And so I called up uh, Vaughn, and I said, Vaughn, uh, is LJ there? They were having a sleepover. And I said, LJ, Vaughn, they said, we're not going to school tomorrow. Uh, uh, we're going to meet up and find Willow. And they said, what are you talking about? And I said, don't worry. Just come over here tomorrow. Uh, don't go to school. We'll go to school late or something. Uh, and they, at first they were like, just have to do with Billy because they were also, they were mad at me and Billy in some sense and just frustrated. A little embarrassed because we said at school, everybody's going to know about this album too and that we were made fun of. So that was the plan we had that I had made. And then I was reconvinced. Will this? I knew that something was odd. Uh, and I had some hope that we would find our friend Willow. Now, the next day, Chief went to the transfer station, which is also like also part of a dump. But, you know, we'd use, like, again, we separate the compostables or recyclables. And uh, this, so this is more of a compost. I think people in the past called it a dump. But also a transfer station. So anything that wasn't, anyway, not in, super important. It was in the break room with... Uh, Texina, who was, she, she ran the transfer station and said, geez, Texina, can I have like a, what is up with these albums anyway? Did you look at them? And Texina said, well, the representative of the record company said uh, they didn't want anybody trying to sneak out with any of them uh, because it was like, I don't know, that and, and uh, but she said, yeah, I did look at it. It said like R&B music on the back and, uh, uh, she said, yeah, like it, we, we could look down because they could look down into the transfer station uh, from where the office was up in a tree and then see the pile of albums, uh, got some binoculars and looked R&B music. Is that like River R&B, River Bottom, something, I don't know, R&B music. And uh, she said, well, how would I find out more about it? Uh, and Texina said, go to the record store and ask uh, at the record store. And she said, oh, yeah, you're probably right about that. That's a great idea. Yeah, go ask Tasha at the record store. Okay, that's a good idea. And not long after that, Dari and Francis showed up, and uh, they both looked pretty, you know, like they could use a nap, uh, uh, but, uh, Francis was also very, uh, vocal cause she said, I cannot believe I have to pay a fine. Uh, I'm here to pay my fine for my daughter's uh, like, uh, stuff. And then we'll take it with us, uh, her albums and stuff. And they said, well, actually the records are stuff for property at the record company. They're going to pick them up and dispose of them. And then she said, well, why can't they pay the fine? They said, well, it's just a way the regulations work in our, you know, our area. I'm sorry. And she said, fine. Like, I just want to get this over with. Uh, uh, can I at least look at them? And they said, well, you could look at them at a distance uh, uh, because the record company doesn't, they, they want it all accounted for. And she said, this is unbelievable, but I'll pay. How much is a fine? And they said, uh, Texina said this. And then she, she said, I'll pay the fine. I'm, I just uh, like uh, wanted to get it so you could see it. Uh, and she said, no, no, I'll pay the fine. 
it's my daughter, but I want the album. And they said, you can't take it. The, the record company even has uh, some representatives here keeping an eye on them. Uh, and Francis wrote out a check and then stormed off to go look at it and then give the two record company representatives. Uh, they're really just part of the street team. Uh, a piece of her mind. And then she came back and she said, I want to, I want to hear, like, uh, she brought in one of the members of the record company street team. She said, I'm not, I'm not, I'm, I'm, I want my check back unless I can listen to one of these records. Uh, and the person in the street team said, sure, I'll play it like on my w- w- walk around tape player. And, uh, like in front of everybody, like, cause that's what the record company told me to do. And she said, play it. And, and she started to play, she started to play it, uh, over a speaker on a walk around tape player. And it was, uh, like, a, it was a little bit distorted, uh, if I'm honest with you, but that's maybe me looking back. Uh, but Dari said, huh, that sounds like Willow. And Francis has listened, uh, and Dari said, didn't, Fra- yeah, the, Willow knows this song. She sang it like uh, three or four years ago at uh, like, a, like a talent show. And uh, both uh, like nodded and said, uh. But Francis listened and said, no, 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 no. That is not what Willow sounds like. Uh, she sings, you know, when, when she's taking a shower. She sings when she's doing laundry. I hear her singing every day. That is not my current daughter singing. That's some sort of uh, nonsense. And Leon and uh, Dari looked at each other, and Francis stormed out. And Leon said, do you think, to, to Dari, like, do you think your mom's going to be okay? And Dari said, uh, does it look like it? And, and Leon said, no. And he said, so Dari or Willow sang that at the talent show? And uh, uh, Dari said, yeah, 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 a couple of years ago. We might even have a tape of it at home. I'll look. Uh, maybe I could play that for my mom. And, and the uh, chief said, well, leave it in your mailbox or something, Maybe I, or make a copy, and maybe I could play it for your mom. That might be easier. You just take care of her, okay? And then uh, Dari said, you know, um, I have another awkward thing. Uh, and then Dari went into a long drawn out and not accurate explanation explanation of uh her bar bab her babs and uh, Tefe's trip uh, to river bottom and then not being able to find babs but she kind of made it look like uh she tried to make everybody look good kind of looked at her and said well well i talked to babs parents uh, earlier and they said babs was so inspired by willow that uh she had moved to, like, I didn't want to tell your mom this uh, because I wanted to ease our way into it. But Babs uh, sent her parents a letter, left them a note, sent them a letter from Riverbottom uh, with the same stationery, R&B music, that she was just signed. And Willow is her mentor, even though Willow's younger. Dari said, huh. 
Doesn't sound Babs. Uh, does that doesn't sound like Babs? Uh, Babs doesn't want Babs is a men, not a mentee. She's a mentor. Like she wouldn't take advice from anybody, and, and she said she wouldn't do, join R and B music. Uh, like she she wants to be a pop star. If she was going to be a like a, that doesn't sound like a pop label. And then Dory went out of the uh, transfer station. And Francis waiting in the car. And they had a strong uh, disagreement about things. Because uh, Dory's just a kid. She said, what do you, Mom, like, what do you, like, back and forth kind of thing. Please be reasonable. Please help me deal with the situation. Not with the wind chimes and the stuff. Uh, and also the news about Babs, even though it didn't quite sit right with uh, Dory. She said, you know what, Mom, I'm going to walk home. And... Uh, I don't know how Tefe knows these things. My brother, the handsomest otter this side of, uh, you know, other than Antonio Banderas. Uh, but he had borrowed my Uncle Emmett's uh, truck again and pulled up and uh, saw Dari walking and said, Hey, you you need a ride? Uh, I'll give you a ride. And Dari said, uh, You can give me a ride, but don't talk to me. Just drive. And uh, Tefe said, Sure. Uh, and she said, Don't talk. Uh, and Duffy said, I will not, you know, and she said, no talking. So, and I don't want to have to talk to tell you not to talk. And Duffy said, oh, and then nodded and they drove off. Now, meanwhile, me and my friends were getting together and going over things. And again, they had a lot of doubt in Billy and my judgment. So we were going and I was saying, we were debating and then I was saying, you got to prove it to him, Billy. And she started to, it wasn't working as good as the night before, but she did get it to kind of play backwards, uh, Willow singing. But they said that could be anyone. But Vaughn, you know, LJ was like uh, the one who was first trying to find Willow. So he he was the one that was most upset because he said, what, like, this was all a goose chase. But Vaughn was kind of like, well, it could be Willow if only we had a way to, like, uh, amplify uh, or listen. Like, uh, how, how are you doing it? And Billy said, I'm listening into the tape, you know, those uh, pulling it from the air and into the tape. And then we said, oh, the big ear at school, the big listener. Uh, so we said, let's go to school. And then we said, we can't bring, a, like, a, a beaver with a duck's bill to school. And we said, well, let's dress up in period, like, because that was one of the things we did when we played Bards and Bunnies and other role-playing games is we would actually role-play. And that wasn't really out of character for us, especially since we were going to be in for a lot of embarrassment in school. So we all dressed up. And uh, we decided uh, to, to uh, there was like this one thing when we would go to the Bards and Bunnies fairs, there was uh, this uh, crew of washers, uh, the laundry crew, and they did a comedy and singing show that we really liked, uh, uh, the laundered uh, lasses and uh, lord. And uh, that was what they were called. So we said, okay, we could dress up as them. And then Billy, we could just pretend like uh, Billy's Billy's a duck uh, and not a beaver. So we got dressed up in those garbs and we headed off to school. But when we got to school, there was a, 
assembly going on about Willow. And we said, oh, boy, because we saw the big, like, sign, these banners out front and posters. It was from uh, a DeBark, Bark, uh, which, I, like, even Billy at the door said, DeBark. Uh, and I said, the D's silent. And she said, DeBark. Uh, and I said, it's just Bark, uh, D-B-A-R-A-C, with the D silent. Uh, and LJ said, yeah, it's for, uh, don't, uh, be around records and comic books. And they come to our school to give, uh, to talk about how records and comic books, uh, are not good for kids to read unless they're from the DB, DeBark Records and DeBark, uh, Entertainment, Illustrated Entertainment. So we went in, and then, of course, the whole assembly went quiet, uh, and some people were laughing. Some people were laughing at our period garb, but most people were laughing because they knew it was us, and they knew Will had made an album. They made fun of us. We sat through this, you know, tedious presentation about, like, uh, the new launch uh, of DeBark uh, Illustrated History or something, which was not a, a full history of anything. And then the assembly broke up, and then two of the kids that never nice to us uh, came up, and they started laughing at us uh, about how. And I said, "Willow is our friend," and because they were making fun of Willow, they were making fun of us. Uh, and uh, I got very, I strongly were used to I statements to tell them how I felt, which they couldn't handle. So they started having steamy ears. Uh, and one of them started to 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 to, to like uh, cause me, you know, their hackles were up. Uh, and what do I know? But Billy, I started to hear something in Billy's throat. Uh, and then uh, Vaughn was the first thing to say, "Is that that song? Uh, when I think about you." Uh, and then we said, "Oh yeah, it is." Uh, like we barely, we don't even know what that song means. But then we saw. Like, I Touch Myself was a song, and then everybody was laughing at the, the not-nice kids, uh, and uh, whatever. That, that was like, maybe I should just stop there before I get too deep into it. And meanwhile, the, the, Leon was looking into this. He said, there's something odd about all this. So Leon headed down to the record store uh, and said, have you heard about this? And they said, we're, it was just, they were just by yesterday to give me some copies of Willow's album. Uh, they, but they only showed it to me. And then they said, okay, well, this is coming out soon. Would you buy any? I said, this is an album of insults of our town. And they said, well, here's our catalog. Here's our upcoming releases. Uh, just let us know if you want to buy this album because, uh, and I said, well, how much is it? And it was like five times the rate of a normal one because they said, well, it's reflective of your town uh, and there'll be strong feelings about it. And I told them, I, you know, I'd lived here my whole life, so I wasn't interested. I mean, th that you weren't interested, but it's good. Uh, and I said, well, have you heard of this R&B Records before? And... Uh, and the record store owner said, well, it's strange. I've heard of R.N.B. records, but this is just R&B records. Uh, it's different. I've never heard of anybody in their catalog. 
most of it happens to be public domain, but that makes sense. Maybe it's just a like company. They're they're trying to do public domain. And I don't know what you're talking about. And uh, just give it to me straight. And I said, well, I think it's a joke, uh, or it's just the company's going to be a joke, uh, or their business model's a joke. Okay, well, any idea where I'd find uh, the, 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 like, the, it was the same people, like, and I said, yeah, the same, probably the same people watching, waiting for them to pick up the albums. And they said, staying at the motel. So I drove over to the motel where the street team was staying, staying, and he knocked on the door. He brought, a like, a, a pizza from our pizza place. He said, hey, like, I know you're all trying to wait for your records to get picked up at the transfer station. I brought you this pizza. And they were like, oh, wow, thanks, man. How'd you even know? He said, well, I'm the resource officer. This is pizza's a resource. Hardy, har, har. And said, well, okay, well, uh, anyway, you know, oh, man. Uh, and uh, then the, you made a lot of small talk, which was really boring. But then the guy said, you mind if I take my shoes off? And they said, your shoes off? We're eating pizza. Said, yeah, you're right. I got it. Like, I was over at, uh, on that bog walk and uh, got a sliver on the bog walk because it's so old. One of the two members of the street team said, yeah, but it happened to me once with my tail. Said, yeah, but I won't take my shoes off, uh, like here. Uh, anyway, enjoy the pizza. I better go. I could take my shoes off in the privacy of my own truck or office. Uh, when he left, he noticed there was another vehicle sitting out that drove off, but only in the back of his mind did he notice. Drove back uh, to, as fast as he could to the transfer station to wait for the record company people to come. On his way, though, he stopped at uh, the mailbox uh, of uh, Dari and Francis's house, which is way out on the road, so it's convenient, and the tape was in there. Uh, Dari, at some point, had put the tape in there of uh, Willow's uh, thing and put it in, in and listened to it as he drove uh, in the rest of the talent show because he was driving in his tape player and of his truck. And then the guy to the transfer station. The record company was just pulling up with a big truck uh, to load everything. Good, good. Get the junk out of here. Thank goodness. Uh, and they said, yeah, we got it. And they said, no, 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 let me help. I wanted this stuff out of town, back in, you know, b- b- fines paid. I want this. I want to move forward right now. Don't worry. I, like, uh, And it was a couple of people that had given pizza to her there, and they still didn't know that lured them with a little, a little tricky poo when he said he had gotten a sliver. So it was like, oh, you know, I'm not as young and spry as all of you. Don't worry. I got this box. So I'm, I'm, uh, and then they tripped uh, and then just spilled the whole box so while they were loading the truck. said, oh, boy, don't worry. I'll clean all this up. Uh, what a mess I made. But pocketed the cassette tape of Willows uh, and then said, okay, it's all good. Uh, you take off. Sorry about slowing you down. I uh, hope you enjoyed that pizza. Did I got to get back. I got to take my shoes off now. Oh, boy. And uh, got in the car, listened to the talent show again, and then put in the tape, uh, the Willow tape, which, again, there's just something that didn't look right about it. Uh, anyway, it was very highly produced, uh, the, the packaging and everything. 
It had the shrink wrap. The chief opened it up and put the tape in. And the first thing it started to play was the same thing they had played earlier, which was a talent show over and over again. And realized that it was the talent show run through some sort of audio processing to try to make Willow sound older. And as Willow's song came to a close, it just went into dead air. No more music after the one song from the talent show. The album was empty. There was no fast forward, flip the tape. There was nothing else on there. It drove uh, towards off to the uh, the place beyond the swamp and, and sat there and started to think about how am I going to get in there and find out more. And meanwhile, Dari and Tefe had gone back to Dari's to check on uh, Francis and make sure Francis had lunch. Dari had to wait in the car. Or, I mean, Tefe had to wait in the car. And then Dari said, I want to go look where we last left off with Babs. And uh, Tefe said, why? And Dari said, something's odd. Uh, I don't think Babs, like they said Babs, because she'd already filled Tefe in on Babs' thing. She said, but I don't know anymore. And Tuffy said, are you sure it's not because you're, you're having a strong reaction to your sister and your friend now? And then Dari said, don't worry about it. Let's just go. And then Tuffy said, well, it's been a few days. Uh, and you said you saw a bunny track. And then uh, they went back to where Dari had seen a big bunny track. Or maybe Dari had thought. Uh, Tuffy said, that's just a, like a, where the mud sinks. uh due to different, you know, densities in the water. It's not a bunny track. And uh, Dari said, well, it looked like it was yesterday. And there's really no way to find any tracks. And she said, well, there was like a goo with goose feathers and bunny fur or something. And Debbie said, well, sometimes, you know, like if there's a stick, more than one animal are going to run into it as they go by, you know, like uh, just like... Uh, more than one person trips on a log. And then Dari said, when you were um, kissing Babs, uh, what was it like? And uh, Tefe said, well, you should ask Babs what it's like kissing me. And Dari rolled her eyes. She said, Tefe, I'm serious. Like, uh, what, how did she seem? And he said, well, bubblegum breath. Uh, she seemed in, focused uh, in the moment. Uh, and uh, Dari said, did she kiss you like she was going to kiss you again? And Tefe said, yeah. Like, uh, she did say, wow, this is pretty nice kissing you, Tefe. Uh, you're not as bad as a kisser as I thought. We'll have to do practice again, but we should probably, we don't want to get caught by Dari. And Dari said to Tefe, don't you think that's odd? And he said, what, that, that she enjoyed kissing me? And Dari said, well, I'll give you that point. But no, the fact that it, she wasn't kissing you like it was her last time kissing you. It was like her first time kissing you, right? Tuffy said, well, technically he would ki- like, sure, yeah, what, like it was our first time kissing. And then Dari just started to walk around my uncle Emmett's car and said, geez, if we just had some other way to know what happened when we walked off and left Babs here. 
Like if we could just ask someone, if someone was sitting here watching or listening, uh, did she, did she walk home or not? Do, do, like, uh, it doesn't make any sense. Uh, and Tuffy said, do you think, I've just been thinking about your sister. Do you think she recorded that album in a studio? And Dari said, Tefe, like in, in Tefe was like in Riverbottom in a studio. And Dari's like, Tefe, I'm trying to figure out Babs and not my sister right now. Are you paying attention? And Tefe said, well, I just started thinking about it, like the studio in studio sound. And she said, why? And he said, well, you know, my uncle Emmett was big on not studio sound and like trying to create sounds in uh, record albums in places like that had real resonance. Uh, and she, she said, well, what does that have to do with anything, Tefe? I like, uh, well, he's like, well, just when I'm with a truck, because Uncle Emmett had invented this thing, Uncle Emmett had this theory. When he was on the road, sometimes he would think of songs. He had no way to record it. And sometimes when they'd be on a road trip with members in the band, they would even make music. Uh, and so he invented this thing in the back uh, that's linked to the engine. Uh, but it's a rolling recorder whenever the engine's running. And the engine was running the whole time we were here that night, even when I went off to follow you. And Dari said, Tefe, you're kidding me. Uh, how do we play it back? And Tefe said, oh, we just do this. Uh, and then they started to play it back. And he said, yeah, this is, my mom used to call this a contraption, not a contraption. And uh, they started to play it back and they rewound it. Uh, luckily, they hadn't been driving for 30 minutes total. Uh, so right at the beginning was a, Tefe saying, Dari, wait, Dari, and then closing the door. And then eventually Babs getting out and closing her door. And then Babs saying, what a cute little bunny. Come over. Whoa, you're way bigger than, and then Babs talking about, goo and then like a, a, a thunderous bump, bump, bump. Uh, and then a crunching of carrots and then uh, almost like the singing of go to sleep. Uh, and then Babs saying, I'm so sleepy. Uh, also, while this was happening, at the place beyond the swamp, while uh, Leon was looking in, deep down below uh, the bog walk and the visitor center, uh, they had found uh, a, a, like a strange, gooey, and shimmering entrance into uh, like we didn't. I, don't, I mean, I'm just seeing this as a memory right now, but it was also like a bunny's den. And someone was in there on the radio, and they were all listening and said, okay, I found it. It's like a, it's kind of like a gross playroom, uh, uh, but it's like, just like uh, set up like our a miniature version of our world. Like there's different, uh, you know, like people put them up for the holidays. Like this is like that. Uh, it's a playroom that looks the same as our town. And they said, okay, what else do you see? And they said, wait a second, there's another door here. Oh, there's all these cradles in, in here. And there's two. And then all of a sudden there was a shaking, just like they, Dari and Tefe just heard. And then the carrot crunching. And then a clacking of beaks. Uh, gentle, gentle clacking. 
And they said, uh, oh, boy. Uh, oh, no. It's uh, Is that a high bunny? Oh, oh, is that a goose head? I'm getting so sleepy. And then the radio or whatever cut out. At the same time, we were at the school after we had left the assembly and we were, we had gone into where we could use the big ear, the big sound collector. We were trying to start to listen in and, and get Billy acclimated with it. Now, Billy was having a, like a, a drifting into memory of back to like when she lived with Dr. Max, uh, and Dr. Max had had a crush on someone and asked her to kind of listen in to them through the radio. And unfortunately, when B- Billy was listening in, she started to play it at every radio in the visitor center on all levels. Uh, and the person Dr. Max wanted to listen to was telling her friend that she just wanted to be friends with Dr. Max because he was a little bit, there's something about him she just didn't like, uh, so Dr. Max was pretty upset, and then Billy was upset because she wanted Dr. Max to be happy. And she said, yeah, then she started talking about Dr. Max's wild theories about humans and stuff like that. But then D- Billy drifted back to us and started to tune in, and then we started to hear Willow singing. And at first she was singing a song, Unbelievable, which we all knew was really popular and we liked uh then she started singing a song uh, for like a, a "Show Me the Way," not the like a new current version, not not a remake of the uh, older version of the song. And then all of a sudden, I started to feel all of us singing the song or different songs, and it was like my whole head was filled, and the music was bi- bi- building. But I could also feel Willow singing it to us, like, "Hey, come and find me." This is unbelievable. Show me the way. It was almost like we were all together. I felt this unity. And I also felt this unity with Frances, who was at her house. And at first, she was listening to the radio. And then the radio and the wind chimes all started to play these songs. And she could hear Willow singing and us singing through the radio. And the wind chimes were playing underlying music. And then she got up. And then she said, Willow, show me the way, show me the way to find you. And then the wind chimes started like, uh, which she didn't realize at the time was like, they were like uh, getting all, like they're bouncing against each other and getting tangled. Uh, But then she started to feel hopping, hopping, her house was shaking, uh, like a thunder, and then she started to hear the clicking beaks, the same ones from the lab, the same ones from the recording. And then the crunching of carrots, uh, and then like uh, Willow saying, still singing, but then sounding like, wait a second, uh, oh, it's time for us to go to bed, time to stop singing, and then the bunny not singing but in everyone's minds, all of our minds, Francis's mind, and with Willow saying, I want you to go to sleep and singing this lullaby. And then we all found ourselves uh, falling asleep. But not only that, everybody at school fell asleep because we were broadcasting it in, in, uh, subconsciously to the whole school. 
we all drifted off uh, to a deep sleep. Uh, uh, and that's it for now. Good night. All right, everybody. It's time for our uh, episodically modular with slight touch of seriality series uh, that's produced uh, not here but elsewhere. It's a historical account uh, I was ma- able to maintain, uh, maintain, acquire. Uh, I was gifted. It was sent to me uh, by uh, someone so wise that I'm turning the show right over to them. Uh, without further ado, I'd like to turn the show over to Emma Otter. Hi, hi, everybody. This is Emma Otter. Uh, I'm an otter named Emma. And I'm recording a series of, uh, like, accountings of uh, something that happened in my town, uh, some things that were very odd, and uh, that I call uh, the odder things that happened in my, you know, it's in my, like, it's not in a diary, though, because to me, you know, no offense, but you say, oh, Emma has a diary, and I say, no, no, this is a, like, a, like a, I'm, a, like a, I'm a budding journalist, I'd say audio journalist ideally so just just so you know but but so uh, i'm emma otter nice to meet you uh, i live in a town in a swamp uh like a smaller a smaller town not a small city but a town and you know we live in the greater swamp area like you may be familiar with some of the bigger cities like henson town and river bottom uh, but we're out on the edge. You know, in three directions is the greater swamp area uh, that we know of. And then uh, in one direction, we're right up against the border of the place beyond the swamp uh, where we're not allowed to go. And it, uh, there is things beyond there. You know, I haven't been beyond there. But uh, th- there is a thing called the visitor center and a bog walk and... It's separated from the swamp by a road with a tunnel. And there's mysterious like vehicles without drivers. That's giant vehicles that sometimes go on the road. And we do know that uh, uh, the head of our resource, our community resource department, uh, Leon the Bullfrog, who is also an important member of our community, has been there. Uh, mostly asking, oh, to get to my, to get to me. So I'm Emma Otter and I'm in middle school. I have uh, a family, my mom, my dad, my sibling, and then my older brother, Tefe. He's in high school and he kind of knows everything and knows everybody and has best. He says, I'm the smoothest otter, you know, that's ever was. But I also have three friends, all, you know, all who could consider themselves my best friend. Or maybe now I guess I have four friends. Um, and, you know, they know where, you know, wherever they hold in their heart that they are and I am in our friendship, they're correct. And I'll describe them in no particular order. So I have uh, some friends. Uh, I have a friend, Elijah, that I, I call LJ. Another friend, Vaughn, that I call V sometimes. And then uh, uh, my, my, my friend named Willow. Uh, and we have our new friend that we met recently, uh, Billy. 
And when we met Billy, it was when we played this game, a role-playing game called Bards and Bunnies. And one night after we played, Willow went home, but Willow went on a, a journey. And I'll tell you in telling you these stories that in the end, all will be well. Things will be odd, but things will be, because, just because things are odd doesn't mean they're well at the same time. So all will be well, even when things feel and seem, or you say factually, they are odd. So I want you to know that as well. So where was I? Uh, oh, so Willow, when we, we said we had been told Willow went to the big city and recorded an album, and they'd even discovered some discarded copies of Willow's album. Uh, which, you know, Willow is in middle school. There are, you know, successful middle school musicians across the swamp, greater swamp area. But it was kind of surprising because Willow hadn't told us about it. And then the album, a lot of the songs in the album passively, aggressively, or directly kind of made fun of our town. And the people in it, including our, us, me, and, my, and our friends. So we were disappointed we also felt like, well, this is odd. This isn't like Emma. At the same time, before we knew about the album, we were looking for Emma because we thought, you know, with the lore of the big bunnies, that maybe Emma got caught up with a big bunny type thing. And we went and looked for Emma, and that's when we met Billy, who's a bit being like a bit like a beaver, but with a duck's bill, uh, more or less. But I say, well, that's a giant, it's a pretty big bill. But it's like a, like right size for Billy. We also learned that Billy has powers, a power kind of like singing from within her bill or her throat and then to active singing. Much like in the game Bards and Big Bunnies, she has magical or superpowers or some sort of uh, energy-based power that's beyond our understanding. And when she th- sings, she can make time slow down. She can move objects. She can inc- amplify uh, songs and kind of communicate. Because uh, that's kind of where we found out last week that uh, actually uh, Willow was somewhere. Wasn't gone to sell an album, which we had thought, but was somewhere and kind of needed us to come help uh, help her uh, keep all as well. It was, she was involved in some sort of odd uh, confluence of events. And, uh, like, uh, we said, Billy, do you know, because Billy had contacted her through a tape, tape player playing backwards, but we'll get to that. We said, Billy, do you know where uh, Willow is? Meanwhile, now Willow has a family. She has her mother, Frances, and her sister, Dari. And Frances at first said, well, I don't understand why my daughter would move away and start a music career without informing me first. While that seems normal for some teens or preteens, it doesn't seem like Willow. And she refused to believe it even when they showed her. They said, well, this is the album she recorded. Uh, It was discarded. They played something that supposedly sounded like her. Uh, It was a song she had sung in a talent show. Uh, But Frances just refused to believe it. And then she had thought she had been in contact with Willow uh, through some uh, wind chimes because she's a bespoke wind chime maker. She also had commercially made wind chimes. 
and uh, Frances had become pretty convinced that she was in contact with Willow and that there was big bunnies around and that maybe a big bunny uh, was having, and this is maybe the conclusion we had, that Willow was with a big bunny in a recreation of our town. There's maybe a smaller, smaller size down or something. Anyway, but at this point, uh, Francis is really starting to wonder, maybe I'm wrong. Maybe uh, Willow did move away and start a music career. Uh, Dari, Willow's older sister, is also uh, trying to help her mom, trying to manage. She, she also has a friend, Babs, that her and Tefe had gone with. And then now Babs has moved away, apparently. So Dari's like, oh, there is something odd going on here. But I just wanted to catch up. I'll catch up on more. But if you've never listened to one of my audio broadcasts before, that's fine. You can listen to these in any order. That While there is a seriality, I make sure to catch you up on the seriality so that you can listen in an episodically modular way. So I'm happy to be here, and I'm also happy to introduce, you know, maybe our most famous resident. Also to remind you, all will be well. All will be well. Uh, but when you hear this voice, uh, you know everything will be well. It's uh, Mr. Antonio Banderas. Uh, thank you, thank you, uh, thank you, everyone. As the ladies, the gentlemen, the boys, the girls, the friends beyond the binary. Everyone in the greater swamp area is time for otter things splish splash. Wow, thank you, Antonio. Thank you so much. Uh, and I look forward to playing a uh, uh, game with you later. Thanks so much. And this is uh, Otter Things, and I'm Emma Otter reporting. And when I last uh, talked to you, uh, like uh, we had, uh, it was in, it was the evening, and uh, Leon, our head of community resources, had just headed uh, like uh, he, he had to slowly put together. Well, there's something odd going on beyond the swamp. They're not telling us everything about Willow. I think they know something. Then the discovery of the albums for Willow. Everything tr tried to, like, fit together too well, and it was odd. You know, the, uh, the Leon Scott said it was odd. And Leon eventually discovered that uh, through, through a series of deduction and intuition and investigation that uh, the Willow's albums were fakes, uh, that there was no music on the albums, that the only music was on one uh, thing, and it was just a... Like a, a, a like changed version of the recording of Emma at a, a, a like years ago, I think they call it auto auto tune or something. Uh, and that uh, like that uh, uh that it was just a recording of Emma from uh, like a, a what do you call those things show and tell uh, it's a, a talent show. How come they don't have journalism? How come you can't do if, – if you're listening and you're a kid out there in the greater swamp area or someplace beyond the swamp, uh, maybe do some journalism as a talent, for a talent show. People may not like it, uh, but they'll appreciate it one day. Or that's what I keep telling myself. 
But so Leon had realized, okay, there's something odd here, something going on in the place beyond the swamp after the bog walk in the visitor center. And I think they're connected. Why would anybody else fake it? So Leon snuck in, uh, first snuck across the road to the place beyond the swamp, but then uh, actually swam next to the bog walk instead of walking on the bog walk, which led to the visitor center and waited until some people were leaving work because people work in the visitor center. It's some sort of uh, greater swamp community resource authority thing uh, going on there. And so Leon snuck into the building. And the first floor looks like not like a, it's kind of a rundown area, like a cover and then snuck down a few levels, which, again, each level got a little bit more polished and a little bit more. But even the third level down was still a cover, at least to Leon, who said, okay, well, this is looking like an office where they do basic studies of swamp, greater swamp area and bird call analysis or, you know, anything. He said, okay, well... Uh, but then Leon saw that there was, like, a... Uh, like a, a like a stretching room that stretched downward, and he said, "Okay, I got to sneak in there." But as Leon was trying to sneak in, he realized that the door was like like it had a like it needed a key. And then the head of uh, the the like the, the people that watch over access to the visitor center said, "Hello, hello, Leon. You're not mighty late at night to be wandering around our visitor center." And he was with some assistants, and uh, Leon said, oh, yeah, you're right. Uh, um, and then they went back and forth, and Leon was trying to play. Well, you know, I just I left my uh, hat somewhere or something. And then Leon looked it down. And meanwhile, now, while Leon was talking, he was making eye contact with everyone. But at the same time, and this is that you could use this maybe if you need it, Leon was un tying Leon's shoes with his heels. Uh, and then he said, okay, well, might as well, where, where, you need to escort me out of here. Oh, my shoes are untied. And here in our, our town, maybe the greater swamp, we have this thing called uh, everybody ties your shoes or reties your shoes. It's just something we are taught as kids. Uh, if one person's shoes untied, and it's a part of community building, but it's also a smart thing. You say, okay, untie and tie your shoes. And uh, everybody that's ever lived, like, that we know of says, oh, okay. So Leon said, oh, even adults. So even it seems like childish to maybe someone that doesn't live here. But you say, oh, everyone does it. Uh, so Leon said, oh, we got to stop and tie our shoes. And since it's my fault, uh, I'll tie your shoes. And this is kind of something different from town to town. And Leon said, you know, I'm a, I'm a civil servant and you, you know, I, I've like, you know, so they said, all right, uh, in our area, this would not seem like an odder thing to have another adult tie your shoes or to stop and untie and tie your shoes. And Leon said, did you, did you know, like, he's very good at casual conversation. So he said, did you know I was, like, I'm the fastest shoe tire? Did you remember? And actually one of them said, oh, yeah, you were on the high school shoe tying team. 
And so Leon started trying to, he goes, yeah, I'll speed tie your shoes. You, don't, you won't even be able to see my hands moving. Now, meanwhile, what Leon did is like tied all their shoes together. Uh, and then as he was doing that in like their ankles and everything, he tied his shoes too for real. And then grabbed the keys off of the key band, you know, the key holster from the person and then ran and unlocked the, the, the stretching room. And then they didn't realize it. They just thought he grabbed their keys. So they stumbled and he used like, you know, fishing knots and stuff. So they weren't about to get their shoes untied anytime soon. And so he jumped in and went in the stretching room, locked the door behind him you know, did the old thing where you put the key in and you uh, bend it so it stays in there so you can't unlock it again and headed down. And then he was on a journey. He went down to, like, another level. It was just offices, uh, like office space, like cubicles, they call it, like where you don't get your own room. You just have a desk with uh, some walls around it. Then he went down another level uh, and it was more offices, and he said, this is, like, uh, not odd. I guess this is, like, uh, some sort of off, like uh, office building that descends. Uh, then he had to go all the way down to the end of the hall. Uh, then he f- finally said, well, this isn't it, but he, like, did some, he, he's, you know, he's deducting. He said, well... He started to look at the patterns on the floor and the traffic patterns and determined that there had to be some sort of hidden door behind one of the office bookshelves and went, found that door, went down another level. But it wasn't anything. It was a, it was a big cafeteria like you'd find in a school or a big workplace, uh, particularly in, in our time, like, uh, the 1990s and, so he said, okay, well, it's like a cafeteria was shut down for the night. Uh, then he went past the cafeteria. Then again, he had to find like another, like he said, oh, okay, there's, why does this cafeteria have two sets of freezers? Of course, because one set of freezers is fake. It's just a pass-through room. Passed through that room, and then he found a dormitories, and he said, well, that's weird. There's dormitories. This is for workers? Maybe workers, I'd say. And then he was in the dorms, and he could have sworn he saw singing. So he's running from dorm room to dorm room, listening. And he could have sworn he heard the song Step by Step. Uh, that's by uh, New Frogs on the Block. Uh, and he was like, wait a second, is that step by step? Uh, and he was running through his steps. And finally he came in a room that looked like a kid's room or, or a, like a, it had some drawings on the walls and that stuff. Now, right as this was happening, we were in my basement of my house, uh, Billy, Vaughn, LJ, and I. And this was right when, like, like the last time I was telling you, we were playing this tape backwards, we were listening to it, and we were hearing, like, I say, uh, like that we were supposed to, and then we said, we kept playing more and more, but eventually Billy's power battery, like, the battery was stuffed as elf as Billy's power, the battery ran out. And we were like, okay, wait a second, what was that song? We, the first few songs we knew, but then we were like, are these made-up songs? Like, there was something like, we said, okay, sense, a sensibility? 
like one sense as strong as uh, like when we were like, wait a second, uh, can't sound sense sound. And uh, we were like, wait a second, I don't know. And then someone was like, no sound size sounds sound sounds. And we said, no, no sound size down. And then, uh, Billy said to size down, uh, like, uh, like, uh, and, and she showed her, like, uh, the Bards and Bunnies thing. Like, this is, like, size down, size down. And we said, okay, but the no sound, size down, no sound go. And then we said, then, it's, then Vaughn said, wait a second, uh, uh, no sound, something, other than, so there was something in there about up and down. Like in the silent tower, we said the silent tower. Like remember the now the the, uh, the Southern Swamp trilogy, and then we tried to write our own adventure based on it. And then we said, "Oh yeah, 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 that was what that tower that grew up and down, and it was not. It looked like it was uh, made by hand, the part that grew up, but it really was organic." And it had all, like, oh, yeah, that was, like, so ripe for building an adventure because you could go up and then you would discover at the top that you had to go all the way down. That was real adventure. And Vaughn said, though, that's where the Silent Realm was. Uh, and we kind of forgot. We said the Silent Realm. And Vaughn said, yeah, where the the... They like there's something in there and a power like uh, some sort of mysterious power. Remember, we didn't know if it was magic or other world power. But that in the lower world, you couldn't communicate by sound. Uh, The sound was amplified and decreased at the same time or something. And so you had to communicate. Remember, that was like the part of the you guys didn't read the backstory I wrote. We said, oh, yeah, but can you refresh our memory? And Vaughn said, okay, like, uh, there was a, a wizard, again, that was the one who found the part going down. And the wizard tried to uh, uh, create the part going up. And when the wizard did that, uh, it, the wizard in all the wizard, the, the whole town, because the wizard was going to do it as a monument this was a this was the humans back when there was humans. This is that myth, uh, and you know, as a, a tribute to humans and humanity, it was a human wizard. And then the all the the, the entire city and the wizard get, got sucked into the silent tower, and that became the soundless realm. And eventually, well, in my backstory. They learned to communicate through telepathy, but that was like, a, like that was one of the many stories I wrote. Okay, so what was your point, Vaughn? I said, and Vaughn said, "Well, that sounds like size down, go down. Like maybe it's like a." And then we looked at Billy and we said, "Is there a place like that?" And Billy kind of stared at us and kind of nodded, size down. Size down. And we said, okay, well, that's odd. Uh, and then we said, well, how do we get there? How, how did they get there? Uh, 
We said, well, those weren't really ant, but like that's one. So that's what I was writing the backstory for. We still didn't know where, like the the tower. One theory is that the tower is a single being. The other is that it's collective being. Another thing was that it's a force, uh, uh, but it was definitely a living thing, like some sort of entity. And it had incredible power. And I said, well, could it have just been a power source? And, and Vaughn said, well, it was a por- portal. Uh, remember in one of the books, it, and we said, oh, yeah, yeah. And, yeah, those one of the portals was to the silent realm. And then LJ said, well, what if it's uh, there? The, we, we could find a, what if it's something like it's not there's there's no tower it's before the wizard discovered it uh and maybe it's a small something maybe it hasn't grown size down we all said huh that's spot and we said what about uh what about that billy what would we be were we on to something and billy kind of looked at us and nodded again and meanwhile, uh, while we were talking about this, uh, the, and then uh, Leon said, stopped hearing the singing after they had wandered in uh, to the one room that had that looked like it was a kid's room or a preteen's room. Uh, Leon said, last heard the ha- like singing down the hallway. Uh, Leon found uh, through, through a couple through a broom closet, of course, uh, and then passed. They said, look, well, passed a bunch of brooms and all that. Uh, and then a office that had tons of computer equipment, then down a staircase, and then a storage room. Uh, the chief eventually found this glowing spiral staircase leading down, further and further down. And the glowing felt so close, but always far away. Uh, and then eventually the, the leveled out. Uh, and then uh, Leon saw something glowing and went uh, towards it, uh, but then uh, heard something shuffling behind him, uh, someone shuffling with uh, shoes that didn't have shoelaces. And then they sang, it was, a, it was, a, it was another frog, and it sang uh, a famous bullfrog lullaby that put Leon right to sleep, and he fell right asleep. Uh, so that was odd. Now, the next day, uh, we were, we were over at, uh, Francis and Dari and Willow's house and, and Francis had spent most of the night on the couch trying to make sense of this album and paying the fine. And she was awoken by her, the arrival of her ex, Lenny, who showed up and Lenny said, Hey, uh, I'm here to help, uh. Uh, here's some breakfast, uh, have some breakfast. And, uh, Francis said, what are you doing here? Like, uh, I don't think we like we're re- really, uh, and uh, Lenny said, don't you know, like, uh, tomorrow's community resource day. So I thought I'd give you some support since the town's probably going to be pretty upset. I heard everything about the album and all of that, and I just wanted to help you get it all figured out, uh, because everybody at town's going to be probably pretty and have strong feelings about that. Uh, your daughter made an album making fun of the town and everybody in it, and most people. 
uh, and uh, Frances was pretty like, she said, yeah, but I'm more concerned about Willow moving away and finding where Willow's live. Like why, like, uh, I still don't understand why Willow wouldn't at least keep in touch with me. And so I'm having feelings about that. You know, I'm trying to just reassess, uh, my parenting style and wonder where the communication or how I didn't create an opening, no open enough space uh, for Willow to be heard about her hopes and dreams. And Lenny said, well, that's why I'm here to help. Like that's never been your strong suit. And Francis in her mind said, yes, it has. Uh, but I think it's good. Lenny said that you're accepting that, uh, Maybe we have to f- figure out a way together to communicate and get in touch with Willow about her new career and her album. You know, so we'll figure it out together. We'll get in touch. And then Dari had woken up, uh, and Dari saw Lenny and rolled her eyes. And Lenny said, hey, Dari, can I talk to you? And, and uh, Dari said, what do you want? What are you doing here? And, and Lenny said, I'm here to help you and your mom. Uh, and Dari said, well, you have, you, you, you've helped a lot by not, you know, you're, and, and Lenny said, well, I'm here to help. Your mom needs help right now. And not eye rolling and uh, judgmental tones. And Dari said, well, I got to get out of here anyway. I got stuff to do. And Lenny said, well, it's Community Resource Day. So we all have to go to the Community Resource Day event. Um, and she, she said, you got to be kidding me. And then Lenny said, go in your room and get dressed for a community resource day. I realized with all the hubbub, you forgot about it, but it's our most important day in our town. And we're going to be there to represent, and uh, it's a requirement, so I don't know what you want. Uh, and uh, I guess Dari said, yeah, I guess you're right. I do. It is a requirement of living in our town. And I'll explain that in a second. This is Willow telling you that. But, uh, and then Lenny said, you know what? And, and take down these posters of these like, uh, musicians you look up to, especially that poster that, uh, otter, like otter band, uh, jug bands are for, because jug bands are for people that drink from jugs uh, and do the laundry outside. And Dari said, if you haven't looked, we do our laundry outside. Uh, and he said, well, don't drink from any jugs, is what I'm saying. So take down that poster. It glamorizes jug drinking. And Dari said, they're playing the jug uh, as a musical instrument. It's a jug band. And he said, that's a waste of a wash tub. If you got to do your laundry outside, uh, uh, then for Lenny said, you got to drink from a jug to have an empty jug to play. So take that poster down and respect your mother and no more music in this home while I'm here. Uh, and, uh, uh, Dari said, okay, I guess. Now, meanwhile, all of us realized it was the next day. Like, last you left off with me and my friends, it was night. But we all went home, and our parents all told us, tomorrow's, we realize you're down about your friend Will making fun of you and making fun of the town, but tomorrow is Community Resource Day, and we have these seasonally. And this, but it's not super important. But uh, anyway, so... uh 
Oh, so so we all had to get ready for it. And you have to wear your best clothes. And it's actually really, uh, unfortunately, normally it's a very upbeat event. But we did know that it was going to be really embarrassing because the songs, even the song titles that everybody in town knew about each of us that Willow had written songs about or whoever wrote the album, they all really made fun of us. So it was really, really, really embarrassing. And not something we were looking forward to, but normally you'd look forward to it. So the Community Resource Day, it's like a sim. So everybody in town comes, even people that don't live in town proper come. Anybody that considers themselves a member of our community. And we live in a community based. Uh, we all contribute and we all like that's kind of the values of where we live. Everybody's a part of things and we're all interdependent. And we all rely on one another as part of being in the swamp and, and living off the swamp. It's like uh, you have to prepare for winter and everyone has to work together. And that's even what our game Bards and Big Bunnies is about, like protecting community resources and sharing community resources. And Community Resource Day is kind of like one of the symbolic days where we remind ourselves of that. So it starts off pretty intense, uh, because you go, like, there's a fair afterwards. I'll tell you about the fair first, because that's the fun part. Uh, you know, there's rides, there's treats, there's games, there's music, there's laughter. You know, there's comedic performers. You know, there's shoe-tying events and leaping events, dancing, everything you'd want as a kid and even as an adult. And everybody kind of lets loose. Uh, it's on a Friday, like if you go by the calendar that, it, like, that I've learned about as a journalist. So then you celebrate on Friday. You don't have to go to work or school. Uh, but the first part of it is a little bit more serious and somber. That's why there's so much release afterwards. So every member of the community of every age, now if you're a little baby or something or a toddler, you can be escorted by uh, whoever is, uh, you know, whoever takes care of you. But every person, you get a symbolic acorn and you hold it in your hand and you wait in line Everyone's randomly chosen and called up, and everybody holds their acorn. You stand in front of the entire community, and you're next to what looks like an old tree, but it's not an old tree. It's a, it's actually a hidden underground storage thing. It's like a, a tree we made, and there's a hole in it, and, and it's like one of our backup acorn supplies, uh, and so you hold this acorn and then you drop it in the hole. But before that, you look at the town and you try to look as many people in the eye as possible. And you pause and then you sing. You take part in the singing, this community song, where you sing about some of the things you've consumed and benefited from the community. And you sing this song of thanks and gratitude. And then you sing a part of the song of an apology of like a really specific way you've not uh, 
it's shorter than it sounds like I'm explaining it, but it's really just a three part uh, short song. You know, though, some people will sing longer, like Babs last year, uh, sang forever and ever and ever. But so you, you, uh, you, so you sing a second part, which is an apology of something you didn't do that you could have done, some choice you made that you remember. And again, this goes in, this is important. So, like, yeah, if you don't do it, uh, you get like, uh, you pretty much get unlimited tickets for everything at the fair if you do if you do this, and then if you don't, you get like a limited number of tickets uh, to spend on the rides and the games and the the treats and stuff. Also, it goes into your school, like so. It has consequences, and it's more positive consequence. Like it's more positive than negative. So you sing the apology, and then you sing what you're going to do differently. Uh, that you've learned, uh, so what change you're going to make, and then you drop your acorn. And everybody does it, and, uh, you know, so basically you say, thank you, I'm sorry, and I promise to do better. Uh, And it's very, very powerful and very fun, but it's also fun for the kids, you know, because we kind of laugh at one another. But we all went, all of us, uh, we saw each other, I guess we were supposed to have heavy hearts, but we knew that Willow's album was not real. Uh, so it was only kind of embarrassing. But we more thought about it like uh, the other people who had been mentioned in the song. So when we went to the community resource and someone would go up on stage, sometimes we would start laughing. And we'd see other people laughing uh, because you say, oh, that was, they were in Willow's song. Uh, you know, about, uh, you know, the, the, the whiskers or, uh, you know, whatever, the way they, you know, they, they eat their carrots or something. I don't know. So we were kind of having a good time, but we were getting shushed because we were supposed to be serious. But we were also getting a lot of looks uh, and uncomfortable looks from people, but not as many as uh, Dari, Francis, and Lenny. You know, Lenny was more of a distant person, so... But meanwhile, Frances was standing there, and she was listening to the singing, and she was thinking about Willow. And she was kind of like a, a little bit uh, gone like gone in her mind, like thinking about memories. So she wasn't really feeling all the hard looks she was getting from everybody in town. Uh, because I'm sure people thought it was just kind of hanging over her head uh, and that she should be embarrassed. And Dari was not, oh, yeah, I'll tell you about what was, uh, Francis was thinking about, but Dari was more, she would stare people right back that were staring at her until they looked away. Dari was not going to back down. Like, Dari was like, you got to be kidding me, right? Like, uh, you're not going to, like, judge me and my mom for my sister starting an album, uh, and moving away. Like, uh, we've worked very hard and, uh, um, and she was also also in the back of her mind, still thinking more about Babs, uh, because her and Tefe were supposed to figure out where Babs was, and uh, because so Babs they had gone to visit Lenny to see if Willow was at Lenny's, which Willow was not. Then Dari came out, and Babs and Tefe were kissing. They went uh, to like they started driving home. Dari drove home, then she was so irritated that she got out of the car. 
And then Tuffy got out of the car to apologize to Dari. They came back and Babs was gone. They thought Babs went home. And meanwhile, they uh, figured out recently that no, Babs didn't go home. She was somewhere and possibly again, unbeknownst to us or to even Leon, Babs and Tefe were looking to the fact that maybe uh, Babs had gone with a big bunny. And if Babs had, uh, in the back of Dari's mind, she said, maybe Willow has too. And this big bunny is uh, has some part in all of this. Uh, so that's where, so she was mostly just glaring at people and saying, who are you? Like, uh, like everybody's got to cast their acorn anyway. You know, none of us are perfect. And I think actually her glaring, because it was unspoken, actually maybe before people went up there, put in their mind, and some people actually said sorry, like, uh, and apologized in their songs, uh, not directly to Dari and Francis, but in a way that was clear. Uh, but probably not, you know, she should have just said, she's sorry for just like judging you, Dari and Francis. I know it's not easy and uh, we're not perfect. Now, the other thing was, uh, so uh, Francis, so Francis was kind of staring off and she was remembering like good times with Willow. And Willow's, because so Willow had gone through this phase of writing Bards and Bunny uh, parody music. Uh, because there was like uh, these two uh, like uh, artists or groups of artists like uh, that put put out this one album together, uh, the Double Clicks and Judy Tenuta, uh, and they had put out a Bards and Bunnies like an album, and, and so like uh, Willow had been writing a lot of uh, Bards and Bunny parody songs of like some of her heroines. And she was kind of singing it at the table for her mom. Uh, and uh, Francis said, well, geez, that sounds like an intense song. It's kind of got some edge, uh, Willow. You're just a kid. Why would you be singing about uh, uh, Bad Bards was the name of the song. Bad, 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 bad bards. And she said, doesn't it sound like that's like magic? And uh, like uh, the, she was, I'm not comfortable with my daughter singing that kind of stuff. And Willow said, Mom, like, uh, sometimes, like, not all magic is good, and not people, not everybody uses magical powers or any powers or community resource powers for good. And, you know, Francis was a knowing person, so she said, I know, I know, you're right. Uh, and she goes, so some even the bards, sometimes there's bad, bad bards. It's better we know about the bad bards and... uh you know, the, those bards could be good singers. Uh, and she said, holy cow, you're right. Uh, you're right. Like, uh, but she goes, maybe make the bad, bad. She goes, what about bad, 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 Brad Bard? And uh, then Francis said, uh, and then Willow said, that might be too many. But like, but, but she goes, it's not supposed to be tw tongue twister, mom. It's supposed to be a, a song. So that was what was happening with uh, uh, with with uh, Francis and Dari. Now, the, eventually, this ceremony ended, and we all took our turns. 
And then the, the, the celebration started. But we were actually distracted. We were not interested for the first time ever in the rides or the games or any of that stuff. We were just thinking about uh, this puzzle, this odd puzzle we were trying to solve of where was Willow. And we knew our favorite moose uh, professor would uh, could help us. So, so we sat down at the cider where we had you could have cider and go nuts, uh, go nuts and cider. And uh, we sat down at the table and we said, "Listen, uh, we want to talk to you." And the professor said, "Okay, what do you want to talk about?" And then Vaughn said, "Mind reading." And uh, uh, said, okay, well, you know, if I could read your minds, I know it wouldn't be easy. You know, if my friend put out a album goofing on me in the town. Uh, so yeah, and I know like, uh, you don't have to be a mind reader to figure that out, but you might be w- wondering what the rest of the town's thinking and wishing they could read their minds. And I'm sure they've all had at times, maybe it more reminds them of the times, uh, their friends picked on them. And they, we said, no, 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 no. We're thinking, is, could you, is telepathy real? And the uh, professor said, well, yeah, it's possible. Uh, uh, it's possible, but it's not provable uh, to communicate by thought. Uh, you know, there's the whole idea of extrasensory perception. And the professor went in this long talk where we almost were like dozing off about uh well, just using to strength ways you could strengthen your senses or people that are dependent on uh, one sense uh, because uh, they, they've developed a skill with one sense because they've needed to develop a stronger use of one sense over the other. And uh, we said, well, okay, so you could, it's possible and the professor said, well, if you could communicate, if it was a sense that we knew about, uh, but right now, you know, these are the senses we have, you know, sight, sound, and those kind of things. And we said, well, what would it take uh, to do that? And he uh, said, uh, something magical, I guess, or, you know, something as magic as evolution, but that takes a long time. And then we talked about the myth of humans and, uh, you know, that they weren't very good caretakers of the swamp or any place and that uh, uh, we needed to, like, evolve to be more community-based. Like, uh, those are some of the myths that that we're not taught but that we hear about so that things could flourish, uh, like how we evolved uh, to be a community that's trying to flourish and help one another flourish. And then we said, oh, okay, well, uh, what about like, uh, is there like a, a, a tower? Do you know anything about the, like that if uh, something could grow uh, like an organic tower that could grow down and up at the same time? Uh, like, uh, like that's and you could go inside of it, uh, and like uh, like the southern swamp is like and the professor said, you mean like a tree, like that like an organic thing that goes down and up, uh, and that things live in. 
And we said, well, what if, uh, well, not just a tree. Uh, that's pretty funny, Professor. But we're talking about like in the, like, uh, in the silent tower. Remember the silent tower? And then Professor, of course, was playing us and said, yeah, you know, yeah, the one where the wizard found the, the, the hole, the, the, the tunnel that went down and it was a being and then forced it to grow. And then, yeah. Uh, and they said, we said, well, how would you find something like that? Uh, and the professor said, well, uh, like, how would you find something in the earth? Uh, and they, we, we said, well, what about a, a silent realm? Uh, the, the, that was the other thing. And the professor said, but, uh, maybe you didn't read closely enough that, uh, even the communicating by telepathy was putting off a vibration we said, what? And Professor said, you didn't read the novella about, like, uh, and uh, we said, well, if there was a vibration from a soundless realm, how would you find it? Uh, and we, the Professor said, okay, well, let me tell you this other metaphor. Like, uh, there's a, a place uh, that's not like the swamp. Uh, there's places that are known as uh, deserts uh, and places that are arid. And remember, we were talking about this in class, and we said, yeah, yeah, we kind of remember. And he said, okay, well, one of the ideas is to find water. And he goes, and it's very similar, is uh, divining, right? Uh, isn't that one of the things you can do in bards and bunnies? Uh, and he said, uh, you search for water, uh, and you try to find, and we said, well, you're losing us, Professor. And then the professor kind of, it was like, uh, the professor kind of, I think the professor just slowly fell asleep to his own kind of talking. And then we said, well, let's rest here at the table and get some sleep too. And then we'll, uh, we'll, we'll figure out what we're going to do next. Uh, so we will put our heads down, even though everybody else was enjoying the community resource fair and took a little nap. Good night. All right, hey everybody, it's Scoots here, and uh, this is our ongoing episodically modular series, uh, Otter Things, and I'm not actually the host of it, I'm, uh, so I'm turning things over. This, But I just want to tell you, you could listen to this in any order. Uh, Emma Otter is going to be coming up. She'll fill you in on everything that's happened in the series th thus far. Uh, so if this is your first time listening, don't worry. Like, uh, this is episodically modular. It does have some seriality, but Emma takes the seriality. It's a great, because then you could listen to the earlier episodes like they're prequels. You know you love prequel movies, and I've heard that. Uh, and you say, okay, listen to episode six, and now I want to hear, like, now I want to go back. Because even books now, especially YA, the second or the third book is a prequel. Because you say, well, I really want to know, how did uh, uh, Tefe and Dari become, you know, you say, okay, go go ahead, listen to episode one, two, three, four, or five uh, after this. Uh, so this, without further ado, this is archived audio I discovered uh, from uh, Emma Otter. Uh, hey, everyone, this is Emma Otter here. Thanks for... Uh, giving me a moment of your time. I'm here to uh, tell you the story of my town, my friends, and my community, and some odd things that happened to us. Uh, so I'm Emma Otter, 
I live in a home, I live in a community, a swamp based community. And some of you might say, well, what's a swamp based community like? And I'd say, well, what's your community like? Are you in a riparian community, a forest community, a wetlands community? You'd say, okay, well, maybe you know what I'm talking about. If you don't, you could do a little research and say, what is it like? But I'll, I'll kind of give you the overview. We live in a swamp. Some of swamps are underwater and some aren't. Uh, and we live in a greater swamp region, a swamp within a swamp region in a town uh, that exists within the swamp. And just like you listening, we're all highly intelligent beings. Uh, and uh, we have our own consciousness, uh, but we live together in community uh, like individuals within a community that supports one another. So that's one thing to know. So the swamp is, uh, it's a greater swamp area. So there's a ta- bigger towns and cities within the greater swamp community. And it stretches in three directions very far. But we just happen to be very close to the one direction. The swamp does not stretch any th- further beyond uh, which we call the place beyond the swamp, uh, which is actually seems like another swamp. We don't really venture beyond it. It's bisected by a road uh, rising up above the swamp. Uh, I think they call it like a some kind of duct, a viaduct or something like that. I, I, like, uh, But it's uh, a road. On the road travel occasionally strange giant vehicles uh, with no one driving them. But that's worked into our childhood myths. So it's just a strange thing we avoid and we have cognitive dissonance. So we just learn to say, just don't go near the road or on the road. Because why would you go on a road where at unpredictable times, strange driverless vehicles drive by? And just, you know, now I know more than I knew uh, when I was a total child. So, you know, I would have thought they were their own beings. or something, you know, we had other myths and a lot of our myths are based for my friends and I on the game Bards and Big Bunnies, a role-playing game. Uh, but beyond the road is uh, what's called a visitor center and a bog walk. Uh, and then beyond that, I have no idea. There is one tunnel under the road. It is a, a secure tunnel. Uh, and, you know, as kids, we grow up and we always wonder, we dare one another to go in the tunnel. Uh, but you don't do it, because, especially because there's a gate there. So I live in a house with my parents, uh, my youngest sibling, and my older brother, Tefe, who were otters. Uh, Tefe considers himself the handsomest otter in town. And uh, just, just rolling my eyes. Uh, so that's who I live with. Uh, my brother Tefe is in high school. I'm in middle school. I have, uh, well, originally I had uh, three best friends. Uh, now I have four best friends. If any, you know, I have, of course I have my best friend, uh, top of the, but you know, really who says all, why does it have to be the, there's no bestest friend. It's just best friend. So maybe I've created space to have more than one best friend or maybe my secret best friend that's listening in their heart. They say, well, I know I'm Emma's best friend. And maybe you, dear listener, feel like a close uh, nearly or a best friend of mine. And that's great. 
but uh, my actual friends are Vaughn, uh, who I also call V, and he's a little bit silly, a little bit goofy, very intelligent, uh, uh, but known to be wacky, uh, an otter being in his own way, just like all of us here. Then my friend Elijah, we call him LJ. And Elijah is kind of our most principled friend. Elijah uh, believes in the truth, uh, believes in being honest. Uh, Elijah probably has a little bit more courage uh, uh, than the rest of us. Uh, I'd say our our leader, but, you know, then I'm telling the story. So I'd say, okay, maybe we're all leaders. Elijah's probably the most grounded one of us, uh, too. Uh, though, uh, like we, we all play role-playing games. So you see with a sense of imagination, my other friend is, uh, Willow, uh, and, uh, Willow, uh, lives now Willow's from a family. That's an important part of this story. So Willow lives with her mom, Francis and her sister, Dari. And they're beavers, uh, and they, uh, live together, the three of them. So that was what our life was like. I had my family. I had my friends. I went to middle school, lived in my town, played bards and bunnies on the weekends or summer breaks. And it was a pretty happy life. And then something odd happened. Something odder happened. And that was that uh, someone arrived. Well, okay, a couple of things happened. We played a game of bard and big bunnies. Vaughn, Willow, and LJ left. Uh, and on the way home... Uh, Willow took a path less taken, and uh, quickly to summarize, we thought when she took that path less taken, she took a, she met like with an agent or something, and then became uh, a star, recorded an album, making fun of our town, and moved away to a big city like Riverbottom or something. That's where her dad Lenny lived. So we were all very upset because the album was discovered. Most of the songs were making fun of us in our town. And uh, it was a bit embarrassing. But some of us suspected. Well, we also suspected because we also, on the night uh, Willow moved away, we we looked for Willow or the night after because we said, Willow, where are you? We didn't know at the time. We hadn't found the album. And that's where we met a character, a, a duck-billed beaver named Billy who has powers, uh, like magic powers, through throat singing or bill singing. I don't know if she's singing in her bill or her throat. Like, uh, like kind of like Professor X or something. She can move things with the mind. She can cause people to do stuff. Uh, all those kind of things. Uh, Billy also revealed to us that she thought she might be able to help us find, or she knew that Willow... Yeah, that's what it was. She knew Willow was somewhere else, uh, somewhere called the Size Down. And we said, is that like the the, the tower? Like a t- Size Down is like another world, like inside of a tower, maybe a tower, like a wizard's tower or the tower from the Southern Swamp trilogy that goes down and up and is organic and also has powers. So we're not 100% sure, but we know Willow's in a place like that, and she did not move away and record an album. 
And so we're dedicated to finding her. And we had just talked to our professor about how we would do that at the Community Resource Festival. Meanwhile, uh, Willow's mom, Dari, or Willow's sister, sister Dari, Willow's mom, Frances, was obviously like my daughter moved away without telling me and recorded an album and started a career. Well, that's very disappointing, and I, it doesn't seem like her character. And then she didn't believe it, and she started communicating with Willow through wind chimes, where Willow was communicating with her by pop song through wind chimes. And uh, no one believed her, obviously. They said, your daughter that moved away is communicating with you through wind chimes. Uh, also, uh, Francis was suspecting she was seeing a big bunny. Uh, outside her windows and, and maybe a bunny with goose or something, goose feathers. And that was connected to Willow as well, a giant bunny. And because a lot of kids play bards and big bunnies, including Willow, people said, okay, that's interesting too. Willow's ex, Lenny had come to help, uh, but Lenny's kind of no good. I'll just tell you the truth. Though he's trying to help right now. So uh, that's like uh, where Francis was. Wait a second. I don't believe this, but everybody's telling me my daughter uh, did head out to start a career. That's a little bit of a tough uh, thing to deal with. Now, her daughter, Dari, uh, when when Willow first moved away, Dari's instinct was to convince my my brother Tefe to borrow my uncle's car so they could drive out to uh, Lenny's house in Riverbottom and see if Willow was there. Their friend Babs came with them. Willow was not at Lenny's house. When Dari left Lenny's house, she found Tefe, my brother, and Babs, Dari's best friend. They were K-A-S-S-I-N-G-ing. Uh, and then they drove, and then uh, Babs went for a walk. Uh, but again, very similar to Willow, where they said, uh, did she really go for a walk? Because this doesn't make any sense. And since then, Dari's been convinced. Uh, like, people again have said, well, maybe Babs just moved away to the big city, too. But Dari's been convinced that that's not the case. And eventually her and Tefe found that, yeah, there's something else beyond the swamp, uh, with a giant bunny print and the sounds and singing involved in this somehow. One other person we have to check in really quickly is Bold Bullfrog, uh, Leon. Uh, but it goes by Bull. He's the head of our community resource department and, you know, helping miti- mitigate anything, disagreements, and uh, solve problems. That's Bull's job. And Bull uh, at first was just trying to say, okay, well, it looks like Willow moved away. Uh, I'm sorry, Francis. Uh, I think Francis and Bull at one point were dating long, long, long time ago. And trying to solve, like, so Bull was just doing Bull's job. But eventually Bull said, something strange is here. There's too many things. And Bull discovered, one, the album was not real. Francis, or... uh, um, Willow, my friend, sorry, Willow, uh, the album was not real, and it was never recorded. It was a fake. Uh, it was just an auto-tuned performance from a um, talent show. 
and that the place beyond the swamp, the visitor center, was actually Bull knew that it was part of a larger community resource effort, maybe an offensive community resource effort uh, by the greater area swamp authorities. But they said there's nothing to see here, no willow, don't know what you're talking about. But Bull didn't believe that. Uh, Bull eventually snuck in there and saw that something was going on, something with, uh, like, uh, portals, like, dorm rooms, cafeterias. And right as Bull had made the discovery, Bull was sung a, 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 a frog lullaby to go to sleep. And so that's kind of where we start, but I just also want to tell you that, don't worry, all, all will be well. So I always want to remind you of that, is that one thing to remember in this story is that all will be well. And without further ado, uh, is our Hollywood announcer who starts these shows out, the most famous person in our town, uh, Mr. Antonio Banderas. Uh, ladies and gentlemen, it was the boys, the girls, the friends beyond the binary, otters, beavers, muskrats, porcupines, foxes, turtles, frogs, even the weasels. Uh, it's time for another episode of Otter Things Splish Splash. Thank you, uh, Mr. Bonderas. This is Otter Things, and I'm Emma Otter. And I guess, like, when I, we last left off, uh, when in our story, we were we had fallen asleep, kind of talking to our uh, Professor Moose, and Professor Moose had given put us to sleep with some meandering analogy about the Southern Swamp trilogy. And organic, uh, organic beings that are also buildings and saying, well, that's like a tree that grows up, it grows down. And also, how would we find something like that, a resonance, something maybe resonance or vibrations? I don't know. Uh, but we had fallen asleep and then we had woken up and decided to, to go home and leave the fair, even though the fair, the community resource fair, which is a re- was really fun and seemed like it was fun, we wanted to kind of go back to my house and uh, figure out how we were going to track Willow down. Uh, and we did that. We, we had like a sleepover. First we said, okay, we're already asleep. Let's go home and go back to sleep to my house, and then we'll get up the next day. Now, meanwhile, also the next day, it was morning where, where, everywhere where we live because, you know, we we're all in the same time area. And Lenny had been staying at uh, Francis and Dari's house, and Lenny was sleeping on the couch. Uh, and Lenny woke up and said, well, I need to get myself in a shower and... Uh, Maybe a swamp swim, and who knows. And meanwhile, Frances was cleaning up, and she found that, you know, Lenny, one of Lenny's other qualities, Lenny doesn't pick up after himself. And so Frances was cleaning up after Lenny because Lenny left his fancy leather jacket lying around. And uh, he'd also been in uh, Willow's room at different points. Uh, I mean, the door was open, and, you know, the all the... 
he had taken down some of the wind chimes, but then uh, Francis said, don't take down the wind chimes. I like them. They make me comforted. He had tried to fix, uh, like, uh, where, anyway, he'd done a lot of stuff, but nothing really useful. But Francis has stuck out in his mind that he, he she had, that Lenny had been in Willow's room. And when she picked up his jacket, you know, when you pick up a jacket off of a couch, you, sometimes you shake it out just to get any dust or uh, fur off it. And something floated out of Lenny's pocket and floated to the ground. And you might know the kind of floating that a napkin does. And, and Francis knew it was a napkin. And at first she said, just like Lenny, put a dirty napkin in his pocket instead of uh, doing something with it. But she, as she hung his jacket up, she went to reach down to pick up the napkin. And she saw that there was crayon drawings on it or writing. And as she unfolded the napkin, she saw... And it triggered a memory in her of a different time when uh, Francis, Lenny, and uh, uh, Willow were all out uh, uh, eating lunch together. And uh, this was when Willow loved to sing. Willow always loved to sing, just like we all do. And Lenny had uh, been encouraging Willow. And Francis had gone off uh, to talk to some of the neighbors that were eating nearby. And she saw, like, uh, Lenny and Willow writing in crayon on a, on a napkin. And uh, she had looked and she kind of smiled. She said, oh, what a nice moment. You know, rare moment for my daughter and, and Lenny to share where they both seemed happy. And he, they seemed to be in serious conversation and when she went back, she said, oh, what are you two working on? And Willow looked at her mother with great pride, and she said, well, we're working, you know, when I become a, a music star, uh, this will be my big moment. Uh, this will be when, uh, like, I'll need an agent, and, and Dad's going to be my agent. So we're working on a contract. And uh, Francis said, oh, yeah, you will. Like, that's great to start planning for the future. Uh, but part of her mindset, I think, like, is this a serious discussion? But it was written out. Uh, and she said, look at the deal Dad made me, only uh, 12%. Uh, uh, and she said, well, don't usually agents take 10%. Uh, and uh, she said, yeah, well, dad's going to like, and, uh, she said, don't, and then she said, well, it's just, we're just imagining, mom, we're just playing. And Lenny said, yeah, we're just playing. And Willow uh, had always kept that in her room, uh, but it had totally left Francis's mind. Uh, and she said, well, that's just strange that Lenny has that in his pocket. But as she was uh, kind of folding the napkin back up and putting it in, in Lenny's jacket, he came out. He said, what are you doing with my jacket? And she said, oh, I found uh, – she goes, what are you doing with this uh, napkin contract from when Willow was little? And he said, oh, I found it in her room. And she, Francis said, well, Willow signed she, – she goes, did you – what are you doing with this? So it's weird. And he goes, oh, I wanted to see if we both signed it. And she goes, oh, you did, because uh, she she had looked and it said Willow and Leonard or whatever. Uh, and she said, you're not trying 
And he said, listen, if Willow's really signed these albums and made these albums, he goes, think about, uh, he goes, we deserve some of it. We supported her career. And Francis said, we supported her career. She's a kid, one. And we is a very loose usage of we. And Lenny said, come on, uh, Francis, uh, why don't you think about Dari? And uh, he goes, we could use the money so Dari could go to school. And you could use it to fix up the house and stuff, a percentage of it, a 2% or so. And then I'll take the other 10% and invest it. In, uh, and uh, Francis narrowed her eyes and looked at Lenny and said, so this is really why you're here. You're not here to help. You're here to capitalize on... And then she said, you need to leave right now. And he said, wait a second. And she ripped up the the, the, the contract. Uh, and Lenny's steam came out of his ears. And she said, please leave my home, never to return. And she sent Lenny on his way. And Lenny uh, stomped out of the house, uh, frowny-faced. Uh, and he had strong words uh, for Francis. But Francis wasn't hearing them because they weren't the truth. Uh, though we did try to, uh, you know, heighten Francis's concern that Willow actually did record an album and move away. And he was successful at that, she thought. The only reason he wants to capitalize on this because it really happened. Willow really did move away, start a career without telling me, and record an album. Now, meanwhile, in the morning, Bull woke up... Uh, now, when we last saw Bull, he was in the lab uh, below the visitor's center. And he woke up on his couch, super sweaty, with a bunch of uh, bog water nearby. One of those famous uh, things he drank too much sometimes of. And he said, what in the heck? Where have I been? Why am I so sweaty? It's like I am uh, can barely breathe out my skin. I said, where was I? Uh, and he said, wait a second, did I like have too much bog water last night? Uh, but he knew, that he said, well, the last thing I recall is being at that uh, below the visitor center. And he kind of started to pace around and he stuck out his tongue and it didn't look like a normal frog tongue. And then there was a knock at his door, and it was two of the other resource staff, uh, social workers at work with the community resource department. And they said, uh, hey, Leon, uh, why, why are you at work? Uh, why, why weren't you at the community? You weren't even at the community fair. Uh, you missed the entire community fair. You're supposed to, you know, you're, and he said, oh, yeah, I'm under the weather. I'll have to submit a, I'll draw my own acorn later. I'm just not feeling great. Uh, and they said, are you okay? And he said, well, I'm under the weather. Look at my, look at my tongue. Can you, and they said, oh boy, your tongue does look uh, like non-optimal. And he said, well, what, what do you want? And they said, well, we do like uh, a couple of things. Uh, the music, the owner of the music store you know, there's a line in front of the music store, people waiting to buy, because this is the launch day of a bunch of albums, and the owner of the music store didn't show up. Uh, and there was a lot of people trying to get stuff. So eventually we let ourselves in, 
And we there was a letter from a music store owner saying they took a job with that same record company uh, for distribution or something. And that uh, record store was closed and uh, had been sold uh, to another company, some company with a bunch of letters and numbers at the end of it. Uh, so people were not happy because they said, where are we going to get our records? And also we wondered, what are we going to do? Like, who's going to take, take over? And uh, you see, that's a main, it's a prime downtown piece of real estate. And Leon said, okay, okay. What else? Uh, and they said, also funniest thing, Babs is a, a parents heard from Babs. Uh, uh, it was only a voicemail, but, uh, they, she said she's with a record company, and she had moved away. She's actually on tour, international tour. I don't even know what that means. Uh, uh, but she's very happy, and she said to check their bank account. She would already deposited a bunch of money into her parents' bank account, uh, and that they shouldn't be concerned, and that she would be she would be in touch, uh, maybe relocate them to live with her once she had, like, a— a lake house, like she's moving out of the swamp to a lake or something, Leon. And he said, who, which record company? And they said, the same record company as Willow. Doesn't that make perfect sense? They're recruiting, uh, they found our town to be a hotbed of talent or something. And he said, okay, interesting. Uh, and then they said, were well, you going to come into the office? And he said, no, 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 I got to go. I, I'm not, didn't you see my tongue? I got to go uh, soak my tongue or something because I can barely breathe. You know, I, I'm breathing through my mouth and not my skin. So I'll see you later. And they said, okay, thanks, Leon. And then they got to the car. They said, man, he's acting odd. And they go, yeah, I don't know what's up with him. And I said, how do you miss a community resource fair when you're the community resource officer? And they said, well, it's a good thing, our good thing our town's resilient. So we didn't really, that was great fair. And they said, oh, yeah, did you go on this? Remember when we raced each other on the super slide? They said, oh, boy, was that fun. Now, while that was going on, we were waking up in my sleepover at my house, uh, and we were having a conference to say, okay, we got to track down uh, Willow. We said, Billy, do you know anything about this tower, about uh, size down? Like you kind of said, uh, but Billy was really quiet. Uh, we said, like, uh, what about this place? Uh, like, how do we find it? And Billy said, oh, I don't know. And we said, well, we got to track it down. Uh, if it's a tower and it's, and then uh, Vaughn said, well, what about, he goes, okay. He goes, sympathetic vibrations. And we said, oh, sympathetic vibrations, right, uh, totally. He said, resonance. And we said, okay. And he said, get out your tuning forks, because uh, we all have tuning forks, uh, or some people have different things so they can tune their, like, so you can tune your instrument or your voice. But most of us have tuning forks because they always work and uh, they make good keychains. Uh, and you can kind of cut. And anyway, so we all had it. Uh, and he said, put your tuning forks down in front of me. 
And he, he said, okay, now hold them in your hand, in your right hand. Everyone hold your tuning fork. Uh, and we said, okay, nothing's happening. And he said, you can't visually see a tuning fork moving. And he said, uh, hold them near one another. And he said, that's what a sympathetic vibration is. But we said, well, what are they even vibrating? He said, yeah, hold them to your ear. And then everybody sang the tune, and we all sang the tone we were hearing, uh, barely detectable, uh, on our tuning forks. And we said, all of them are making the same sound. And he said, yeah, and there's no uh, vibration. He goes, we didn't, none of us hit our thing to start vibrating. And we said, okay. And there was like a long pause like that. Okay, Vaughn. And he said, there has to be a strong vibration coming from somewhere to vibrate these. They just can't vibrate. on. You can't have a sympathetic vibration without a vibration to sympathize with. And we said, okay. And then we all looked at uh, Billy and we said, do you know, like, like, and we realized it wasn't Billy causing the sympathetic vibration. And he said, this is coming from the tower. And we said, so, and he goes, we have to find a way uh, to be guided by, he goes, we have to find a way to determine the strength. He goes, remember that one project where we made electromagnetic tuning forks? And we said, oh, yeah, with the lantern batteries. Remember, we thought we could use them to, uh, he goes, we thought we could make them into, we could use it to, you know, crack glass and, speed up our bikes or stop the bullies, but uh, it just ended up as a more powerful tuning fork. He goes, we could we could use those, and we could see that will monitor the strength, and we could just try to find the tower through that. And we said, holy cow, that is a brilliant idea. Now, meanwhile, back at Leon's house, after the other community resources officers had left, uh, first thing Leon did, because Leon wasn't 100%, was call his old job. Uh, and uh, they said, uh, Cafe Noir Chardonnay. Uh, and he said, yeah, hi. Uh, ooh, I'm just calling to see who's performing tonight. Uh and they said, who's performing tonight? Uh, well, hold, hold on. Uh, which, which show? Because we have three shows booked tonight. Uh, and a 7, a 10, and an after midnight show. Which show? And he said, uh, uh, and they, the person on the phone said, Leon the Legend, is that you? Is that you? Like, are you still, uh, what happened? And then Leon hung up the phone. And he sighed, but then he paused as he hung up the phone, and then he started taking his phone apart, wondering, remembering back at the whole lab below the visitor center. Uh, and he realized that they were probably listening in to him somehow. So he started searching his house uh, for listening devices, and he actually thought about when he was at the school because they had the giant sonic ear, so it was a giant saucer collecting. So he started going through all his plates and bowls, you know, lamps, uh, anything saucer-shaped that could collect sounds, and he was tearing his place apart. Uh, and then when he thought he had given up pretty much, uh, 
and he sighed. He realized that there was one cabinet that he did, the top two shelves of the furthest cabinet. You know the cabinet everybody has that you can barely access anyway. And up there was his great-grandmama's tea set uh, that he'd never used because it was like fancy tea and fancy saucers. Maybe once when he took a cat home, he gave it a saucer of milk, uh, but he never put that saucer back anyway. And he started digging through there. And, of course, at the back of the thing, he found a little tube that went out uh, uh, from, like, uh, it was, like, using the vibrations to listen in on him from the tea set, which is a very fine, you know, great idea. But he didn't disturb it. He just kind of looked at it and said, okay, you think I'll have myself a glass of tea, you know, clear my head. Uh, What a dream I had last night. So unrealistic. It couldn't possibly have happened. 100% my imagination. No more bog water for me. And then he turned on his uh, radio. I'm just going to sit here and lie around and listen to the radio all day long. Listen to the old sports casting and talk and stuff. Uh, and then he turned on another radio in his bedroom, one on the talk and stuff and one on the sports stuff. And then he headed out, uh, uh, like, uh, and uh, he's headed in the direction of uh, Francis's house. And he drove all the way over to Francis's house, and Francis uh, knocked on the door, and Francis was already, like, in a not great mood because of everything that had happened with Lenny, and she thought it was Lenny knocking on the door again. And when she opened the door, uh, Leon held up his finger like, shushy, 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 poo. And... Like in his head, he said this, like, your house is full of uh, wind chimes, and uh, they could be listening in for any of the wind chimes, because those probably collect sound really well. And first he started looking around through all her. She said, what are you doing? He said, shush, shush, shush. Uh, uh, he said, oh, boy. Uh, like, uh, he made a fake voice. Uh, so it's me, Lenny, again. Uh, harumphity, harumph. Uh, don't I know everything? You know, he's just doing his Lenny imitation, and she was kind of going along with it. Don't you think Willow, he knew, he had a different take, but he was like, don't you think Willow... Uh, should it like you'd be direct depositing her paychecks into my account uh, for management? And she goes, "Oh boy, Lenny, you're a genius. Uh, I for, I'm so sorry I kicked you out earlier." So they played along like that while he looked, and then eventually he gave up. He said, "Oh boy," and then he was thinking, and then he was saying, "Well, uh, like uh, they were trying to think," and then they figured out that they could turn on all of the fans in. Uh, Francis's house, which would make the wind chimes go. And she said, what are you doing? I'm waiting for uh, uh, Willow to talk to me through the wind chimes. And he goes, you're right about Willow. Stand by a wind chime and a fan in between the two. He goes, no, no. Uh, He goes, yes, by the fans. He goes, not behind the fan or in front of the fan, to the side of the fan near wind chime. 
and we'll have a conversation. And she goes, why? And he goes, well, I'm afraid the wind will blow. Otherwise, he goes, yeah, he goes, this is the way we won't be. He goes, they're listening. The place below the visitor center. And she goes, place below the visitor center. And he goes, the album was a fake, Francis. The whole thing's a fake. There's no record company. There's no album. You were right. Uh, Something strange, something odd is happening. And he goes, I'm sorry. And she goes, well, thank goodness, uh, mother, my mother's instinct was correct. Uh, and she goes, what is this? And he goes, beyond the swamp, there's a visitor center. It's part of, he goes, it's cover. He goes, there's a greater community resource thing for the greater swamp area. And he goes, instead of community resources, they have a more uh, stricter view of defending the community against invasive things or whatever. And he goes, he goes, but he goes, they haven't quite gained uh, traction, you know, to, to take over our departments and, uh, you know, move away from a community-based resource sharing model. And she goes, I don't understand. And he goes, oh, well, that's, he goes, never mind. He goes, uh, so below the, the visitor center, he goes, it's an entire operation, cafeteria, offices, uh, computer stuff, uh, Mops and brew, and she goes, Okay. And he goes, Dorm rooms, kids' dorm rooms. And she goes, Kids' rooms? And he goes, Yeah. And then he was talking about stuff he saw and the music and the posters and stuff. Uh, and she goes, Well, that doesn't sound like a Willow at all. None of that sounds like a Willow. And he goes, Well, that's weird. He goes, That's weird. And she goes, it's odd. Uh, so she goes, there's kids down there? And he goes, well, I didn't see any kids, just signs of kids. Uh, and she goes, but no sign of anything that would be distinctively willows. And she goes, what do you think the kids were doing down there? He goes, I got no clue. He goes, I did read all these strange articles. You know, the rumors about humans and stuff. Uh and powers and the power of music. And she goes, like, in Bards and Big Bunnies? He goes, what's that? And she goes, the game all the kids in our community play. And some parents believe that it leads kids uh, to make poor choices, even though it doesn't. It actually boosts their self-esteem and resiliency and imagination. And he goes, what? And she goes, uh, she goes, it's the game the kids play. And music has magical powers. Uh, and he goes, well, he goes, I don't know. He goes, he goes, uh, but there's this one. He goes, he goes, what if the whole time? He goes, I've been trying to find Willow, but instead I've been looking for somebody else. Uh, and uh, Francis said, okay. And he said, let's uh, let's go to the library, do some more research, and uh, figure this out. And she says, okay, okay. Now, while that was happening, we had headed out with the electromagnetic tuning forks, and we were out there in what we call darkened wood, uh, looking, following the tuning forks. We were two by two, so Vaughn and LJ had one, and uh, uh, Billy and I had one. And Vaughn and LJ, you know, again, LJ is saying, 
don't you think something's going on with that duck-billed beaver? And Vaughn said, I don't know. And uh, said, don't, don't, it's acting extra odd. They're acting extra odd. And Vaughn said, I suppose. Uh, now, meanwhile, when I was walking with uh, Billy, Billy said, uh, can we go back to your house? I need a snack. Uh, and I said, well, we brought some snacks. Why don't you have a snack? She said, well, I, I, I'd prefer a snack, uh, a different snack. And also a nap. I think I need a nap. And I said, well, we got to keep going right now, Billy. I understand it, but uh, just try to, like, uh, walk, do a walking meditation or something and rest that way. And then Billy drifted away, but it didn't stick out to me because I said do a walking meditation, and I started to kind of do one. And I think Billy was singing, like, a little bit... Uh, but meanwhile, Billy was going into like a, like a look back, a flashback, they say, uh, to another time with uh, Ma- Max, Dr. Max, uh, when she lived there. And Dr. Max was get they were in the lab and uh, or like a room. And Dr. Max was saying, OK, so you're going to sing this song and I want you to close your eyes and I want you to read what you see. And Billy said, read what I see. And Dr. Max said, yeah, close your eyes and walk. Uh, You're going to keep walking and read what you see. And here's the song. I'm going to play it a few times. And then you start singing and close your eyes and sing along. And the song was a song about signs everywhere. There being signs, uh, not good for always good for the scenery and a lot of the signs weren't positive. But in this case, they all had either numbers or letters as Billy started just walking and singing the sign. Some signs were shaped like shields, and some signs were triangles. Some signs were octagons. And then Dr. Max said, now read the signs. And so Billy said, yeah, like uh, A1A. Dr. Max said, good, 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 and they write him down. She said, 60, 29, 17, stop. Uh, Dr. Max said, okay, keep it with the numbers and letters. 528, uh, Billy would see the signs and just say the numbers. 4, 192, 417. But meanwhile, as we were walking, we eventually got back to, like, the, behind the transfer station where they had found Willow's albums. And LJ said, wait a second, we're back uh, at the transfer station. I thought we were headed towards, uh, there's no tower here. There's not even barely any trees here. This can't be the right place, uh and then we said, get out the, the get out the tuning forks and the electromagnetic tuning forks and just see, how did we get so lost? Uh, and they said, okay, try the batteries. Uh, and then they said, get out the battery tester. And then we realized that like, they were all working. Uh, but, yeah, they were showing the stronger. We were, like, almost where they should be. And then uh, LG said, wait a second. And he pointed one of them right at uh, Billy. And it shot up to full power. And he, he said, you're throat singing. I can hear you throat singing now. 
And they said, you led us here to the transfer station. Like, you're leading us astray. What exactly are you doing? Like, why are you making us lost? And uh, at first, Billy said, no, I didn't. And then I kind of took Billy's side. I said, hey, like, uh, LJ, no, we're just, like, calm down. You're just, it's just high stakes, uh. And then we had strong discussion about it, so strong that I said, do you want to have a dance-off? And then LJ said, do you want to have a dance-off? Uh, but then Billy didn't know what a dance-off was, so then Billy started singing the song Impulsive, like with with Billy's powers. So then LJ started acting impulsively, which mostly meant running around and then running away. Uh, and then we said, what did you do? You just made him run off, uh, without, like, he, he even forgot his, his tuning fork, uh, and like I said, I can't believe, and I said, you did lead us here. What were you doing? Uh, why are you making my friend act impulsively? Like, you're not supposed to use your powers against us. And I said, what are you such an oddball for? which I greatly regret at this time. And then Billy ran off. And as Billy ran off, uh, Billy was uh, uh, having another memory back, uh, another flashback uh, to yet another time uh, when Billy uh, was uh, like, uh, had his second time. They said, okay, at the, at the place with Dr. Max, they said, okay, that really worked well. Dr. Max had given Billy a stuffed animal even, said that went so good. Now we want you to look at some bigger signs. And he even showed Billy this map. Uh, and he said, I want you to kind of try to follow these signs. I want you to look for these ones, num- these numbers and these shapes and follow them and then tell us what you see, the other signs that you might see, even handwritten signs or anything you see. And so Billy started, they actually like would like put Billy in this waterbed, which is like a real waterbed. Uh, uh, and I don't know, that's like something from the 70s and 80s uh, where you feel like you're floating. And this waterbed was blue like a cloud. And they even got a nice weighted blanket for Billy to have. Uh, and they said, just float on the waterbed and uh, picture the signs and sing the song and tell us what you see. And actually, like at this point, Billy even had this extra power. Uh, I wouldn't learn this until many conversations with Billy that uh, Billy didn't have to speak at this point. Like, Billy could transfer it into a TV, the images that Billy was seeing. Just the sign images, not everything. And so Billy started singing and floating on the waterbed and walking. And at first it was the signs they had told uh, Billy. Even a couple times Billy took wrong turns and it said U-turn or whatever, no passing zone, breakout, breakdown lane. But then they say, okay, no, look for uh, this number. Uh, but as Billy was going, more signs started increasing, and Billy started seeing these bigger billboards, uh, is what we call them. We don't have a lot of them because they're not that great to look at, but wherever Billy was, there was a lot of these, and Billy said, you know, uh, 
save money have you been have you is someone uh have you ever had a flat tire call this number do you need a place where there's a thousand t-shirts a thousand t-shirts today uh visit the sands of sandy shores beach uh as Billy went along, then Billy saw, like, further down, like, and was broadcasting those billboards. But Billy saw, like, about ten signs down, this one blinking reddish light. And uh, it was, like, blinking, drawing Billy. And then Billy kind of was reading the other signs, you know. Have you ever had a day to go? Have you want to make a go kart go go here? You know, have do you want the largest Ferris wheel? Uh, but meanwhile, Billy saw this blinking, and then she saw this tower. This was a billboard, but it was a three dimensional billboard with a tower. And Billy didn't broadcast this one just yet because uh, Billy had gone into another level of zone. And it was a t- tower uh, going up off the billboard, like three times the size of the billboard, this real-looking tower. And it was a wizard's tower, and that's what it said. It said, experience uh, something would have fallen off. The wizard's uh, tower of sorcery, I would think it was called. I call it the wizard's tower. And at the top of the tower, there's a window, and that's where the light was blinking, like a blinking candle. It was just, apparently, I guess it was solar-powered. It said, can you pass uh, the source? Can you become a source? Again, there's letters and words missing, but pass the tests. Uh, what awaits you? Uh, wonder, something, something not great. Uh, journey into the Tower of Sorcery. And it had these, like, people smiling, uh, dressed like wizards, kind of. uh, But still the light blinked, and that's really what Billy didn't know was a solar-powered light, and said, what is that light? Can you get in that tower? And so Billy walked up to the billboard, and there was a ladder going up the... And then Billy, like, noticed that... uh, the tower actually extended down into the earth uh, next to, like, uh, on the back side of the bill- billboard. The tower all, all the way went down into the earth. And Billy said, well, that's in it. So magic. That was another thing that caught Billy's eye. And Billy had, like, a flashback within a flashback to getting a magic kit uh, uh, one time from Dr. Max uh, with, like, a dancing rope or something. And cups were make balls disappear. And so Billy, like, was like, I got to find out if this light is magic. Uh, and so Billy climbed up the tower, uh, the well, the billboard, and then was looking for a way to get into the tower and uh, found this door, and then there was a spiral staircase going up the tower. Now, this normally in the past uh, would have been to to service the light, but the tower had kind of changed with time and maybe something else. uh, So the the tower was a little bit more, uh, like, organic. uh, 
And as Billy started going up, the, and then the light was making a sound, on and off sound, uh, from inside the tower. But then Billy noticed that the tower also went down, and that it wasn't stairs. It was more of a ramp uh, going down into the earth. And then Billy thought, Billy heard the sound of crunching carrots and uh, a twitching, and then even like a sound of a beak closing. And Billy looked up, and because the tower was, the sound traveled so strange, Billy, like, said, oh, boy, I don't, not sure I enjoy these sounds. And so Billy said, Get, like, uh, it's time for me to not sing a sign song anymore. Uh, and said, uh, take me home, take me home. Uh, and so then Billy uh, woke back up uh, on the waterbed. And she said, uh, I don't, I don't really like it. And, and, but Dr. Max and the team of scientists or whatever lab coat wearing people were taking tons of notes and saying, oh boy, that is a lot of information. We just learned about this. Holy mackerel. This is interesting stuff. Uh, really important stuff for us to write down. Uh, great job, Billy. Uh, and Billy said, I need to sleep. And, and Billy clutched uh, the stuffed, which with irony, I tell you now, is a stuffed uh, bunny uh, and went and fell deep, deep asleep and rested. Uh, and that's where we'll leave off for right now with Billy sound asleep. So nice uh, and cozy. Uh, good night.